You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the raven too come from the green dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. This is Jeremy, and today I've got a special treat. This is a continuation from my first 3D printing episode where I interviewed Jacob and Andreas, and they got me started on 3D printing. So this is the successor to that one because I've started, and now I feel like I've got a little bit of experience, but I want to get more experience. I want to get more out of my 3D printing. So today I've got on a special guest, Andrew. Hey guys, I'm Andrew. I'm the um, sculptor behind Medbury Miniatures. And Andrew is going to talk us through how he sculpts and, and some, some processes. And we're going to go through, and I've, I've got some of his work that I've uh, been playing around with. So I wanted to, to discuss that. I wanted to talk about my experiences with it, the, um, the things that went really well and the things that went not so well, because, of course, there's some, some learning process here. And I'll have a chat to Andrew about that and what his thoughts are and what his plans are for the future. And once again, this episode is just for me. It's for me to learn how to sculpt. So if any listener wants to learn as well, Good on you, but it's really just for me. So, so that's all good there. Okay, Andrew. Firstly, can I start by asking you? You've said you're you're from Medbury Miniatures, but what I want to know is, uh, how did you get into sculpting in the first place? Well, I've been into model making and miniatures for I've probably since since primary school. Um, I'm 21 now. I was born in um, well, New South Wales, Western Sydney, and I think it probably started with making models for model trains. And then that grew, my, my cousin played 40K. Um, he was a, he's uh, Ben Medbury, and he's a really um, good 40K player. Then we started playing Flames of War. And then obviously we moved into things like 40K and Lord of the Rings. And I had always been, uh, always converting models and sculpting extra sort of details. And that's how it started with, with just conversions. But I think then what transitioned that sort of sculpting, just like this is a, as a 12 year old, 13 year old, like, you know, in the games workshop stores back in the day. And then True Scale Space Marines was the first real thing. I started making the True Scale Marines and and it kind of grew from there. Then I got into Warhammer Fantasy right as that kind of died off. And so obviously when that died, we had to make all our own stuff. So I um, started sculpting uh, with green stuff and casting my models. And was, that was just, you know, for myself and my friends. What started the digital sculpting was at the end of 2019, I moved to England and obviously... 2019, December to January 2020, we all kind of know what happens after that. And um, so I was stuck alone in England and with no job for a bit. So um, I got my laptop and obviously I had no money to buy miniatures, but a 3D printer is like 120 pounds. So I bought my 3D printer, I had my laptop, I started making models. <laughs> and that's kind of what got me through a good part of 2020 was just sculpting and um so that started with models for Epic 40K and um, some other stuff. I did some commissions. And um, then towards the end of 2020, I got back into Lord of the Rings just as a series because I, I was doing some Star Wars stuff, but Star Wars is kind of obviously has some highs and lows at the moment. So yeah, moved back into Lord of the Rings and um, as an interest and, and, and fantasy and... I really got into the into Tolkien again, and um, things like studying language and stuff like that has just has been a bit of an interest. So, and yeah, so um, just started sculpting miniatures, and it's took took a while to um, get to a point where I felt like I was comfortable sculpting on a computer as well as I was with green stuff. And I still still reckon that some I could edge um, still have the edge with green stuff than I still than I do digitally, but it's 
what I really started to enjoy about sculpting digitally was you had to go back and edit stuff. And because obviously when you sculpt with green stuff, it's a layer queue is you put the next layer on. You can't go change what's underneath. And obviously with a, on a digital sculpting, um, which we'll talk more about later, you sculpt all the assets and you're not happy with something. You can go back and edit that specific thing without destroying the rest of the model. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And it's sort of grown from there. And um, yeah, it's been really great to make that into something more, to make a hobby more into like, a, a, not, I don't want to say career because it's not a job in any sense. It's, it's, I just love doing it. And I, there's so much more I want to do with this than just the models I've done so far. But that's kind of how, that's how it started. And that's where we are now. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot, lot further to go. Well, you put me to shame there. I uh, I started. I got my first 3D printer about a year ago or so. It was my uh, oh, yeah. Photon Zero, and honestly, that was probably not the best purchase because the detail just wasn't there for me. And I've yeah. been printing mostly 10 mil models. So we talked about Warhammer Fantasy. Oh, cool. Um, I was yeah. really into War Warmaster, which was the the epic version yeah. of Warhammer Fantasy, like early 2000s. And it was prohibitively expensive because you paid like mm. Australian $22 or so for a single unit and you wanted to have about 20 of these things on the board. So you're talking about $400, $500 for a decent sized army, which is just insane. That's crazy. So, so now yeah. it's taken off in 3D printing because so many people are making these, yeah. these 10 mil models and they're all exaggerated posts. You've got quite big heads, quite big arms, quite big mm. hands, but they work so well at 10 mil and I've just been going nuts on those. So that's what I've been printing mostly. But I finally got into to the Lord of the Rings scale, and there's a few of the designers, and yours are some of the work that I picked up recently. And I, I think it's fantastic that we've got those options now. So it's it's really cool, mm. and I'm I'm just surprised about how short amount of time it's taking you to get to the, the point you are with it. That's that's really impressive to me because um, I know my sculpting is very very crude. I can do the green stuff stuff. Um, I can make a little skeleton for a model out of wire. I can puff it up together. I can yeah. put some layers on it. But it just pretty much looks looks bad. I can mix it in with the models okay, but it's nothing like like the work that you guys are coming up with and and the, uh, the stuff in Medbury Miniatures. So very impressive. Well done there. Thank you. Yeah, Warhammer. The, sorry, the Warhammer um, Warmaster. That that was one of the ones that kind of took off. Um, I remember watching last year. I actually did a, I did a couple of because um, I was doing fifteen millimeter fantasy in the UK, and and then once I had made like. Probably, probably painted about 200 models in 15mm. Um, then I realised that Warmaster was such a big thing. And I was just like, oh my goodness. 5mm is too big. <laughs> I, I wish I had scaled that all down. And I was just, then I started printing out some 10mm and I put it next to the 15mm and the 28mm. I thought, oh, I could have got so many more models on the table if I just scaled it down. But. So uh, we've just brought up a point that wasn't on my original plan, but talking about scale. So for some of our listeners, they've never experienced anything other than our Lord of the Rings, which is roughly 28 mil scale. None of these are exactly accurate, but we've got, we're talking about 10 mil scale and there's of course, bigger scales as well. So firstly, the scale is in theory, it's the, the distance from uh, the, the feet to the eyes and it's the, what, a normal person would be so a 10 mil model 10 mils to the from the feet to the eyes would be about the size of a normal person so around that average six foot for for a guy i wish i could get to that height but that sort of level um and 28 mil for a 28 mil model about the same idea but of course they change by manufacturer quite a bit oh, and yeah. they also change um in style so you get some 
some are very exaggerated body parts and others are a lot more realistic. So um, what's the difference between sculpting for, say, 15 mil and sculpting for, for 28? Um, that's a, there's a lot a lot to break down with that. And I'll get to that. Um, I will obviously address that. But it's, it is tricky because one of the points, um, I was talking to two of the other sculptors um, from, like, uh, I'll, I'll pull up their names. We'll probably talk about them later, and I'll make sure I've got their names up before I uh, mention them. But I was, two of the other um, sculptors I, I chat to, and I kind of said, asked, what, what, how do they handle scale? Because I was just, I've been doing lots of um, orcs and trolls and stuff like that, so I hadn't really done any humans in a while, and I came back to it, and then I did a bunch, and I scaled them to 28 mil. So I looked in my um, program, and they were 28 mil from the feet to sort of the head. Mm. And then I printed them off, and they looked like they were 25 millimeter or 70 second scale. And, and so that prompted me and I grabbed a bunch more, but we talk about true scale and heroic scale, like the peri miniatures for historicals and um, GW sculpts are meant to be like the true scale, you know, the heads are proportionate, the hands are proportionate and not exaggerated, but, and, and then there's the true scale, which is like the sort of the Warhammer look and where the hands and heads are obviously much larger and the muscles are very exaggerated, but it's, that's actually not a, not 100% correct either because the what we call true scale, the heads, uh, if the head is meant to be a seventh of the body, it's a sixth of the body on what we call true scale models. So they're still scaled up anyway. I was doing a um, one of the the videos I've done on YouTube um, on sculpting, which we'll talk about later. I was I spent um, 15 minutes or so talking about so when we're sculpting these models, there's sort of a in, in drawing, it's called like line weight, how thick the line is that, you know, you're drawing. Or um, it's kind of like when you turn on bold on when you're typing and it makes the, the, the letters like thicker. That sort of idea of um, the thinness and the thickness of the strokes or the lines, line weight, um, and how that applies to miniatures. And so if you kind of think, if we think about painting a face, and this is the way I broke it down for myself, it's like you've got the eyes, and with the eyes, you can't, I mean, everyone does them slightly differently, but you kind of put a stroke of paint across for the white and then a dot for the black. But they're all, they're all pretty much as small as you can go. And that's kind of like the minimum sort of thing that you can paint, the minimum sort of stroke or brush stroke that you can make. So any detail that's thinner than a nose on a on a miniature isn't going to show up. So there's like, once you, when and I know when I'm sculpting that... Um, there's like I, I don't actually have a measurement for it, but I've kind of just like decided that the minimum sort of detail is going to be the width of the nose on that miniature, and no sort of strap, belt strap, or um, on the chainmail when sometimes the chainmail's got um the little wrapping around it. None of those sort of or on the on the cuffs where there's a bit of a link or any of um stitching, none of that sort of detail can be any thinner than this sort of minimum that I've decided, which is about the width of the nose or the um, the eyes, that sort of line stroke. So I'm not 100% sure what that is, but it's probably like half of a millimeter. So like and this arbitrary number that I've come up with for myself, no detail can be smaller than that because you can't paint it. So obviously um, sculpting for 28 millimeter, mil, sorry, 28 millimeter, we have a bit of room to play with, but, and I have done a bit of 10 mil and six mil sculpting, but it, all, it means that that half of a millimeter that you know is the minimum sort of um, uh, width that anything could be to paint. 
all of a sudden half a millimeter is goes from sort of being one fifty sixth of a model to um, one twelfth of a model. So it's a lot less sort of detail that you can fit in. So if you look at models for like um, Warmaster and stuff like that, the heads, even though it's a 20, ten millimeter mo- uh, model, the heads are probably going to work at twenty millimeters. They they're twice the size. So um, I haven't done terribly much sculpting at that scale, but it's kind of like we've we've kind of decided that there's a minimum size for a chainmail ring. The size of a chainmail chainmail ring on a twenty eight millimeter miniature is if you go bigger than twenty eight mil, chainmail it pretty much stays the same because you can't get a, a ring any smaller than that to print or paint. And so all the way down from six mil all the way up till you know fifty four millimeter or um plus the chainmail links kind of stay the same because you can't translate that detail any finer. And obviously a chainmail ring is six millimeters to twelve millimeters at whatever scale. That's ridiculous. So one of the guys from Varus Miniatures who does six mil um, Warmaster, and he was asking me about doing my, how I do my chainmail, and we were talking about this, and he was talking about the different styles of chainmail, and that's actually another point to do with scale. So there's all obviously in chainmail the different weave patterns. So if you imagine the one ring in the middle. There's four in one with the two rings, the top two rings at the bottom, and they kind of go into each other. There's six in one, eight in one. Obviously, for modeling, we only ever do four in one so that you can see that there's rings. It doesn't just look like fur. But lots of um, game studios, so uh, GW is one that I actually hadn't noticed until very recently, but GW, Dabble, and a couple of others, the way they model their chainmail is they only do the rings going down, and they're in thin lines, so they don't actually interlink. But from a distance, obviously, you see the rings and they look like chain. And that's, when you look at it and you actually pay attention, it doesn't look like chain mail at all. It isn't because it, the, the things aren't linking. But it translates as that, and it reads as that thing. Whereas um, there's a really great historical sculptor um, called Cavalero Miniatures. So they do 28mm Spanish. I think the guy is Spanish. I haven't spoken to him yet. He's I, I want to chat to him at some, some point. He does really good chain mail and... Um, and all the links kind of um, interconnect. But so, yeah, sculpting for smaller scales. If you try to make all of the chain links interconnect, it wouldn't look, it'd just be like a ring the size of your chest and two of them, like two of them either side. It doesn't work. So sculpting at smaller scales is less about accurately representing the shape of an object and more making something read a certain way. So things like, uh, in historicals, in Napoleonics, where every shako has that giant feather and the giant plume, that plume is like the, the size of a shako at 6 mil, 10 mil, because it's how we tell the bottles apart. Oh, that one's got the white and red plume, that one's got the green and blue or whatever. So it's it's like taking things like the um, the muskets or the spears and the swords and just scaling them right up so that you can see at a distance what they are. And it reads as a certain thing rather than an accurate sort of depiction. There's, I saw someone, there's a really great group chat called Wargaming in Middle Earth. Mm, yes. There was a guy, I don't remember his name to credit him. His Facebook profile is him in a Saxon helmet. Anyway, <laughs> he did some 10 mil um, Tolkien stuff and printed off some of the 28 millimeter model, models that, um, like, I, I can't remember who the others were, but some of them were mine. And they look really good because they look like um, you can make a great diorama with them, but and he's painted them very well and all these sort of things, but you couldn't read what they sort of... You can read what they were, and from a distance, I can make out exactly what he's trying to represent with these miniatures or whatever he used. But you wouldn't be able to look at them and say, 
that's chainmail, that's this, that's this, because it just prints flat. So it's that sort of minimum. It, it, I think it's a mix between that sort of minimum detail size, uh, like a, maybe just a little bit less than half a millimeter, and how much less of sort of lines you can fit in in that model, and also not worrying about representing something necessarily accurately, but taking the sort of the key parts in, in which would be the helmet normally, because it's the top of the model, which is what you see when you look down, the what they're holding, which is very important to be able to read what they are, and then any sort of unique identifiers that make them stand out. So um, say, say like for Warmaster, um, the people who do sort of um, lanch neck sculpts that work with Warmaster, um, to make them stand out apart from some men at arms that are meant to be Bretonian, all the sort of the puffy shoulders, I don't actually know what they're called, but all of mm. those have to be huge because they're the things you've got to be able to see. And so it's not meant to be so, so much realistic, but the key points are meant, meant to sort of read. That's that's my interpretation of it and how I, I view it when um if I do anything at a slightly different scale. And when people ask sometimes, they say, could you scale this down to us for us for um 10, 10 mil or could you put some of this on 10 mil strips? I kind of always look at it, respond and say like, it can be done, and I'm happy to do, to do that. But if if I was ever going to explore a different scale, it would be starting from scratch. It would, and then the next thing is supporting supporting miniatures at 10 mil is very different. Mm. Um, on think on Thingiverse, my my Thingiverse still has a bunch of the epic 40k stuff I did. That stuff I remember supporting it and just putting like a big hefty support on the base, two on the sort of the shoulder exhaust, and one on the bottom of the power pack. Just letting the rest up to chance. Um, <laughs> that's exactly my supporting yeah. strategy. That's, that's exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so supporting is only something I've only really learned properly in the last like two or three months. Before that, before that, I didn't support my pre-support my models because I had um, just interpreted them as kits. That, it, like, um, in in the sense that, like, not, not like a bootleg copy of something, but it was more. Um, people to do what they wanted with them and so like there are things like trolls that i'd done and it's like if i supported this someone's gonna have a different printing style so i kind of just thought i hate supporting i don't like doing it i'm gonna let other people do it now i've kind of turned around and go no that's i I think i'm gonna start pre-supporting my models it's a bit more professional so i'm working my way through the back catalog and all the patreon stuff is all pre-supported but even in the three months that i've now done well the next one is still eight days away the supports have grown from the start of that. Because I remember I got back from... Um, sorry, not got back. I, yeah, we got started lockdown. That's what it was. And I bought Lychee. Lychee is my favorite supporter. Um, sorry, supporting software. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't stand sh- um, shitty box. But, but Lychee Pro. And I did some supports. And I asked... Uh, at this point, because we're in the middle of lockdown, I'm stuck up at the Central Coast at the moment. And I didn't have a printer because uh, it was down in Sydney. So I sent these pre-supported files to a couple of my friends, and I thought, come on, I remember how to do this. I'll be fine. I sent them out, um, and, like, probably three or four people would have printed those for me. And um, they came back to me, and they all kind of failed, basically. And that was a, that was a, that was a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. All right. Um, so since, since then, uh, that, they, that um, whole month, I did end up supporting, and they all worked perfectly. Which is fine in the end, but um, that that was something I was not very good at up until very recently, and now I feel like with Lightchi, Lightchi gives you the option to do sort of fan supports yes. a lot easier. But it was tricky because I didn't have a printer for a good two months, and 
when you're looking in the slicer, funny we're talking about scale, I've kind of worked out the minimum and sort of supports I need to support a 28mm model. Um, like I, I always put heavy support on both feet, or two heavy supports on both feet, two mediums off those, so there's like six supports on the feet, and that kind of hole can hold the weight of anything, or at least the settings I've got. Um, and then I just have to hold up the rest of the detail. So normally there's two medium supports on the scabbard, and then some smaller ones. All under the arms are like maybe three or four mediums, and then it's just the light supports in a sort of a fan tree the whole way along, that kind of stuff. And they all work fine. And then I came to this month's Patreon, and it was supporting trolls. Ooh. Because the last troll I printed was the catapult troll. That thing sort of stands like five inches or six inches up on the table, whereas these ones are 50 mil tall. They're, they're a lot smaller. And so I'm thinking in my head, I know these are not that big. The last one I printed was huge. Yeah, that, that one's, I've, I've printed two of those, the big ones, um, the catapult ones. But I don't remember how I did those. So, but yeah, I can comfortably say I've conquered that one. Can confirm the trolls I had no problems with whatsoever when I was printing those ones. So those, those, <laughs> you print it, you, sorry, your supports, I was actually, I was going to mention that a bit later on, but this is, this is a good time to mention it. They are so <laughs> far above what I'm doing for supporting because I'm using uh, the Chidu box at the moment. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. I've written down Lychee Pro. I'm like, yep, I'm, I need a better supporting program because <laughs> what I've yeah. noticed about yours is it, the, the light support you've got with the fans, they almost just yeah. fall off when I go and clean the models. and. They they're so easy to clean up because they give they they break the detail just a little bit so you get these little tiny tiny bumps but I just run the scalpel blade over it and yeah. it's just instantly removed and you, you don't lose any of the detail where I tend to to go much thicker on the supports I'm using mediums and occasionally lights just to hold things together but you just mm. really run that risk of chopping into your models so I was really impressed of how how your models were supported uh, they're all seem to be supported from um, the bottom is that correct. Uh, in what sense? So the models, in... the models are orientated, so the feet are always facing towards the plate. And um, yeah. so you don't lose any detail on the front of it. So it's just sort of the back and the bottom of the model that's that's copying all the supports. A lot of the uh, method to my supporting has has been just trial and error. And I, I think it's funny. You can look at, um, like, if you, if you see my head, I can picture all the different models and I can see the progression. But, yeah, so... I see on, on YouTube videos about, I don't normally click on them, but they show up about 3D printing and it's like, you know, the best way to orientate your model, these kinds of things. Yes. And I don't really think too much about that personally because I, well, I'm, I'm just trying to get through the supports really. But when, when I do orientate them, I, a bit of, a tiny bit of thought, not as much as I would like to, and I'm trying to get better at it, a tiny bit of thought of supporting is happens during the sculpting phase. So um, I talk about it in one of the videos on YouTube is that when we're making a model and there's a good chance, number one, it's just going to be tilted 45 degrees back. That's like the, the golden rule, right? Mm. But so what that means is, so we, t we tilt the model 45 degrees back. So if you just picture like all of us sitting in our chairs, like we've got our chin at the moment and the chin would be like an island, us sitting upright. So we lean back, the chin's now like kind of at enough of an angle it can support itself. I don't quite go 45 degrees back. I think I um, say around 25 degrees at the moment. I have some um, horse lords that are coming out in a few days, which are, they're all, they look more like huskals. I've just, I've got some huskals that I've just done as well. And um, for actual Anglo-Saxons and um, 
they've all got capes at the moment. Oh, not all of them. I think uh, four of them, four out of the six have capes, and then six out of the six, sorry, five out of the five have capes. But anyway, but the capes kind of come off the model at about 20, 20 degrees sort of thing. So I I normally keep find things like the um, the scabbard. I want the scabbard to print straight up. I don't want that to move. The cape. If I can get the cape to be a flat wall, that means no supports on the back. The cape is really thick because it can't obviously be brittle. So it's strong. And often if I've got a cape on a model, I normally try and get the cape to connect to the foot. So just so there's just extra strength in there. And so... If I've got a, yeah, a model with a cape, so um, this month coming up for um, Patreon with um, I've got some um, lots of Scottish Highlander esque models, so clansmen and with big claymores and big axes. And one of the characters um, is this really big big guy with his horn and his spear, and he's got this great big cape. Um, just him, for instance. That that kind of um, thing. I think there's there's photos of that on on in the ME SPG thing. Um, but yeah, so that that sort of model like that, where the spear is dead at the side. Now that's where it starts to get a bit trickier. Um, so yeah, I normally try and get the scabbard pointing down and the cape as a flat sort of wall, and then heavily support the feet. And I normally try and not quite over support the feet, but we are going to sand them. It's kind of like you don't want to take away detail from the rest of the models, from the rest of the model like the arms and stuff like that. But no one ever needs to see the feet, unless it's this big sci-fi model where the feet have detail on them. But not for us. Um, so it's not a, not a big concern. But it does get tricky when um, it's where, where the fan supports came in. And I've had a bit of an evolution of thought about those over the last two months. But the it's kind of it's firstly dictated by the the least supports I can do, which is our flat walls for capes and stuff like that. But then if there's like an arm in the sky or something like that or a, worst is a hand outstretched i keep doing them I'm not sure, i need to stop doing the models <laughs> like that but it just it just, it just keeps happening and um but then it's kind of like okay least supports possible but the advantage is if i tilt them on the side so the spear is going up at 45 degrees so 45 degrees to the side now what that means is the other arm that's either holding a helmet or doing whatever now there's the armpit for that is completely sort of exposed, very easy to support that, and especially because most of the models these days have um, chainmail. And so I think, so yeah, so and chainmail, you've got to get, kind of get a tiny support in all the links. So one of the comments with the um, the light supports, it's and it's tricky because I get feedback for the supports, and every time I get feedback, I try and um, I do want to work work on the support, so I I do as much as I can with it, and. So yeah, the light supports have been one where it's like there are people who would who um, like your support where you kind of just do a couple of big bigger heavy ones, and it's kind of a trade off. It's like what what would you prefer? Would you prefer to clean up one big dent or a bunch of little ones? Sometimes a bunch of little ones can be very annoying. So like some of the models I've got over here um, just on my desk, which where there's like a, a bunch of the Normans and um, again some of the Saxons where. Because they're historical, I've, I've added this strap that goes around that so from the shield to around the body back to the shield. So, like, that strap is, isn't really on many fantasy models. No, but we just ignore kind it. Of a, it. Get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I've, put, I've gone to that, that, that little bit of detail on the historical ones. But the first batch I did, I didn't connect that strap to the arm. There's, like, two millimeters of a gap. So I put 
tiny little fan supports, like or just like pillars the whole way along. Getting rid of those, and it works. Getting rid of those things is a pain. So, okay, the next models I do is not going to be that way. It's um, <laughs> so they're not anymore. But that was um, a month or two ago. But there's a trade-off. It's like, on the one hand, they just they do. You're right. They snap right off, but they leave these tiny little marks. But on chainmail, you've got no other option, I don't think, because otherwise you're taking your chunk out of the chainmail. But so one of the, the thoughts with those mini supports is, so what? What makes a model fail? It's there's not the supports aren't strong enough. And what to me that means is the suction of the film pulling off the model. There's just not enough sort of surface area or contact that is keeping the model stuck to the base of the supports. So that must be, to me that means like there's a sort of a minimum amount of surface area that you kind of need that's going to keep the model stuck to it. So um, I don't know the math off the top of my head, but if you had a support that was 50 millimeters, sorry, not 50 millimeters, 0.5 of a millimeter. So that's one of my heavy supports is 0.5 of a millimeter. And so whatever the surface area of that is, um, I don't know that off the top of my head, but you could kind of fit four or five 0.15 millimeter supports inside of that. The 0.5 millimeter support is going to take away a dent when you pull it off, but the, the five little supports uh, might leave something behind instead and you can scrap those off. So it's a bit of a trade-off. And that's why I, I went to really, really fine supports because I kind of thought, well, it's just about the surface area. And the little ones obviously leave less dense. I'll go that direction instead. And then I got to this month's past Patreon, the Fell Kingdom stuff. And um, I had to correct a bunch of those in the end just um, when, as I was doing them because, and I think the, even the finished result, I still feel like they're a bit fine. So I've found a good middle ground for this next month and that's okay. All, all of these ones have, have worked, but they were on the finer side. So I found some of the people, and I'm, I'm the first to tell you, my printer is not very well dialed in, but some people get much better prints than I do. I, I just haven't really spent the time to do mine. But there are some people who, if you overexpose to models, you're never going to have a trouble. But people who underexpose just a tiny fraction started to struggle, or um, some of the test printers who underexpose a little bit struggled with some of these supports. And some printers have more suction than others. So print, um, so doing the pre-supports for a larger audience for um hundred people they have to be sort of not idiot proof because I don't, I don't want to say that well idiot proof i'm the idiot here um because <laughs> i'm the one that can't dial in my printer but they have to work with all the sorts of suction so they have to be a bit stronger so i i've now kind of backed off from doing all of the little supports and added it in just if i can fit a medium one in so for example the pommel of a sword stuff like that there's enough flat surface area i'll do i do a medium now I've had a lot of fun doing horses recently, very supporting those because I tilt the horse almost all the way back, back up, so the body is like a tube almost. And um, under the legs, I put a bunch of supports under the hoof because you can stand that. And then pretty much, then on all the sort of I've just gone over the horses in the last couple of months. So if anyone is familiar with my work, but from a while ago, um, I appreciate those horses were pretty garbage. But all of the kits now have been updated with new horses. So if you have got them, you can go in. Um, it's your the original email. You can just go and download the new horses. They're a whole lot better. But then they've also got, they've got all the muscles, all that kind of thing, and most of them are pre-supported now on the store. But because they've got... I've, I've done all of the extra muscles on the horse, and they look pretty jacked, and they're much easier to paint. They've been great to paint because all of the highlights um, are kind of modelled on. Um, so you, the layers... Of, it's very easy to see where you paint highlights. But anyway, because they've got all that extra sort of detail, especially in the legs... It's made it very easy to do supports because every time there's like kind of like a bump, um, medium support, medium support, medium support, 
and then the entire sort of way between is like light support. Like the gap is the size of a light support, and it says light support, light support, light support. I kind of got, well, didn't get the idea of it, but once I'd done it, I realized, oh, I might have thought of that from something else I'd seen. So I'd seen, there's this guy, there was this file on Thingiverse, and I don't remember what it was, but it was um, some pre-supported shields. And so what it, it was a shield that was straight up in the air, and the supports for, were, sorry, for it weren't, like, done in a slicer. They were done in, like, Blender or something, because it was like this wall, like this cube, sorry, not cube, but this plane, this thick plane, where as it hit the shield, they had taken out like a tiny chunk. Mm. And so the supports were very strong the whole way up. And so it was kind of like a thin sort of wall. And so I've got these horse legs. I kind of do... Have you printed any of the um, ho- the new pre-supported horses? I have printed a bunch of your horse lord ones, and I've printed a, yeah. um, a, a wraith horse as well. And yeah, I've so they're had... a bit different. They're the ones with struggles. Yeah, but the, the horse lord ones, I've had... These yeah. are... I probably had the best results of the printing altogether because those sure. those medium heavy supports you put underneath the little um islands on the 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 hooves legs uh, yeah legs, yeah yeah they they're just fantastic and and they 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 help as well because um attaching the model to bases I find really tricky because nothing glues them except for for me for super glue with accelerant because it just does not want to stick at all so those big surface yeah. area um, discs as well have been fantastic and. Uh, yeah, the the horses are fantastic. My daughter loves them as well. She's five years old. Oh, that's daughter. good. She um stole a bunch of my horses and painted them pink. So uh, I've got to reprint them. Um, my um girlfriend works with horses, and so when I was at hers um at the start of lockdown, I was at my computer just doing a bit of sculpting, and I just looked over and I said, "Can you help?" Because uh, and she came over and um we, we from scratch remodeled the basic horse standing up straight, and she goes, "Okay, so you've got that shape wrong. This has got to be fixed." And it was really great because um and then. Which is so. What does a horse look like when it's running like this? And she just goes through a phone and finds the photos. So it's, I, I had to help some help with those, and um, I appreciate that from her. Um, but yeah, so as, but as you've seen, the supports with those, it's um, like the, there's, a, there's a fan under the two front legs and the back legs, and you've just got to run the scalpel across them, and they work, and that's fine. Um, now that's kind of my go to now. Um, those as bases under the feet. So the, the first horse I ever did would have been um, around March. And that was a, a... I was like, Horse Lords, Westland Marshall, Foot and Mounted. Yeah, I ended up dropping... Sorry, taking that one off and then putting it back in a different sort of... Um, as a kit with, combined with other commanders. So there's like a Hornblower and a, a Standard Bearer. There's a Standard Bearer with and without the flag, so you can put paper flags there um, and a couple of other models. And um, but that was the first horse I did. And I need to go back and add the, the base to that one. The reason I haven't done that yet is because if I go and add the base to it, I need to pre-support it, and then I need to pre-support all six of them. I haven't got to that yet. Um, because I'm thinking... I'm, I'm, I've taken off a bunch of the Horse Lords kits because I'm going to redo them and because they were some of the first ones I did, and so now they're looking... Now they're not up to scratch with the newer stuff. So I want to start those again and I and go at it from a different angle. But anyway, that horse, I... um. Ooh, I might have started that actually. Sorry, I, I think I said I was wrong when I said March because I think I might have started that right before I flew back home. And I flew back home uh, 2020, December 11th. It took me six months to get a flight back to Australia. Um, but yeah, I think I was, because I was still in quarantine when I was sculpting that model, I think. And, um, oh, wow. Had done under the hoof, only under one hoof, I had done this little sort of pin in the model because I thought, oh, when I print it, I'll drill into the base and I'll pin that model in. 
and you can imagine how well that's obviously gone. It hasn't gone very well at all. No, and, um, Yuck. <laughs> I, I need to fix that one pretty soon. And then I did, after that, some of the very sort of basic horses for um, the horse lords and for the Eastern mercenaries and for the, and the elves kits as well. Um, were there any other horse kits? Oh, I'm percent sure. And yeah, they had no bases on the feet. They were just the feet. And they were, they were very crude horses compared to what, what we have now, which um, no one said anything at that point. I, I heard the, I got the feedback. The horses don't look very good. So I fixed that. But no one said anything about the bases until I fixed it. And then when I, um, <laughs> I put the bases on the feet, I've got... So if you haven't got a 3D printer, the models are, are, get are available printed by um, distributors or people who... Um, who sell the prints. And um, so there's, I think there's 14 or 15 of them now. Um, and so they're, they're on Etsy. If you're if you need, need one, and there's too many to name, message me and I'll find one um, on Facebook and I'll find, I'll refer you to the one closest to your place in the world because shipping is pained nationally mm, right now. Yeah. And as soon as I updated these horses and did the first August Patreon thing and they um, saw the, New pre-supported horses, which, which again, those ones. So these these horse horses, ones that you would have seen, are not the new ones with the exaggerated muscles and all this kind of stuff. Um, they're new, and they're for, the other kits all have those. That's why I need to update even those ones from August. But anyway, yeah, the bases went on the feet, and then I heard one by one because I, I try and chat to most of the people who do the printing, so just to get their their um, feedback, and I try and implement it as fast as I can, but I. I can only work so quickly. and um, But they all kind of said one at a time. Yeah, kind of don't know how we did horses before, or why, we, why the horses were done before this, but, like, yeah, the old ones weren't that, weren't that great, hey. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but they weren't, but I'm, I'm happy with the um, the state of the, the new horses from, um, which are on all of the kits on the store except for the horse lords ones, which is really ironic because they're the ones that need to have the good horses. But, Actually, funny we say that. Um, as yesterday, I was doing some because I'm redesigning that that whole range just to be just to come at it from the the different angle. Which, um, but as part of that, I kind of realised. Look, every time I do a horse, I have to pre-support the whole thing. But what if I want to change one detail about that horse? And um, anyway, to cut a long story short. The horses will be multi-part from now on, and so I'll go back and. Um, update all of the kits on the store and fix those to have the um, modular horses. So when I had modular, I mean, there's obviously the harness on the body. Where there's the, the front or where the two sort of shoulders are, there's that sort of strap with the buckle in the middle. Basically, the neck is all, now will be separate from now on. And that means um, when like there'll be head options for the horses in looking in different directions as well as different head pieces. And then you can just take those and put them on um, barded horses with the chainmail skirts and stuff like that. And oh, wow. <laughs> what I'm excited to do with that. Um, so I've done a bunch of those. I've put a photo up on um, the Instagram story and of what those look like now. But what I'm excited to do with that, though, is characters holding reins. I kind of feel like I've been missing with that is because at the moment, the reins kind of just sit in the, in, in the, in the saddle. Yeah, so now that I've got... <laughs> that's what... That's the, the sort of the, the um, standard in resin and twenty eight millimeter miniatures. I, I don't, I can't think of any that. Um, or maybe some of the new plastic GW kits are holding the reins. Actually, maybe I, think the new... I, I can't recall any. There might be, there might be some, but yeah, 
even mm. even before the rains, just this this clump of metal or or resin sort of hung, hanging out. The, having yours almost separate and, and flying out is is a new thing. But yeah, that would be taking it to another level to have it in the hands. Yeah, well, there's that, that Spanish um, sculptor, the Caballero miniatures. All of his, I'm pretty sure, they hold the reins in their hand. I haven't. I've been meaning to purchase some of his models because um, they're great historical stuff, uh, and it'll be good to see how he does his. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's the next step of realism is taking the the reins instead of putting them because if you look at all the horses from Perry miniatures, um, and I think I think the Perry sculptors had some really nice horses. And they're Perry sculptors, for those who aren't aware, the Perry brothers uh, have Perry miniatures. They do a whole, they do everything historical. Mm. Um, all of the sort of the time time periods you can think of, loads of plastic and metal kits, and they're all sort of true scale, as true as, true scale as you know can be. Um, but they also were the sculptors on early Warhammer and Lord of the Rings for GW, and so there's lots of crossover between those sort of two ranges in um, compatibility. And, but they have some very nice horses, and but but those again the from the like the bridle and the mouth the, the sort of the two reins just go back and sit in the horse, and so obviously then you can put any rider in them. So um, when you're sculpting it, it's kind of like there's a bit of a trade-off. It's like actually I think I've got one model that character the first horse I did I put the reins in the hands, but there's a trade-off because it's do we put the reins in in the hands? Because oh, that means the whole model has to sort of be reliant on this one character so that means this horse i can't use anywhere else or um i can't like or something like that it has to be for this one figure but now that i've got head separate which i probably should have done from the start but um i don't know why i did that <laughs> i didn't think about that but it, now that i've got the head separate it means I can just it means if obviously there'll be a horse body a horse head with the reins and then the reins will be off to the side with the hand and then the arm will be cut sort of at the wrist and you put the model on, and it connects to the wrist, and then you put the head and the rider onto the horse. But that means, like, number one, if that's a unique horse body that I haven't used elsewhere, or, for instance, it's got some special armor on it or something like that, you can just take a generic head, put it on, and then use any other rider. And so I'm, I'm excited to do some better horse characters going forward with that new system. Uh, that, was a, that was a heck of a tangent from doing... Uh, light and medium supports, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, absolutely, but this is this. We're all about tangents, That's the podcast, and, and, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we, yeah. this is. We don't have a time limit, so we could just we can go on as many tangents as we want. And sure. that's interesting. <laughs> so, so just to confirm, the horse lords I've got in my hand at the moment, they're from the was it the August one? Uh, Patreon, yeah, the Patreon ones. Patreon August. So they're going to be updated. Is that correct? No, so those ones because they're not um, a thing anymore. Like they're they're an old Patreon month. No, so they they're not getting updated. They're that's a thing in itself it's so on at the moment i'm using gumroad as the store uh, mm-hmm. where the old kits are for and some of the stuff from patreon makes its way to the store some of it um doesn't for uh, anyway the stuff on the store i had some i think the kits that w- were there were like horse lord scouts um king's guard on foot king's guard mounted and the those the, those the two king's guard kits are gone um I'll bring those back at, at another point. The scouts are still there. I I want to take those down as well soon because they don't look so bad, but they're a bit bland. Or and I've kind of got some um because at the moment I'm just looking at them now to know what I'm talking about. Those ones um they're not necessarily sculpted that badly, and I've seen people paint them really well, so I'm not unhappy with them. But 
the poses are like, oh, he's reaching for an arrow from his quiver. He's got the dagger and he's got the little shield or these kind of things. And they're not they're bad, but uh, I think what I want to... I wanted to take all of these from being just sculpt, sculpting models for rank and file to make them... To, to give them a lot more character. And so I'm picturing some of these Horse Lord Scouts where, like, I, I'm going to try and get, like, um, spare a day to smash some out because um, like I'm picturing some, like where they're like crouching and he's like he's kind of like got his fingers on the ground and he's looking up like he's like you know feeling for tremors of like something nearby just things that are people that are not or models that are not just like shooting arrows and holding spears i, I want to get away from that but it's a bit tricky because um it's tricky to come up with poses that are not generic yes. and so I, I will work on those but so no the 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 whole sort of stuff that i've taken down some of the old stuff because like that, that kid had so much, so many things in it. It was, it was great for what it was, but those models were a little bit not generic. But I felt like it was pretty clear where the design was inspired from, and it didn't look bad or anything like that. But there wasn't much. I, I don't say there wasn't much thought put into it, but the, the new sort of stuff that I'm, I'm doing for those, and there's the one photo on Instagram, like the shields, for instance, were. They were obviously the round sort of shields that you'd expect, but what the designs on them, I mean, I, I think the, the kid on the store just had two shields in, on them. Mm. I, there wasn't any thought put into it. But the kid I've just, well, not the kid, the, the um, three that I've just I've just done for kids going to go up in um, a few days have, like, so I, I went right back to, um, like, the inspiration for this faction, which is very much, like, rooted in sort of Anglo-Saxon sort of history. So there's a couple of, like, Anglo-Saxon shields that have just, like, sort of... that have been recovered and, um, like, that are in museums and stuff like that. And I don't know any of the names of any of the shields, but there's, like, there's there's one where it's got sort of, like, sort of, like, an axe on one... sort of, like, an axe sort of shape on another side, like a ball sort of shape on the other side, some studs at the top and a bar across the bottom on the front. And, like... Um, some people might know what I'm trying to refer to, but um, I I don't know its name. But it's just when you type in Anglo-Saxon, you know, shields. There's like there's obviously the ones with the patterns on them, but there's ones where there's like the pieces and pieces of metal sort of embedded in them. So these new horse lord shields I've done, are like I've sort of taken that Anglo-Saxon sort of design where it's got the studs on them where they've got studs and the bars where they've got bars, and wherever they've got um, some sort of arbitrary sort of metal sort of shape, that's like either a boar or a this or a that. I can't work out what some of them were. Some of them were weird horn shapes. I've taken a horse motif. And um, so I was in W Illustrator the other day making some horse motifs to put on those. And so those, um, and so they, I'm looking at them now, um, they've got like, um, and well, like, so this this kind of was prompted by doing um, some Normans and Saxons over the last few months. And when I, as I was researching those, going, I was thinking at the start doing, I'll do a bunch in um, chain mail armor that I'll do something scale mail and uh, things like that. And I can't find, and anyone is free to message me and show me a source. I can't find any sources for scale mail in, like uh, the, the Saxons and Normans I've done are around 1066, so Hastings sort of era. I can't find any evidence of scale, scale mail. I can't see where it existed in Britain in the, 12th, in the 11th century. Okay, so, but but what I could find was lots of gambeson and lots of like the the padded wool sort of stuff. So like I'm looking at these horse swords now, and that's 
where that tangent came from is like these are um, not meant to be replacements for the King's Guard. These are going to be something slightly different. We're pretty clear when what they are when you see them, but they've got instead of under the chainmail, the chainmail is knee length, which is practical, but they've got uh, like gambeson underneath their um, uh, scale mail. They've got like the cloaks have fur underneath them, which is kind of a thing. But all the belts as well are, um, I don't want to say more realistic, but they're much more inspired by the historical sources behind what this faction is meant to represent than a fantasy interpretation. Um, and they still, still fit in with both with both sort of ranges. But, and um, and like in some, and just another comment with these is in some fantasy, there's they have um, just this sort of obsession with like leather armor that's got patterns on it. And it looks really cool. And I'm never going to stop making things like that. But I haven't got that on these. But but things like um, excesses of scale armor or these um, these metal plates, they're, they're metal squares that sit next to each other on fantasy miniatures. And it's like, what does that represent? There's um, a <laughs> tegulated plate, which has the chains between them, but they have no chains between them. And I've sculpted a tegulated plate on the, um, the orcs from the last range. So I've, I've taken that away and I've put lamellar armor which is the same sort of rectangles, but it actually is meant to be something. And I was, I was having fun coming up with um, names for all of the, the kits because I wanted to sort of to rebrand this, this sort of range and to put more depth into it um, from just at least in my head. And um, so I was like, and so when I do the faction leader for this this range, it'll be um, like the Sutton Ho helmet, the the one they found um, in that burial site, things like that. But then as it came to the names, we had a, I was chatting to. Um, so anyone knows Forge Master miniatures on Etsy? I was chatting to him, and we were cut because he's he seems to know a bit about old English. So we're coming up with names for the horse lords who are inspired by sort of um, a mix between sort of Anglo-Saxon, but also a tiny fraction of Mongol. Put in there, I, at least in some of the older models, some of them had a hint of sort of Eastern, um, not so much Mongolian, but just the horse aspect and the horse archer aspect. So there's a tiny bit of that thrown in there with the horse hair. But anyway. We were chatting about old English names, and we'll. Um, I'll pull up that conversation because I don't want to get it wrong, because it is words that I don't know. But this will be interesting for all the people who are Lord of the Rings fans, because obviously, so we were looking at old English, and we were um, we were trying to come up with a name for um, uh, the, the character who's going to be like you know, the, the king character. And so um, anyway, well, I can't. I, I, so I wanted to use like something like Aeol. Uh, Aeol is a name used in another. Um, fantasy series, so I'm not going to use that one. But okay, well, what if I took took that and put it with like um another horse word? So the word for stallion is like hengist. So you put noble stallion, and it's aolingist. Aoling. Well, we know <laughs> that word from somewhere. So it's like sounds like old English for noble stallion. I can't, I can't imagine um, what professor in England would have put those two words together. And then that went further, and um, I kind of realised. Oh, all of the Tolkien names for um, all of the Rohan characters are basically like um, Aomir is or Aomir is um, noble horse. That's because Mir is a word for horse. Yep. And then you get Miras, which is another one. So I mean, they're just oh, cause, and then um, yeah, yeah, there's just so many of those connections. And I was and I was trying to come up with names just to call these characters, and I realised the depth of um, Tolkien's naming conventions. When the way that all of these like words are derived in Rohirrim are derived from somewhere, and I'm trying to steer away from that sort of um, thing, but but 
but similar and realizing how similar they are. Anyway, um, the, the horse lords are being updated, though, and are the ones from the store, not the ones from the Patreon. Um, but the ones from the Patreon um, look more like Anglo-Saxon sort of warriors than um, fantasy leather. Sorry, continue. Go. <laughs> It's exciting that you're constantly going back to the range and updating them, and I can definitely see the challenge of the naming conventions because that's that's pretty much Tolkien's <laughs> thing, isn't it? To to go and and have origins oh. of words. So good luck out Tolkieny mm. him. That's that's a, oh, a it's challenge. Not, it's not going to happen. Solved. It's got to be no, different. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter how many forums you get going. You you're not going to outsmart there. No, it's really interesting no. to hear where this coming from because a lot of the uh, the feedback I was having it, it makes a lot of sense now with with this sort of uh, direction you're going and the, and the the very historic. Um, look for him and, and the armor that that's probably a little bit more functional than some of the fantasies up, which I quite like some of the fantasy armors and things, but mm. a lot of it is incredibly stupid and it doesn't, doesn't do anything or doesn't work. Or if you wore it, you're going to end up getting a, I don't know, a bit of weapon stuck in you or something like that. But, but yes. it looks cool. It does. Um, never, never be able to take away from that. But I rewatched, uh, we were, cause we're obviously still in lockdown. Apparently um, we rewatched the extended Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit back to back. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I haven't watched those since. Well, probably it might have been a year since I've watched those, but since I've done that, I've just done a, a lot more research into arms and armor and stuff like that, just to assist me with the sculpting because I, um, I'm just constantly trying to push all of this to the next level. I don't want any. I, I ne- I'm never going to be content. But then I rewatched the movies, and uh, I realized like there must have been about thirty Rohan costumes. And only thirty, because in every scene there is the guy with the chainmail cloak. There yep. Every scene there is like a guy with this. But then I looked at like with the um, the royal guard armor, which really that's like that helmet is incredible. All of the things in that, and um, and the more I research about like the sources to come up with my own stuff, I'm realizing where all this stuff come, comes from. And I I think the designs look great. But I'm looking and same with the Minasirith stuff. You look under the arms, and it's just like cloth and it's like all of these infunctional or non-functional parts and um it's unfortunately doing a bit of research has kind of shown me those i'll never say it doesn't look cool but uh, when, I, when i what i studied as soon as i left school was um like designed for film and tv and so that we had costume design prop making and stuff like that and um i got to work on one production um before i went to england and so i, I did a little bit of that sort of stuff um, working, I uh, worked on one, yeah, got to work on one movie, so I kind of saw a bit about the behind the scenes of this kind of thing. And so now, the more I watch, the more I can see the behind this, not the behind the scenes stuff, but the things that were done for filming practicalities. And um, when we 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 watched Game, Game of Thrones a few weeks ago, and um, my partner was looking at because she's a horse person, looked at all the horses and kind of went, I use the same the same horses for the Lannisters, the Starks. It's the same horse. It's actually the same. This the same horse in these different scenes in different parts of the world. You can tell because of all the things. In the same way, we see people and actors. They, some people see um, animals. Um, but yeah, so the same costumes show up time and time again, and it's like the exact same. And especially because they're all meant to look different. They're all meant to have like um, whatever they can afford, that sort of thing. Yes. Some of them can afford the whole thing. Some of them can't. Yeah, they're all the same. They're all got the same sort of things. But yeah, that was just a, a comment from when I last watched it. Well, I couldn't not see. But yeah, you're right. There's the. It's, it's kind of like scale armor is so prevalent in Rohan. And it looks pretty cool. But like, I could find lots of sources for it in like Rome, Byzantine, 
a lot more ancient stuff than I could find from the sort of the contemporary era that this is meant to be set in, which is sort of um, Bayou Tapestry sort of look. And obviously it's and even further than that, because obviously the Gondor stuff is like not corrupt, not as in um, others. That could, that's kind of a bit of like Romans, um, Holy Roman Empire. There's a lot of sources in that. Um, but even then, that's still pushing like 14th century, 15th century. So scale mail, I can't, isn't really a thing. And if I could find any sort of sources for it, I'd be modeling it because it's really cool. But yeah, so now it's, it's kind of, unfortunately, it's kind of ruined watching movies now, <laughs> um, especially those movies, because I kind of look at it and go, yeah, but it wouldn't look like that. <laughs> That's yeah. why I like that group chat, the wargaming in Middle Earth, especially for Tolkien-related yes. gaming, because it's that it's, and I can't see Numenorians that don't look Republican. I can't I can't see Numenorians pre-fall that don't look Republican Roman, and I can't see post-fall as a, as in Battle of Last Alliance as um, sort of Roman Empire, and then I will never unsee um, Byzantine or the Byzantine Empire being Gondor, where um, the Eastern Roman Empire is Arnor. I know Tolkien hated allegory. There's just too many sort of connections. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Yeah, and look, that group is fantastic. That's the um, the Wargaming Middle-Earth one, and they, they basically, all scales, but they, they interpret a lot of the, the Tolkien's work using um, a lot of lot more historic base than, than some of us who go in war a, a Games Workshop style, which is just totally based on on movie interpretations and the Peter Jackson one. So you get some of them that absolutely can't stand the Peter Jackson interpretations. You get some that do like a middle ground and it's really nice to just open your eyes a little bit about um, the different interpretations that are available and, and what's around there. And that, that's sort of what's attracted me a, a bit to to your site because you've interpreted a lot of the, the different um, fantasy races in, in totally different ways. I look at your, um, is it the men of Westerners? The, um, like the, yeah. the Roman guys they've got yeah, a, a yeah. totally different armor type and different helms and it just it looks looks very interesting i like the idea that you can represent different eras at different points in time and and i'm, I'm looking at, at the idea of perhaps representing some more first age stuff and i know that that's really popular yeah. in in the wargaming middle earth group they love the fall of gondolin like that's their favorite thing and there's so much mm. options for for that with different different sets of armor and different periods I love the idea of doing of of how they in that group represent some of them like Graham Green um, with the Caballero miniatures and they represent elves with um like you know his medieval Spanish and I with, just with a feather on the cap and at first I saw that group and I just went I don't get it how I, I can't I couldn't picture an elf Tolkien elf without the crest on the helmet <laughs> and um and now. I, I can now, and um, if there's a book called um, oh, it's like the Tolkien Bestiary, and it's a book I can't remember whether it's David Day whether he was the artist or the guy who wrote it or something like that. But there's this book, and it's got some depictions of First Age elves um, from Lord of the Rings, or I guess it's Simmerillion rather. And um, some of the drawings of the elves have like the full length of chainmail, but then like. Um, and the tall helmets, and they kind of just look like it. It's kind of what the Oathmark elves are based on, if anyone's seen them. But there's this picture in the in the artwork of this elf holding a um, axe off to the side, standing on a shield with the um, helmet next to him. Um, and I modeled that. It's on Thingiverse um, for people to print. I put it in that group. But like, 
the, the armor that Elf had, he's kind of like a, a full-length chainmail, which is fine, but he's got like these sort of round circular plates on his chest, shoulders, and around the neck, and it's kind of like this kidney, kidney bean-shaped thing around the neck, and it's really different. And, and that, that all that, that thing, those plates, they're not flat. They've kind of got like um, animals or something shaped in there, or I can't didn't really work out what it was because um, my copy of that book is in Sydney, so I was just going off a photo of um, what it looked like. and But, yeah, it was just a very different interpretation to the elves, and... Um, it's it's hard to wrap it was well it was hard at the start to wrap my head around the different interpretations but um but yeah no it's it's really interesting the way that works and like the the goal with the sort of the western s range is i want to I, again there's i've done so many sort of drawings for those that i want to come back come back to those and do more and so i've done i did some more recently and but there's there is a lot more to do with that because i think like it, when you sort of are inspired by medieval miniatures and dark ages, sorry, not miniatures, medieval and dark ages, there's okay, what looks can you take? You can kind of take this, like the different armor types. We all know the conventional ones, the ones we see all the time. But other than that, there's not much. They all kind of look the same. But obviously, there's you, you can go to Asia and there's a whole lot of different stuff there. But but um, but like with, with Rome, Greece, all of these sort of um, classical um, civilizations. There's so much to that. Like with with the Roman stuff, for one, there's that uh, helmet. There's the um, so I, I'm not going to try and pronounce the the Latin, sorry the Latin sort of helmets. Um, I could probably say Lorica segmenta. That's the one I know. But there's the the legionnaire helmet, um, which you know has the sort of the the brim at the front, the, the lower brim at the neck. It's kind of like the the, the look. Mm. And then the cavalry version of that helmet has the shorter thing at the back of the neck. So if they fell, it didn't like you know, snap their neck, and then I had the, there were the ones with the crosses on, the cross guards sort of thing on the top, so when I did my um, Western S, um, which is meant to be like a fantasy Roman, but like high men fantasy, but like a bit of Roman, sort of um, a bit of like, but also a bit of Greek for like the Atlantis sort of um, thing going there as well, it's meant to be a mix of all of those sort of things, and then where I would take that range further, um, it's not terribly popular because it's obviously a very small niche of people who could use those models to represent something. Um, but it's something that I'm passionate about, and so I will do more of it. But they're meant to sort of be a mix of those sort of things, and I wanted to use the um, the different sort of classical sort of civilizations. So mainly it's... mainly I think at the time I was doing those, I might, was playing... Uh, for about a week I played Total War um, Troy, and some of that is just crazy, the, the looks that got in there. But that's where I think... That's part of where the um, the sort of the eight-shaped shield came from. I know there's historical sources for that as well, but um, I think it's like I saw a Polynesian shield that looked like that, and so that's kind of where that came from. But I've since done Scudums and a couple of other different shield varieties. But yeah, I wanted to sort of um, model this sort of faction that were going to be um, start in like Republican Roman sort of era, because and then like sort of evolve further and so as but i struggled as part of that so i did a kit which were just the um uh lords of western s legionnaires and so they they've got scale armor which again um i probably would keep because they're meant to be a little more classical and there's a lot more roman scale scale male than there is um dark ages and so i like these guys are sort of a predecessor obviously to the um other higher men that i would do 
but so they yeah so that, they've got more of the Roman look but okay well they're the legionnaires then I need auxilia and mm-hmm. so that's why when I did the auxilia is instead of being oh, so and if we look at the um, lords of western as legionnaires um they've not got lower casting mentor but they've got the sort of the Roman sort of shoulders where they kind of go over the side all right the Roman auxilia well, at some point, I know some people who are better at history will be able to tell me otherwise. But at some point, then they had to, they wore, um, the auxiliaries wore lesser armor. So, the Westerners warriors with spears kit that I've done, I have done the, all the ones at the moment are just the ones standing upright. So there, if you are going to do rank and file, sort of, um, uh, like, uh, the square bases sort of modeling. I've, no, I've depicted them on round bases because that's how I will do them and how mine are at the moment. Um, but I've done them in more dynamic poses as well. I just haven't finished those. Probably should get, get onto that. But anyway, they're, they're, they've kind of got more uh, cloth over the top of their armor, and um, with with the they still got the same sort of helmets, but they've got uh, I've redone those helmets. Now there's winged options, non wings, and more variety and more variety in the heads. And um, they they're more like sort of what auxilia are meant to look like. And um, I know I've still got them with the Polynesian shields, but I've included scutums in there as well. And then when I did the, um, those guys on horses, the Westerness um, Equitets I wrote, because um, I can't remember what, but that was, there was like the Roman words, the cavalry were all slightly different. Um, I was going to do, I'm going to do cataphracts for them with barded horses at some point. I, it just, so many things have come up. Um, but yeah, those guys, because the Romans obviously didn't, like horses, horse riding, um, or horses very much, The their auxilia from the Germanic states and stuff like that would be the horse riders. Um, and because they weren't necessarily the Romans, they wouldn't, you know, like, they had to, fair, fair, like, you know, get the stuff for themselves. So they haven't got, um, so these guys have kind of a, a couple of nods from history where, you know, they're in chain mail, like more auxilia, but also the helmet has the shorter bit at the back of the neck like the um, Roman cavalry would wear. So it's a little bit more like a Roman cavalry helmet. But then their scutum is the sort of the hexagon, which is like the, the Germanic tribes obviously have those hexagon shields, but also there are um, some Roman um, cavalry with the... Um, I can't remember what the Roman cavalry... I, I was playing um, a bit of DBA uh, 3.0 back in um, the UK, mm-hmm. and I had Romans. And um, I can't remember what the Roman... Scout unit was called where it had the the, the it was a forty millimeter by thirty millimeter base with the two horses on it. Um, yeah, the Romans sort of scouts on horses. Uh, they had the hexagon shields, and so that's why um, those models have those. And they've got since then they've got the new horses. I haven't um, updated the photos for those. But yeah, so there's there's lots of classical things I want to bring into this range, and I want to one day do. Um, there's so many half finished projects on my computer at the moment. But I want to do this. The rest of this range with, like the um, the the chest plates where they've got like the muscles all inscribed and things like that, and then but also mix sort of some of that imagery with the seven stars and um, things like that. So yeah, um, and so that's one of one of my goals moving forward. And so we're almost at the end of the year, and so I've I've got a couple of goals I want to get, want to achieve by the end of the year sculpting wise and progress wise just me learning to sculpt and just learning to design but one of the things I'm I'm starting to try and push myself to do more is less and less like not necessarily quantity but less and less rank and file and more character um, in or more depth to the, the designs so 
Um, the elves at the moment aren't that bad. That kit is... I mean, look, because it's just on screen at the moment. That kit's like a multi-part kit with, um... Like, it, all the arms come off, and there's the different bodies, different heads, different shields. You can make up any configuration, like sword, shield, spear, sword, shield, sword, bow. All the arms are there, and obviously, if you need, wanted to mirror them, you can mirror them. Because hmm. they're all right-handed at the moment. So that, that kit's um, holding up. But I was um, lying in bed the other day, and I had my sorry, just uh, sketchbook. And, and I was thinking about the elves. And about their design, and like it's not it's not bad, but if I was to redesign them now, there's a few things I would tweak and a few things I'd change. So, but and I, it's just unfortunately it's a result. It's not unfortunate, but it's a result of like learning more. That I kind of look back at the old designs and go like. Oh, that's a missed opportunity. So yeah, I was drawing the other night, or the other night, it was a month or two ago, and thinking to like, I was trying to break down the preconceived notions in my head of what elves need to look like, um, and the elves represented by um, many evil miniatures is a way of doing that. But but then I f- felt like when I was um, just tossing up with designs, just as an experiment, where do you? It's and I was putting it on a scale of like the high fantasy elves with the metal bands and the pointy crested helmets and stuff like that, down right to the sort of stuff in that book that I was talking about and um, the elves represented by the Spanish sort of medieval figures in this by, by this one guy on Facebook, um, Graham Green. And so I was, I've started putting those on a spectrum and um, and drawing them like, well, on this end, there's like they're basically nothing. Just And then I was like, Okay, how many elements can you take away from this extreme down um, to take away from that high fantasy sort of unrealistic look? And how many elements can I add to the historical look to try and find a middle ground? And ultimately, I decided that the two are separate and they should probably stay that way. But it was a good experiment. Because, but I, the reason I couldn't blur them together is because um, some of the things are just... Like, you can't de-evolutionize it because there's like nothing behind it um it's a design that wasn't made with any sort of predecessor but mm, yes. um, and then i started playing around with some um like especially with the bands that go across the elves i kind of want to get away from that and um and that notion in my head and so i was thinking about um inverting some of the, the patterns some of the cuts of cloth and then i ended up drawing some elves that kind of looked like not samurai, but they had some of the Japanese sort of um, the robes. I, I don't remember what they're called. The, the Japanese um, uh, gowns. They looked like that. Mm. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. And I put it away because I thought, no, don't distract yourself with um, something new. But that's something I haven't thought about much before. And um, someone commented the other day, like, oh, some of those models would be great if there were some um, females. And I thought, ooh. I hadn't considered. I had never even thought about that because I'd, I've been very focused on um, areas of history that I like. Uh, like Britain, I don't know what it's just around Britain. Um, everything that to do with from Rome mm. to um, War of the Roses, that whole anything in between them, interested in. Not that I'm not interested in um, stuff in other parts of the world, but just I haven't explored that area yet. But. Um, if I ever do any Eastern 
fractions. So like Eastern men again. So there's I've, I've done a tiny fraction. And again, this is what we're talking about with learning more. In hindsight, if I was to revisit those, I would have designed them in a very different way. Well, I would have designed them a lot more than what they are. But if I ever did any Eastern men factions, are there, the, re the reason I haven't touched it yet is because, I, for, for one, it's like, it's like what I'm saying with the classical um, civilizations. It's like, oh, there's so many looks to draw from between the different Greek states and, um, uh, you know, ba Babylon, Rome, all of these sort of things. And, um, but if I ever did anything sort of Eastern, then there's a lot more to draw from and a lot less that I know. Mm. And I won't touch, I won't touch dwarves until I'm, because if I, I, I'm not terribly fast on dwarves in fantasy, just not, not my thing. I used to like them when I was a kid, but not been a thing anymore. Yeah. If I ever touch dwarves, and I have been trying to design them and look for them, because it would be a thing that I would do that would be um, like its own distinct thing. I don't know where. Like I've got, I have got some drawings, but if I was going to do it, I would do it once and I would do it right. Whereas some of the other things have been an evolving process, and that's why there, that's why there's no dwarves yet, and that's why um, there's no eastern men yet or eastern factions as well, because. The Eastern factions is not because I'm not interested in them. It's there is so much culture and range of culture to play with that it's a sandbox I'm not comfortable in yet. Because you know, with um, uh, Europe, everything looks very similar. I'm very comfortable designing in that sort of box that is sort of Western technology in that that time period. But if you went Eastern, there's like it's it's not the doing it injustice per se. It's the it's, I, I struggle as a, a sculptor and to, and this, one of the things we love about digital sculpting is that, well, I can make this model and then I can give him this weapon or this weapon or this head or this shield or this arm or this arm. And what sometimes I get in trouble with is I do the upper body, for instance, and then I make legs, but then I put different legs on it. And all of a sudden I've got two models and I go, I can't put those two models that next to each other. Uh, half of it's the same as the other one. But I don't like doing multi-part kits anymore because multi-part kits, um, my, the feedback I've gotten so far is people really love to be able to get a pre-supported model and pull it out and, yeah. and do a time to clean up. People don't like assembling things. And so um, I don't like to do multi-part kits anymore, especially because multi-part kits are tricky and everyone's asked, and I do it as much as I can, about having the head separate I've got 12, 12 elf sculpts on my computer that are um, way better than any of the things I've done now that are headless. And these are going to come out soon. But I, I, before I did that, I um, got one of my printers in America and I asked him to send some models to a painter. This painter is called um, Firstborn Painting on Instagram. Um, he sent me a photo the other day. He's had the 12 models for about a week. And they're actually, these 12 are on the spectrum. I designed them while I was doing the sort of the thinking about the combining some historical mm. with the fantasy. So the shields are, um, they're more tower shields. They're not they've got anything weird cut away. And the, um, the armor is like, there's, uh, it, it's, I don't want to give too much away. I, I want that guy <laughs> to be able to do his post and, um, and whatnot, but the helmets are oh, really excited about the helmets. Um, there was the, the helmets are not, um, 
one piece. So because they're they're meant to be a little bit more again Anglo-Saxon inspired, they're they're in pieces. So it's not like the you know um, any sort of high elf from Warhammer or Lord of the Rings where the, ha- the helmets helmets are um, one piece out of metal. They have all this filigree, and you kind of like it looks it does look really cool. And how is it made? By oh, the elves, they can do it. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know, and we accept that, and that's fine. But so these these helmets, um, they, I, I um, there's a concept artist, a kid in um, Eastern Europe, who I was chatting to. Um, his name is Tio Dot. I I don't have his Instagram on me, but you can find him through mine. Um, I think if you type in the Medroom Miniatures tag on Instagram, he's he did some designs for high elf helmets that were. Um, that's the only way I can describe trying to find this guy because he's got some good work, and um, he did some art for me where the helmets. Um, I couldn't come up with it. I couldn't blend the curves of. Well, I was really struggling to the curves of a high elf helmet, but then put in the um, manufacturing lines like where. So if you look at like a Anglo-Saxon helmet, it's like okay, normally they've got the sort of the cross on the top. If it's going to have cheat guards, the cheat guards have a hinge. So we took things like from the Sutton Ho helmet, where there's the hinges, where there's the sort of the designs, where they, you can clearly see how it's been manufactured or where the rivets are. And then we took the shape of the other helmets with the feathers and the crests, and we put the two together. Um, actually, if you go on, um, if anyone's, yeah, goes on Thingiverse, uh, you find Benbury Miniatures. Um, there's a, I've put a, a file up called First Age Elf, and... Um, that's the one I was talking about earlier. There's a helmet that's just the SDL because it's meant to go on the floor. That helmet has this big feathery plume and it's got all these sort of details on it. Um, that's one of the helmets we're talking about where we've taken the shape of, um, or been inspired rather by the shapes of these fantasy elves that we've seen and then like scaled it back a few hundred, or in elves terms, a few thousand years to like, you know, the first sort of helmets, if they didn't have the technology to make all the plate armor, but they still wanted to make their shapes, how would they do it? And then also add in the sort of the curves and the stuff like they've got. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a little bit of insight to what the, the other elves are, gonna, are looking like. Um, but yeah, so as we're talking about with multi-part kits, the um, the helmets, uh, the helmet, the, when, when the heads are separate, and I'm trying to do it more and more because... The, the, when the heads are separate and you have the heads looking two different ways, you can have the same sort of model, give them a different shield, or no, you just have the same model, but the head looking two different directions. And I would look at that and go, ah, oh, it's I can kind of see it's two different models. It doesn't look copied to like two, uh, two of the same pose to me now. But copying this, but changing a weapon, same pose to me. I, but it's the changing of the head that makes two models that are the same look different. Mm. Um, so I think that's an easy way for me to give variety. But what's tricky is modeling hair. That's the reason if there's a, if there's a kit that I've got that hasn't got multi-part heads, and it's the reason, it's because of the hair. It's because when you make a um, model and the hair goes from the top of the head down over the back, you can't make that obviously spin around. So if there's a multi-part kit with, or with heads, it's going to have a full helmet. And because that way you don't see the hair and you can pretend it doesn't exist. But if it's a half helm or it's helmetless, um, then the hair normally gets in the way and it's very tricky. So the Highlanders that I've got coming out, the Scottish clansmen with their big claymores coming out, 
Um, they're the ones I've painted there on Instagram. I, I actually have been meaning to put a Facebook post up with those. I haven't done this um, yet, but they have multi-part heads and I printed them, I painted them and I know they work, but that doesn't work with every model. It's only because they're wearing not very much, but that's a tricky thing from a design aspect is deciding what things are going to have heads and what aren't. Mm, yeah. I can't remember what we were talking and how I got onto that, but sure. I'm just I'm just enjoying all the, this stuff. It's it's not going direction <laughs> that, I, that I expected, but I'm really really enjoying it. Yeah, and uh, I, had at, I had a sneaky look at the first age elf helmet on on Thingiverse oh, yeah. and the the armor for it. I was like, oh, this is really clever. And I was I was that's the my... other look. Yeah, that's the that, I think it's David A's book, um, Tolkien Bestiary. That's where that's based off. Um, but yes, that's the one I was talking about um, from earlier. But yeah, continue, continue. You know, I, I really like that one, and I, you got me thinking as well when you mentioned the um, the, the Japanese kimono for for the elves. And I was just thinking, there's I'm never happy with with my fantasy um, unarmored elves. Like it, it's classic to have them around there, but I haven't yeah. really been happy with people putting them together. And I just thought that that just got my, got my head spinning a bit. Oh, wait oh, yeah. a second, that that's a possibility. That's a way to to get them in, in some, some robes that look look otherworldly from, from people from that European background, yes. but also yes. like rooted in historic and, and clothes that actually can function and be worn, um, which is yes. definitely a priority as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, I, I do want to give it a go. I did um, just some, uh, speaking of the Japanese look, I hadn't ever thought of it before, but I'm sure maybe, maybe other people had, but we've all seen Game of Thrones and presumably I, I don't know anyone who hasn't but we all know the lannister armor and the lannister armor looks really cool and all this kind of stuff but when you realize the crest on the helmet is not functional because if a sword hit the helmet it wouldn't slide off it would get stuck inside all this yes. <laughs> looks really cool but i um read like was trying to find like what was inspiring that so i was trying to read from the designers and apparently that's the original sort of lannister concept art was very sort of samurai looking and Japanese. And then when I looked at it later, I went, oh my goodness, I see that. It's kind of, the... so just when we talk about, you know, kimono and functional armor and Japanese or Asian, um, that's what got me thinking that the Lannister armor in Game of Thrones has just sort of become uh, like, or it sort of has be- started as a Asian Japanese sort of look and then went in that sort of direction. So um, yeah, if we're trying to adapt that sort of um, culture into some sort of fantasy. That's that's an example where it's been done in a very different way. Uh, unarmored elves. If I do, I haven't done any of those yet. I haven't really done much unrobed stuff. I've been meaning to to do some that some unarmored elf musicians. And yeah, yeah, that'd be good. It'd be fun to do those, but I, I always struggle to, to to determine what I'm going to make. And because if it was me, I would keep not keep making the same things. But if it was just me, I would have made so many Western S models and nothing else. But <laughs> yep. um, so their Patreon has been kind of good for that because I, I did the first one. I did what I wanted. I wanted to, because it was just launching. I, and no, but from then on out, it's got, there's the um, Facebook group for the Patreon. Um, and so in that, I do a poll at the start of the month. Oh, sorry, the end of the month. So I'm about to post one in a few days with the options for next month. And in that, um, I put in, I, I normally write, I write at the top, look, I'm kind of thinking about these, I'm going to try and expand this process because as I add, want to add more character to the miniatures I sculpt, come up with the ideas for the miniatures first because, oh, I will do this sort of faction and then make basic models for it. I, 
I, I want to get away from that and start doing more, um, or just miniatures with more personality. So I'm about to put up the, the poll for next month and, um, yeah, and, and I let the people come and pick it, um, what they want. And for ages, it looked like we were going to do Northern Kingdom for this month instead of um, the Fell Kingdom. And but when that came, and it's like Fell Kingdom, I kind of back and went, "Oh, I've done a few orcs before. I've never sculpted a wolf. <laughs> I haven't done any ghosts before. Um, I really like those. Um, what are they? The whites. They're called um, the Hill Whites or something. I." Not sure what I called them. Are um, they the ones that but... um that have no legs? They're just a whole bunch of cloths with the <laughs> the upper bodies floating around. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Do no, I like those? Uh, it, there's some art that they're inspired by. Uh, people who know will know, but um, what they're meant to represent. Um, but things like that. Oh, that was a new thing. I haven't done that before. I've got very comfortable sculpting my um same point eight normally the human over and over again. So um that was doing the uh, uh, and the, the first set of wolves I did. I accidentally deleted it, so I had to start those again, which was probably for the better. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and doing um, starting the trolls again was an opportunity to um, well ex- expand the sort of the, the range, the, the, my, my range as a sculptor, because it's it's very easy to just keep doing chainmail and keep doing cloths and human heads, but all of a sudden doing uh, my favorite sculpts from this month had been um, the the undead models. Uh, yeah, the um, spectres. I think you call spectres. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, Northern Kingdom spectres. Yes, yes, they're my favourite. They were the, they were not the first ones I did. I did the the um, whites. I did one white first, but because it looked like we were going to do Northern Kingdom, I started making. Oh, started designing some Northern Kingdom stuff just in case. And that way, even if it was Felt Kingdom, I had at least an idea of what they would look like. Because obviously, I, now when I do Northern Kingdom later. It has to match the stuff I've already done, so yes. that's why I had kind of done a bit of middle work. That one of the things that I'm trying to trying to get away from, and I talk about on um, YouTube with the sculpting series um, that's just started is, and it's, I think it's video five is um, posing a model. And it the, the first series on YouTube is um, I did that last weekend. I kind of it, it's probably like five five six hours from start to finish, and it's in ZBrush and. Um, uh, the quality is gets better through videos as I work out how the programs work, but it's quite lacking if compared to most stuff. But it will get better as I as I go, and um, it's going right from starting a ZBrush with absolutely nothing to right at the end, three um, D printing a model uh, or how to export it for three D printing, uh, covering hands, sorry, hands, faces, helmets, shields, armor. It's all covered in six hours, and I don't. I speed up in one video to, when it's something's very slow. But otherwise, it's start to finish in six hours. Um, so it is achievable from nothing. Um, I some of the assets I use in that because I appreciate some people aren't very will take a little bit longer to learn a sculpt and things like that. I put up for people to use so that way you can just skip to the later steps and don't have to make as much to start making your own models. So that they're all in a Google Drive in the links in the description of the YouTube videos. Uh, and in those videos, we talk more about, um, well, probably similar stuff to this, about the line weights and stuff and ha- what size details to add. Anyway, so as we were talking about posing, um, so posing models, I, I when um, I had to talk about that in that video, I had been thinking of those videos for about a month and how I wanted to do it. 
but yeah, I was thinking, okay, posing a model, I've gotten a lot better at that. And so I'm looking at, um, so if, and I appreciate my, my work has grown a lot in the last year. So if anyone is familiar with it, the stuff that you might remember is not necessarily what I'm talking about now. I, but so the stuff I'm talking about now is like the, the last post on Facebook was, um, is the six Anglo-Saxon Huskars. And I'm looking at those models when I talk about my posing has gotten a lot better. And so I'm just going to my page, not looking at what I'm talking about. And so the process for posing a model, and, I, and this is what I talk about in the video, is when I, when I, my current approach, and I'll talk about the older approach and how, where, how it's grown, is, well, well, how it started rather was, um, it'd be like, okay, you put the arms at the side, you put the legs like they're running, and so you lift them forward and back, but the hips stay still, or used to stay still, and the arms would move, but the shoulders would stay still. And it kind of looks really rigid and really flat. And so I, I see some of the new, the younger, not younger sculptors, I'm the younger sculptor, some <laughs> of the other sculptors who are a little bit newer um, to this kind of thing. And um, and their first sort of models, and not in any critical way, because I appreciate we've all been there, but I, I look at some of those, and I, I, in the same way, I look at mine and I critique my own, I critique theirs, what's good, what's bad, what can I learn from? I see some of their posting and um, it's kind of like, it's been done in Blender, which I'm not the biggest fan of um, Blender for a few reasons, uh, miniatures wise. It's a great program, but not for miniatures. Um, it, and they, they kind of like, they move the arms and they move the legs to do the things, but it doesn't look natural. And so like, if anyone knows, like the 2D animation where they do the drawing and to make something look like it's got momentum, it's really difficult to draw that. And that's why sometimes, you know, they would they would film people doing it and then trace it. When we're making models, um, it's kind of like everyone can tell that a human face is a drawing or real because we know what a human face looks like. And so if it's fake or done in a computer, everyone can kind of look at it and go, yeah, but it looks wrong. Like yeah. the um, Tarkin in Rogue One. So um, yeah. for these, <laughs> I really liked that. And I think... I think that's really great that Star Wars is still pushing technology, but obviously some people didn't like that quite as much. But yeah, so these, um, the, the newer sort of models and a newer posing, um, one of my favorites, I put it up on Instagram in a video because I didn't think a single photo quite like showed it off well enough. Um, and it's this Huskar around, he's got two-handed axe and he's sw like not swinging, but he's running and he's about to swing it. And like his center of gravity, none of the two feet are really planted on the ground. He kind of, to me, looks light on his feet now. Yeah. And the way, the way I achieved that sort of look, and and now, as I say this, you'll kind of look at other models, and even a mine, and go, well, he didn't do that there, and that's why that one looks funny. Is when torsos twist, when we turn our upper body, and when I used to do it in Blender, I would just pivot the top sort of bone on the Z-axis. And so the torso would twist, but our torsos don't twist like that. Like, when we turn around, like, if I turn to the left... The right shoulder can drop more that more often than not. So twisting of a torso is isn't as simple as that. So the key words that I sort key points that I talk about when I um, pose and what I say in this video is things to avoid are toes facing the same direction. When do our feet ever run the same direction? Shoulder the shoulder line. So most people kind of these days kind of have hunched shoulders. But if you're holding swinging an axe, say um, if you were your right hand on top your right shoulder's all the way in front. It's not sitting at your side anymore. And so we used to struggle posing models because we would keep the shoulders still, but then the hands wouldn't reach. And I'm going, why isn't the arm reaching? When I did that, it reaches. And now I've kind of learned that the shoulder needs to come forward. So when I pose every model now, 
I start with the typos, and I've got either all of the clothes on this model, and the first thing I do is either I've got a reference material for I kind of want to mimic this pose in this picture, or I have it in my head, and I go, I start with the legs, because that's not, not from just starting from the bottom up necessarily, but it's more, it's just the feet planted in the ground, where the weight's going to be kind of thing. And, but more importantly, it's where the hips are. So the first thing I do is place the hips. So I, I, the, I always have a base in the, in the ZBrush thing to um, know what I'm grounding something to. But I, I tilt the hips and go, okay, if I know the right foot's going to be running forward, I either tilt the hips this way, this way, whichever way it needs to be. And once the hips are tilt, tilted, then all of a sudden nothing is on a 90 degree angle relative to you looking front on. That helps straight away. Then... Uh, so that one of the hips is dropped, one of them's higher. Then the leg that's going forward, if, if I know the torso is going to twist one way, then I'll pull one of the hips forward. And so once I've positioned sort of the hips not being square anymore, one of them's forward, one of them is back, one of them's dropped, I position the feet. And when I position the feet, I make sure that the knees are sitting in a way that like they're no longer in line with each other on the same sort of plane. So then I twist the torso. So I twist the torso still with the arms out to the side. And then, um, then I normally pivot the pivot the arms first, but with the torso. So I, I alluded to saying, oh, I would twist a bone earlier. So in Blender, you'd rig a model, have bones. In ZBrush, you don't. You more mask part of the model and move the other part, not the part that's masked. It's it makes sense in the videos. And um, but yeah, so when I twist the torsos now, it's kind of like it's it's more I, I, where the spine is and how the spines are kind of arched. So that just makes them look like they're turning in a more realistic way. So I always make sure the hips are uneven, the feet are different directions, and the shoulders aren't square or the shoulders aren't in line. They're either concave or they're this or they're that. That really helps sort of um, not necessarily give the models momentum. That more comes from the actual pose. But they look a lot more human and a lot less robotic that way. Yeah. And that's kind of been a um, an evolution of this, my sculpting, which... The earlier models are like the white, especially the ones shooting bows, archery, archery poses. I struggle with, and maybe that's why I avoid them. But it's trickier to do because, like, well, where are your feet when you're shooting a bow? I did archery for a few years, but I do not remember this sort of stuff. And I look at pictures, <laughs> and I actually I struggle to mimic archery sort of poses because it's like the stances for holding an axe or a spear are a lot easier, I think. They're, they're my thoughts on how I'm trying to make sure my poses that now are getting better is by just nothing and less robotic is just the little things that we don't that or I used to not think about. We used to think about like, oh, I want his sword to be in the air. So I lift the arm up at the shoulder joint. But no, you don't lift your arm at the shoulder joint. You lift you lift from the rib cage. So doing a little bit more of that sort of thing has just kind of helped that. Yeah, I love yeah. this. I love this talk because this is why. Um, I know that years and years ago there was a, a move to like fantasy models in multi-part, and I really didn't like this that much because I always found that there's only one pose that really felt natural, and everything else didn't really work. Yeah. And I think you, I think you got it here, which is the 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 hips and the the shoulders. If they're locked in place, there's only so many places you can put the arms and holding things to make it look exactly. look natural. So yeah, I, I I like that. And and you've really I just had, comparing those huskulls that you've recently sculpted to the early <laughs> stuff is just a huge difference. Not got so much movement and and they're really beautiful models, and they've each got their own personality. Whereas the others feel like it almost feels like a bit of copy and paste going on. Whereas these guys feel like every single one is is unique, which is 
a, a really nice way of putting it, especially when we're doing that. Unfortunately, it means that if mm. we're um, trying to make a whole army of them, it doesn't work as well, does it? You have to really work on some mm. head poses and even the more neutral poses um, to that because they, they yeah. work so well for a skirmisher, but you put a regiment together and then it doesn't quite work that's, that well. Yes, and that's, that's a trade-off because when you do rank and file, so like the six poses standing at rest, you can probably show 30 of those because they all look similar anyway. Yes. They all look similar. It doesn't matter if you show them twice. When they're unique, you got to do more. But a, a, a comment on the copy and paste comment, because that's not a wrong thing to say um, when they kind of are all dressed the same. That's a tricky one that I struggle with because I... For one, it, is, it isn't always wrong. I, I, I don't like to copy and paste like a torso necessarily from one model and give it different legs and make it two models because it look, I don't like that. Um, it's not right, but copy paste in terms of appearance. So they're all wearing the same armor on the other hand. That's a tricky one to sort of navigate because I know people use my models for either 10 millimeter stuff like that. Um, for, I don't know what game systems they use Kings of war or their own. I know people use my games, for, my models for saga um, Oathmark, Frostgrave, D&D, and MESPG. So a few different games in there. Um, I don't think there's a very much Warhammer Fantasy people because I don't think I'd suit that aesthetic. But these sort of mainly skirmish games, but especially games that are like Warhammer Fantasy and Middle-Earth are the two bigger ones. Oathmark, I think, is a bit looser. Frostgrave, every model, you've only got 10 models. d and it doesn't matter what you've got. Mm. With games where it's like with Warhammer and Lord of the Rings and things like that, with the Rohan models in the, that range, I think that's, that's probably the easiest way to talk about it is there's Sons of Earl, Outriders, uh, Royal Guard, Rider of Rohan, and Warrior on Foot. I don't think I've missed any infantry profiles there. That's, that's it? Yep. Well, how, how do you tell those apart? Okay, so the Sons of Earl all look the same. They are all dressed the same. Yes. And that's how we know what they are. They have oblong shields. The Royal Guard, all identical, clone copies of each other. The Warriors on foot have some diversity, but they're still distinct from the Outriders. Um, that's the, the range that's easiest to recall. Um, Ministerial not quite like that. One of my fantasy actually has a lot more conversion. But for games like that, where it's this, where this profile looks a certain way, it's easy to see across the table, oh, that's a this. Mm-hmm. So... With the, the the copy and paste comment, and uh, these models are are done. The, the new horse lords that are going to come out. Um, the post I put it up on Instagram, um, and they kind of look like these huskers we were looking at in a minute ago. The post I put up on Instagram, they all are dressed pretty much the same, except for um, the the belts and things like that. I think I've, I've made those different, but the legs are all pretty much the same look, and. And the reason I haven't put those up yet is because I'm going to do going to do two extra, so I'd make them five, and then go in and change some of the things to make them more individual because I don't want them to be carbon copies. I do I do want to get away from the carbon copy stuff, but it is also you kind of got to keep some of it because <laughs> it's it's how we tell models apart. And if you're if you're um, proxying models in a in a game, it's there's. Now, it's like, especially to a game, if you're going to use these for MESPG, they need, I think there's, unfortunately, but it's part of what you need for a game is a bit of uniformity 
to be able to tell the pieces of the part. It's like um actually Star Wars Legion is gonna be the best example for this, I think, until I work out it's not this is not the best example, is um clone troopers in Star Wars Legion. I don't really like that there's a phase one and a phase two card. I feel like they're clone troopers. I I would have much preferred they'd be a veteran squad. Mm. But I guess you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. But so I had play a bit of or played a bit of Star Wars Legion. So I made my um phase one clone troopers have the ARF trooper helmet. So that I didn't look like I had two marks of armor. I thought that was a bit funny. But some people I had seen were doing up all of their clone troopers as phase two clones, whether they were phase one profiles, and then painted them differently. And it's like, unfortunately, we are playing a game. Mm, yeah. Which, not fortunately, this is the point. The point is to play the game. But, but the limitations of the game mean it's like chess. Imagine if all the chess pieces were the same. Like, or not the same, but it's like, it's it's like, imagine yeah. if all the pawns were different, and then all of the other pieces were pawns, but then, like, with a different shield. It's because we can recognize the pieces instantly as no sort of room for error. And so, unfortunately, a bit of copy and paste kind of needs to be done. And so, um, but what I'm, with these models, the new horse swords coming out, the look is very similar. Their heads are multi-part. I've got some new helmets coming for those. And the shields are all... I've done three shields so far. I'm unsure how many more I can get done that are going to um, look the part or whether I need to do some more blander shields. And maybe that opens the door for freehanding. But, or just some more generic shields in that kit because I want there to be more options. But um, they need to be recognisable as a unit because you, like, it's in if you were going to use proxy models, you can't use a proxy model that looks like this, and then one that looks identical as another sort of unit. It's not fair to the opponent and things like that, and a consistency. So I kind of need them to be a coherent unit in their own right. So that means, unfortunately, that they've got to have the same look. No, I hate that as much as everyone else. I've got mixed feelings with that. Yeah, I, look, I agree on the um, the like uniforms, especially. We tend to go a bit more uniform than, than you'd probably imagine with the, with these forces because you do need to tell them apart. And I know with my color schemes as well, I tend to go a bit more um, extreme where everyone in the, the, the army has the same sort of collection of colors, even though that that's probably not going to be uh, more historic and, and there's going to be probably a lot more a lot more browns and things around and, and other faded colors. And, and just, to, just to have it so I can instantly recognize it makes a good point and... and um, it, yeah. it is that real fine art as well, because because ideally, like my my dream, like Lord of the Rings army, is to have have it look like they could be fighting together in a formation, but are also unique enough that they all seem like they've got action. But the limitation on the sculpting has been with this game system for the longest time is usually have three poses for a single warrior, oh, yeah. and they're all very yeah. different. So what you get when you get an army, unless you've got <laughs> some decent sculpting skills yourself, which is a lot of work. Mm. You get this really weird thing where you've got your your Scottish guy holding your sword above his head, and then you've got one that's got it on the side, and then like I've got a, a unit of twenty four of those. And oh, really? Yeah, and they it's it's. But then you've got yeah, right, it's eight of each. Yeah, exactly. And and I've tried to vary it with the different kilts and different hair and and that way, mm. but it just it looks kind of weird. So yeah, the, yeah, burning it in. Whereas I'm looking at these Huskals, and and I'm a really big Dunlin player. That's one of my my favorite areas. Oh yeah, it. and. Uh, when they, these ones haven't been released yet, have they? The Huskals? They're... No, so they're, these are going to be on the Patreon. So the Patreon at the moment is um, there's two of them. They're on the same page. There's 
the fantasy tier, and then there's a historical tier. The fantasy tier is the currently the, the big one of the two. Um, it's got the close to 30 models a month. Um, the historical tier is up to $15, sorry, 15 models a month, and it's just half the price, half the amount of models. Yeah. It's more of a passion project for me, and these are going to be the October release. Um, okay. If you have both Patreon tiers, it's cheaper than... Uh, there's the discount on the, on the second one. It's That's the bundle. Um, so that way... Um, I tried to make it that way so that people who were doing the um, fantasy one could just opt in and out for a little bit extra if they wanted to get these specific fantasy model, historical models to fit their fantasy army, but didn't want to maintain it long term. Yeah. So that was the idea: is that they'll be able to, people can hop hop back in and forth. But um, yes, yeah, so no, these are next month, so they've probably got eight days. Um, Perfect. I'm yeah, eight days or so. so I can change my my tier to be uh, historic yes. as well because these these are going straight in because I need. For, for my Dunlin army, I, I like this this Huskell look for it, and I know that there's a bit of Viking in it as well, but I don't care. Yeah. It's all that, that whole variety all put together. But I want as many, as many unique poses as possible because I'm stuck with, like, two poses for the Shieldsmen in the Games Workshop is released, and it's just not enough. So already here, uh, I can yeah. see an extra three poses, and that's going to be fantastic to, to bring them in. And then... Hmm. And I think the ones without shields, you could still... You might want to convert the band to go around, but you could easily put a shield on the back of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, no, I definitely do yeah. that. And and you've got the well, the, the Huskell shield's perfect for for that era because just just the circle shield just I paint some freehand on it and away I go. I've got I've got whatever I want. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, the historic tier is definitely a tempting one as well because a lot of these races just mixing in some some variety in yeah. that way is going to be really useful. And and I'm a big fan of all the um, I guess not so much obscure but but less uniform sort of areas where you um areas of Middle Earth where you don't just have everyone we're in the same army you've got a bit of variety and a bit of a bit of um feels a bit more wild a bit more a bit more like a like sort of um a darker fantasy world than just the the higher yeah. sort of stuff yeah um if if, I, if there are any ever any models that were to represent not to represent but could be used as arnor um i i think about these sort of things if, if i was to represent what would i do to represent these sort of ranges and um so like with the with the um, Gondor stuff, it makes sense. My knowledge of the Third Age in the middle, the middle of the Third Age is a bit sparse compared to some people. But like, okay, Minas, so Minas Tirith, Gondor, and Arnor are the two sister kingdoms. Arnor, even the, despite being the line of kings, um, you know they had they split up into the three kingdoms, and um, then they had their bit of strife, and all that kind of stuff happens that we know with that. But and. Again, gone like they're the Eastern Roman Empire. They like they fall as sort of, and but the um, Western Empire, they thrive, and especially in the Third Age, like they start to do really well. And that's why they say it, the battle at the Black Gate, like you know, this would mimic just like one of one of Gondor's smaller armies from back in the day. Like you know, they thrived, and they were you know their climate was like not tropical, but like Mediterranean, and. Um, you know, they really they did really well, like economically and all this kind of stuff. But then they had the civil war and stuff like that, and they're in now they're in decline by the end of this whole thing. But you know, they they're in decline, but they're still doing really well compared to the other races. So it kind of made sense at at least in the White City in, in Minnesota that they would have you know, either a state sponsored or a state sort of run army and they would all be dressed the same, in the same way that the Romans had like the the legionnaires would, you know, some of the legions at least would be primarily in Lorica Segmenta, whereas, but uh, that's at least in 
just in like Rome itself. And the, the Roman like sort of um, guard and all of that would be dressed in a uniform. And that makes sense. But of course, people on the front lines and the auxilia and stuff like that is whatever they can wear. So, um, but yeah, that, but as that relates to um, the Arnold stuff, it's like with, with that, well, this is a kingdom that is so much more in decline than Minas Tirith will ever be because it never gets to that point where it collapses or splits into the different sort of fiefs that would become the different kingdoms or whatever. But so it's, it has collapsed. They don't have a, they won't have a state sponsored army. So they shouldn't have any uniformity. They should all look different. And we know that they become the, you know, just the Dunedain. So there's, we know what the end result is of their look. So, and we know where they started as well with the Numenorean Western S origins. So if you were to do, I see people in the Wargaming Middle Earth group represent these different kingdoms, um, the Cardolan and Arthur Dane and Rudar. So Arthur Dane should probably keep a bit of uniformity, but and Rudar needs to really be devolved into like, you know, not Vikings, but like the Ruffian Hillman with all of the furs and that kind of look. They, they, they need to not be wearing very much. And if they have anything, it's stolen. They're a kingdom who, where they've just like abandoned all of the, the sort of things. Like the, I think um, there's, a, there's a quote from Faramir in um, one of the books. And he's talking, well, one of the, I can't remember it well enough, so people will know this better and then <laughs> tell me I get it wrong. That's right. They'll contact, they contact you. I'll be like, apparently talks about, someone says, you know, um, make some comment about or being the high men. And so if there's the three distinct sort of tiers of men, my interpretation of that was like, there's like the low sort of men are just like the savages, you know, trying to survive. Like the, um, uh, in the, in that, that forest that that Tayan has to go through. There's like, you know, just the, the sort of savages trying to survive kind of thing. And there's the middlemen, which is like um, the, the Brahirim and stuff like that, where they're, um, you know, they're like they're, they're a warrior culture or they're a, they live off the land sort of thing. Like they're, um, they're not into their arts, but then there's like the high men where there's like, oh, the righteousness and the morality and these kind of things. I don't know the words to describe these, but there's the three tiers. Um, and Faramir's like, no, we're not the high men of old anymore. We've devolved. We're, we're now middlemen, basically. Um, just commenting on how Gondor has fallen. So it's like, if I was to represent any of those, if I was to make an army for any of those, um, and if I was, I would make some models for myself. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I would clearly do... Like, there'd be lots of historical sources for those. But I would definitely take Rudar in a um, Germanic... German, but So Germanic barbarians... Um, besieging Rome because um, again, they're Eastern Roman, they sort of fell. So I would probably give them the hexagon sort of shields and um, make them look like the barbarians that sacked Rome and stuff like that. And then they would be the low men. They would be the, like the sort of the savages. And I'd make Cardolan more of the middlemen, which would be um, I actually, I painted up some one of those huskers and um, I was I put it next to one of the um, not one of the not Arnold models. Um, and I kind of thought that's how I picture Cardolan would be um, not Rohan looking, but that sort of, that sort of look again, because it's, I, I think if, if we say in this film universe that like the elves have a technology, man have a technology to make this plane armor and stuff like that. Um, I think Cardolan would be represented. They're not, they're no longer a, I don't know what, I, I don't know what their Royal family looks like. I don't remember, but I don't picture them as being the Royal bloodline anymore. 
they need to be back down a tier to the middleman. So they would need to have things like the um, more of the furs and more of the cobbled together armor because they're not quite as noble anymore. They have fallen a little bit, from, um, whereas Arthur Dane would still be um, uh, look a little bit more like the rest of Western S. But, but even then, they're, they're struggling. So they would be... You, you'd keep... Obviously, this, this army has no... This army has one or two profiles, so this is all just in our heads, but, um, <laughs> which is a real shame. This, that 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 faction is ripe for a um a new book. The imagine just it's it's our fantasy. If there was a um war in the north source book that just covered the three kingdoms and Angmar, just we have been advocating thing. for that for so long. We want we wanted like oh. a a witch king supplement where it's basically. That whole fall of the North Kingdom and the 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 Witch King culminating in the Witch King sacking it and basically writing it off the map. Yeah. I think that would be fantastic, but I'm it not so sure about it. I think I think we're we're sticking to what's in the movies a fair bit. It's a shame because that that's just right for expansion. There's there's so much that you could do it's just with like you'd have to. I think there's a, there's a good fan supplement out there. I have seen. And I haven't looked at it recently, but there's a fan supplement that does the three kingdoms. But there's the three there's the three kingdoms. It give you a chance to have some um, more Rivendell and Gondor again, um, and then you could obviously have a, a proper Angmar. Because what is the Angmar sort of army in the Third Age? It's what it, it's an army book. So it's an army in the rules, kind of just for the sake of being there. It it doesn't do much because um, it's obviously not in the, mil- the movies and it's not. Um, like a, a player in the third age, so what? That, that, that's kind of there, and yeah. Angmar is a really popular army, I think. Oh, and... We've got a oh, yeah. But there's a big following of Angmar, and pe- people want that. And I think um, one of the big criticisms I have of that is that that you don't have any of the men that are involved there, and and oh, I, I don't like that either. Yeah. Stuff. When I set out to do do um, the Patreon month for Fell Kingdom, um, I was intending to do some werewolves for that because I thought like. I haven't been done, but I and I intended to do some um, some men as well, but they kind of fell by the side as I focused on other things. But you're right that that was one of the, the, the things people were talking about um, when I was when I was doing that that month was well if you did it'd be great if you could make some models for this yeah because there's um a lot more sort of fear factor and more not horror but there's, there's just yeah, the Angmar sort of stuff. It shouldn't be orcs and wags. It should be um, evil men. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that whole sort of Kandum area and, and the, mean, the men around there. And, and they, they reference that yeah. in the books a fair amount, and we just sort of ignored it for, for some reason. Yeah. Like, Kand and Harad have full armies sort of fleshed <laughs> out, sort of. And one sentence and what, in the books, get, yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah, that, 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 he says, like, it's one sentence about the Variags from Kand. Yes, <laughs> And we've got a full, full, fully realized Eastern army with chariots and all kinds of cool stuff. And then we've well, got the um, um, stuff that we've written about and yeah. it's just ignored. <laughs> um, and more on that, it's like the Khan stuff. Um, at least Khan, I, I don't actually know off the top of my head who their historical allies with. But Khan and Easterlings, I know people play together. And so, like, I'm pretty sure they, they must be historic allies, at least. Well, Arnor isn't historical allies with anyone. See, at least with Numenor, if you play Numenor, could run them with Gondor mm. and then run a Gondor cab dressed up as Numenor and pretend they're the same yes. um, or something like that. If you're Arnor, 
what can you do? <laughs> You've hit on another uh, theme of our, our show as well. We um we mentioned that oh, regularly. Yeah. The, we have a big problem with a lot of the allies, <laughs> and that's one that yeah. um that whole North Kingdom, the allies are just all over the place. Like the the Dunedain not oh, being sorry. historic allies with Rivendell is is insane, and and Arnor not having anything when we've got whole stories about them with Rivendell and and. And even with Gondor as well, and and the fact that they're not historic allies is just very strange. Yeah, um, I hope that's ex- that's expanded upon more. I'm really hoping that this new um, TV TV series takes off. And I was um uh, originally originally I remember like a few years ago before this was announced, and there was a bit of a meme going around, and it was like the only way um it was like a hard truth that the only way the Simmerillion could be adapted was with anime, um. It was just a meme, and but since then, obviously we're getting the War of Rohan um, uh, uh, animation. I used to be really opposed. I used to not like animated content. Um, I much preferred live action. I've, I've definitely softened my stance on that um, recently, but with animated, like I watched La- La- um, Last Avatar or um, during lockdown, and then Korra and. That's become one of my favorite shows, and so I've softened my stance. Um, actually, after this, I'm going to watch um, Star Wars Visions. Anyway, yeah, so I've softened, softened my stance on um, animated stuff because I used to be against it, but now I kind of think it comes out faster. It's a lot cheaper to make than movies. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if there was some animated um, content for some of these sort of stories. Like the, I wasn't that fond on the Witcher animated um, movie. I didn't quite get that one, but like, I just wish that was a way. What, what I mean by that is a way to tell to tell those stories or to flesh out those stories that was just easy for a studio to do I would love it if it was live action but I don't see that happening but I could see it happening if it was animated in the same way we're getting a Helm Hammerhand movie yes it's kind of like how and I understand no one wants someone to pick up the mantle and write Tolkien books but it would be great if there was like a old fashioned Star Wars extended universe for Lord of the Rings in, in an aspect but in and I know there's going to be opposition to that but we already have it in a way with the GW content, the Lord of the Rings online content, and um, all the source books. It'd be great if just because there's like lots of areas that are half spoken about. I don't want a definitive answer from someone else per se, but I would at least like a general consensus of what the fans think something is, and we we can fully appreciate this is not Tolkien. But if someone was to flesh out like the whole War in the North thing with name characters, storylines, stuff like that. It would be something that we could implement into our head canon and definitely keep some, not try and collude with Tolkien stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's just so many so many areas that are just mentioned and then dropped. It, uh, oh, so it's not frustrating or sad. It's just the, the want to know is very strong. There has been movements in the past where, where fans have got together and, and created these these supplements for it, and I just think yeah. now with with the access to, to guys like you who are who are, who are like envisioning it physically, because that's always been a limitation for a lot of us who, yes. who play the game. Like making the models, we've basically grabbed either historic models, usually Perry's or something that's the same scale, and yeah. Games Workshop models, and just bashed them together and said, okay, here's my elves of, of whatever. <laughs> And they've been okay, and they've done the job, but really haven't been anything spectacular. And then, then throwing a couple scenarios together, I feel like it's something that that the community could really get behind and, and do themselves because there's so many people yeah. who are interested in that thing, and there's there's groups who are just about um, playing through scenarios for for the game. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's something that they would be really keen on to to flesh out these areas that we've 
we just yeah they're just missing yeah for sure i i haven't been around very long so i've only known i grew up with computers and i grew up with social media to a degree and things like that but Especially, I think, and, I, and I, I'm going to beat a dead horse when I say this lockdown has, or this corona thing has shown us when I say, like, about um, how this whole 3D printing thing has taken off and stuff like that. We all know that that's a thing. And, um, but I really believe that in within, I don't know whether it's necessarily five years. I was talking to someone the other day, though, saying, I really think it will be within five years and everyone every single person who does this miniature gaming is going to have a 3D printer. It might not look like the our resin 3D printers now where we have to clean the prints, but I fully believe the technology is moving so fast that it will only be a couple of years and there will be fully sculpted, you know, miniatures that are already coloured because there's 3D printing in colour is already a thing. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's, I, I, it's probably very expensive and I don't think it's de- doable at home yet, but, it, but resin printers used to be so expensive. They're a hundred bucks now for cheap ones and I would recommend obviously getting something slightly more expensive, but yes, agree, it agree. Do before... it. Get, get more. Yeah, do it. <laughs> um, it. It won't be long before everyone has one. It's fully color, and I'm sure they'll develop a technology or a printer that can remove the supports and do the cleaning by itself. It'll eventually come to a point where the printer can print out a fully painted miniature. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how it would work, but it will be a thing. And it'll be annoying because then our sculptors will have to start painting our models in the program. Um, <laughs> talk, talk about pile of great shame, but um, yeah, so, oh, that'll be a different world, won't it? And I, look, I, I'm not looking uh, forward to that point because I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of painting the models. But it oh, would, would, obviously, um, people will still paint. But yeah, just <laughs> the people who are who are into gaming or and stuff like that, it's going to be a thing. And I I have no idea where all of this is going and what that means for these big companies. And that's not for me to worry about. Okay. I just want to pursue <laughs> my thing. But um, I I haven't played any 40k in a few years, and um, because I've I've been up at the coast and I haven't been down with my local group, and haven't really played many games this year. That, but I dropped 40k with um sort of eighth edition. Just I did not like the primaris law, and I I. I I'm not going to get into that because that's a different thing. But and now, what I've heard about Ninth Edition and stuff like that with the Primaris, this Primaris, that the Eradicators and all these kind of things, I could not be bothered playing that game if I wanted to. And um, but one page rules. The I'm sure people know one page rules. Yes. That's a thing. And um, I haven't played a game yet, but I've watched a few just because I've been curious. And I got I, I sent that down to my friends back in Sydney. I said, give it, give this a look, and um, they've loved it. And they've been playing that because um, the ones who at least live to live with each other have been playing that because it's like it's the same mechanics, but all of a sudden it's sort of um, it not. The problem is like sorry the the reason people like that isn't because it's free necessarily. I think people would happy to pay for the subscription to a set of rules. It's just because they're balanced and yep. they're, they're, there's there's no Death Star balance. units. Yep. Yeah, like there's it's also streamlined and. It's probably going to get to a point where, um, as, as, as we're talking about with these family supplements, that's why I was getting onto one page rules. One page rules is really growing, and um, so we'll get to a point where, and that's one of the things as like a sculptor, um, uh, there's, there's hundreds of others that do digital sculpting, not just me. Um, but you know, this whole thing started a, two, one or two years ago. In Ten years, I will have been one of 
the first. By the, because, when I say that is because this is the, the, those of us who exist now are a tiny fraction of what is to come. There are going. It'll be at a point, and um, I think from a business standpoint, and this is not something that I would do uh, because I don't have the skills. The person who comes up with the first thing, the person who comes up with the printer, they can print the, the models that don't need cleaning. Because I think that's the big thing people don't like about resin printing is the cleaning. But the, but the person who comes up with the first bit of software that's just like, I want models that look like this, and you just type it in and it makes them for you, that's going to be what changes this. And that's going to be a thing with, um, like, just like Hero Forge is at the moment. Yes. At the moment, Hero Forge is a bit pricey with it's, it's like $30 or something for a model. But that's because they're the only people doing it. One day, that's going to be the norm. And yeah, so these fan based supplements. Um, it's, I, I, I kind of wonder what it's going to look like in the future because there's, the market for all of these things is going to get so saturated that I, I, I think be, all these big companies are going to really need to shift their focus. And I think that's why one big company in particular is shifting towards media content because they're losing the grip on being a monopoly <laughs> with rules. And um, Very subtle of you to the one big company. We know who that is. <laughs> well... I'm just trying to be polite about it. But, um, oh, no, 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 no. There's no politeness here. You're, you're, allowed, to, you're uh, allowed to say it. And look, it's, honestly, it's probably a good idea because, cause, like, yeah. I, 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 for that company, Games Workshop we're talking about, I used to spend yeah. a significant amount of money on models for that. And that since since the lockdowns have started and I, I got myself a printer, my, my money that's going out towards miniatures is, is shrunken incredibly and it's going towards bottles of resin and, and gloves and things yeah. like that instead of... <laughs> gloves, yeah, gloves are the unsung heroes yeah. of the, um, the, the, the hidden cost, aren't they? Um, Sometimes my, my friends ask me to print something for them, something small, and they're like, oh, I'll pay you for the resin. It's like, I'd actually prefer you to pay me for the gloves because the resin is <laughs> negligible. The gloves are the expensive part. <laughs> oh, that's so true, yeah. Um, yeah, no, 100%. Um, but yeah, it will. But so one page rules has taken off, and the, I don't know any others at the moment. They're They're a big one at the moment. They cover a, f- a fair few different games. Uh, I know um, the Outer Circle at the moment. I think he's creating his own. I don't. I, I still watch his stuff because I, I like some of his more long videos that um, are more discussions on something. And yeah. he's. I know he's creating this. Not it's like a source book or something. Some compatible campaign book for some scenario in 40k. I don't know what it is, but it's like he keeps talking about. You know, Forge World and stuff would keep bringing out these campaign books, or one of the new ones, which was like had nothing in it, or it wasn't anything. It didn't add to the game and all these sort of, sort of things. His criticisms, I, I would go watch him. I wouldn't, um, don't take my word for anything. I don't know what I'm talking about with this, but the criticisms were valid. And um, so he kind of said, Look, this isn't what a campaign source book should be, so I'm going to make one. And he's gone, I think he's made one. I think he's still going. Mm. But eventually, it's because. It's getting easier and easier to make this stuff. It's no longer... It's, it's not necessarily easy by any means, but the, the the barrier to entry to creating your own content has dropped significantly. And now with, obviously, the internet, and we used to say, oh, with the internet, techno- information can be passed. Yeah, but you still had to buy your miniatures in the mail, but not anymore. Now it just... You uh, jump online. Oh, so and so good. miniatures... And the, yeah. And, the, and things like source books and fan-made content is going to... Hasn't taken off for. Um, I haven't seen much Lord of the Rings source books and stuff like that that have taken off because I think people don't. I think more people play the game for um, competitively than they do 
systematically. I, that's just my my very limited I, experience. I think, um, what we found, we we um, the, the, our podcast started off. Yeah. We talk a bit about competitive. We were, we're very competitive players, and and yeah, and and are quite good. But also, we play a lot of scenarios. And what we found okay. is that there's definitely a, a mixture, and they're, they're sort of overlapping a lot more now, but there is a significant yeah. portion, I don't know if it's the most, but who, who play it essentially just for that narrative idea. And and, and I guess it's, you, you compete in-game, but it's about telling a story more than anything. And yeah. it's a significant amount, but they're just not noisy because they're not complaining about latest rules or <laughs> updates or anything. They're, like they're doing their own. Yeah, they're just in their, their house playing a game and, and representing whatever. And I think Games Workshops realize that as well because all the latest source books have been all scenarios yeah. and like a page of new rules. And then everything else is just the story. Yeah, good point. Um, I hadn't considered that. Yeah, and you're right, they're not very noisy because with, um, with other games... There's a lot more fan-made rules, but there isn't many fan-made rules for this game. And um, I kind of wondered whether that's because people were more competitive about it. And you're right, maybe because they're not noisy, they just do it amongst themselves. Because um, if this was any other game, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a fan-made War in the North um, source book. And I think I have seen some attempts at one, but none of them have taken off in the way that fan-made rules for other games have. So, it's uh, just um, an interesting sort of observation. But well, The other thing is that we can't keep yeah. up with the, the releases from Games Workshop at the moment. They put out a book every other, well, see, it feels like it's, <laughs> it's a couple times a year. And playing through those, I don't, I don't know if you've been playing through it, but we, we play through most of the scenarios. No, I haven't yet. And yeah. oh, they take a lot of resources just to put together the models for it, to get the boards really? together, and then to, to get the time. And, and that's been our problem at the moment is because we've been um, meeting up with people is just so difficult at the moment that, we can't yeah. we don't get time to play through it. So we've still got the um, whole quest of the ring bearer to get through and, and slowly yeah. slugging through that. I, I had to, I had to fall back on using my eight year old son and my, my five year old daughter to play games with. I'm really <laughs> desperate for it. <laughs> yeah. Not try a tabletop simulator. Not no, it's just, um, I, I'm, I'm old school enough that, uh, that yeah. if I'm not touching a model and I'm not seeing it on a table, it's not war game for me. It just feels like a video <laughs> game. And uh, yeah. look, I don't play much video games at all. Like I've, I've, yeah. I've actually, I borrowed my, my brother's old school NES um, to, to go through some games from my youth. But um, other than that, it's, um, yeah, it, it just, it doesn't really interest me as much as that sort of tactile spectacle. So I've been spending all my time painting and, and well, going through gloves and printing, essentially. <laughs> so much, so <laughs> yeah, much gray sure. resin around. Oh yeah, it's it's the new, um, it's the new pile of shame is, um, is not plastic models anymore. It's printed models, and it's a whole lot worse because it's um, it's obviously just as addicting, and they just build up, and you don't have to go get them. They're at home. They, <laughs> so... they, they are, yeah, that's very true. But one, let's get this straight: it's not shame; it's something to be proud of. <laughs> so I'm very proud of my pile of <laughs> prints and all this sort of stuff. And um, I found that the, that local people who don't have have a printer are very yeah. appreciative of, of me coming with my container of. Of models that I, yes. I I have tried out and just said take whatever you want I'm I'm happy for you to do that and people people like that yeah. as well because they find stuff and I found a lot of my miscasts have um have got a second life of dead bodies or anything like that just chuck them on some yes. terrain and see how we go <laughs> I can't throw away any of my um failed prints and like I, I, the other day I was um well, I say other day about a month ago I was rescaling a bunch of figures as I was um working out like hang on how tall should these models really be and i standardized the size of all of my models going forward and i've got my rules to measure that by but and i printed out a bunch of models and then i went hang on these are too small so i've got all of those laying around 
they're not useful for anything. They're about the size of the Game of Thrones figures from A Song of Ice and Fire. So they're not relevant at all for 28 mil. They're huge. I, I can't bring myself to throw them away. It's a perfectly printed model. <laughs> so it's just gross. I, um, I'm a bit of a hoarder. So I've got Ice Alive um, back at Sydney. There's every model that ever existed. None of them have been thrown away. I've given a bunch away, but I've not. And I can't bring myself to sell them either. Um, if, I've given them to my friends, so they still exist. But I can't bring myself to part with any of these sort of um, the, the models yet. Um, and because um, I moved, as soon as I got back to um, Sydney, I moved up to the Central Coast for um, work and not this work. And um, since I've been up here, I haven't really found any um, gaming groups up here. I had a, I had a brief look. I couldn't see very much, and um, I've just been busy enough. But I've been intending to get down to Sydney and play some more games, but that just it hasn't happened. So yeah, my pile of shame has been building up because not not shame, sorry, my pile of unpainted miniatures was building up because um, I have I didn't paint a model for from like late last year to like the other day, well the other day I bought some paints um and some brushes two weeks ago or whatever, and I started painting again. I had some of my old models. Some of the new ones. Oh, that was that was that was rough. <laughs> it was just putting them side by side, and I was happy. With, I, and I had I had some really old paints until the new ones came, and I just kind of just thought I'm not going to touch these until the new stuff arrives because the paints trash. And then, but it's, it's that kind of thing where it's like it'll be fine when I buy this thing, or once I buy this thing, it's going to solve all of my problems. <laughs> uh, once I get my new wet palette, it's going to solve. Once I get oh, my yeah. new paints. It's, <laughs> yeah, and then you just realize it's not you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you just got to accept at one point, hang on, it's not, it's not the equipment, it's me, I've just got to practice. Or and, the fact um, that like, it all takes time and you're the one person that <laughs> can't generate more time to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and that has just been, it's been um, like nine months since I've painted anything. But I, I'm happy. I, I've gotten to a point where I can paint. The, I, I've always, I still was painting all the faces, but I wasn't getting the layers very smooth. And, but, so far, I haven't screwed up any eyes yet. I've got a streak of that, so I'm okay with that. But I, I've really struggled to paint metallics. Uh, gold, I'm good at. I can do the gold, fine. It's the silver I, oh, and the metal. I'm struggling. Um, I, yeah, it, it just looks wrong, and I'm not sure what to do about that. But just, I'll, just I'll keep going. Idea just abandon painting metallics altogether and just go non-metallic. Just... Yeah, and that, that's why the, the models that I sculpted after that had more robes. Yes. <laughs> That's the trick, isn't it? That's the best one. It's just to go get rid of all this, this metal armor. I just want want leather. And That's it. Leather and yeah. leather and robes and fur. That's it. Yeah, some nice greens and blues in there. Yeah, yeah all yeah. ranges all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Well, Andrew, you've covered you covered um quite a bit of what I wanted to go. Yeah, we through. have. Now, um, was there anything left? Oh, there definitely is, and I'll go through that in just a moment. I just wanted to, to point oh. out, like, initially I was going to talk about sculpting, but you sculpting in ZBrush, and we can just go now. You put out YouTube videos for it. Yes. That's the best place to get it because this is not a visual medium. So I think that's probably your best bet. And and um, I like to get some ideas about it, but I'm just going to go watch those when I get a chance. That's the best way to do it. I wanted to actually just talk a little bit about some of the models that I've printed out and what my plans yes. are for them, because um, because I've got some critiques also and some things that I like and some things that I don't. Yeah, sure, for and I thought, yeah, I want to talk about that because I, I think our listeners will want to see it. Like, the, I know you've got a very like partial fantasy, partial historic vibe to the models, and they yeah. probably wanted to see how they can merge them in. And I, I assume all the listeners are exactly like me because that's why else would they be listening? So, 
Yes. Firstly, um, I have I have painted one of the models. So I've uh, I've printed and painted one from an Orc Warrior pack, which I got from uh, yep. Gumroad. So there's yep. there's a little pack. It's only got three Orc Warriors in there, and they've got a um, an armor that looks very reminiscent of of the kind of movie orcs and and obviously some difference in there the plates are slightly different and they're mm. all that sort of stuff but but i really quite like these because they fit in very well with my um the very first games workshop orcs that they came out with were these metal ones yeah and what i loved about these is they're all unique and they're all individual and they've all got their own character to them and mm. i just absolutely love them to death got heaps of them but the problem is that they're like i said with the the, the um the huskull stuff they're all so unique that every time you see the big two-handed axe guy it's obvious which, yes. which is the guy. And I chop off the heads and, and move them around as much as I can. But still, there's only so much success. So I got this Orc Warrior pack. I painted up one mm. of them. And I'm just over the moon about it. It just came out perfectly. I had um, It looks very good. Yeah, thank you. I had some issues with it with its head. And I think I lost some of the yes. detail in its hair. Because I had some... You know, it's sometimes when you print, you get a couple rings around certain areas. Oh, okay, yeah. I got that on the, the Did forehead. Did you use my pre-supported files for this? Yes, I used the pre-supported file. Okay, yeah. So I, I got just. Uh, do you think that was because of that the pre-supporting? Not for this one. I think it was probably because my okay. machine um, right. somehow, like I, I've been having some some issues. I might have to just uh, like grease up the the um, yeah. the middle part again. I think it was probably because of the layer height because I I just oh, yeah. I'd be going for for um, 0.05 layer height, which I can probably go finer than that. So I think I think some of it was that and the angles. But normally I just get a little blade just right over it and it's not noticeable at all. Yeah. But I think I probably killed some of the hair. So I didn't quite know where the hair finished and started. So I've just sort of made it up with the painting. But I think it looks fine. Sure. <laughs> it's got a green hair anyway. Yeah. So it's got a green head with greenish hair. So be it. I think I did notice that in the photos that the hair looked like something had happened with the hair. Um, yeah. So I, I figured that was the case. Yeah. Yep. So I've sort of, sort of made that up. But other than that, like... I couldn't throw it out. Like you said, it's, it was it was too good. I might have mirrored it. I can't remember what I did on this one. But what I found is that um, half my prints now are left-handed. So I've got this like sinister cord yeah. going along here with all the, all the lefties <laughs> in there. And yeah. um, for me, I, I don't care about that. It's as variety because most of the miniature manufacturers just make right-hand models. And very occasionally you get a left-hander. So for a skirmishy line, he's holding one sword. He could be left-handed. That's fine. Oh, for sure. And I think, I think with these three here, I, I printed six of them, and I really wish I had mirrored the next three. I think, because I think, I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think one of them might be left-handed. I think the other two are, yes, are yeah. right-handed. But the, the poses, are, these, these were time, kind of, these weren't meant to be anything specific. They were kind of just meant to be rank and file to, to pack out something or to fill something out. They were more of an experiment for me on um, sculpting orc. This was the first orc faces that I'd done without helmets. So these were, uh, lear not learning, but just uh, what I was talking about with posing, about getting away from upright poses. So mm. they were a, um, an experiment on how to do that, and both these two kits were. So, yes, that's the, they're, in, they're in poses that are all similar to each other, but not standing up straight. But, yes, you can mirror them, and that's the great thing, especially with horses and stuff. But these are intended to yeah, mirror them. You get your six. And they all kind of look the same, but once you mirror them, they look similar to the one next to it, but different enough. Yeah, they are all going to um, like work together, and a sort of a, a little. Um, obviously, we don't have squads in this, but you know they're going to pack something up and fill fill some gaps that you might not have. 
But yeah, yeah sorry, continue. I'll leave it to you. Oh, keep going. Yeah, no, no. So, so these ones, like honestly, this this was the first thing I had a look at it. I said I must have these orcs because I'm, look, I'm a big fan of orcs, and they they're straight into the collection. First one I painted. Absolutely, absolutely love those ones. So over the moon about them. Would love to see some more. I think next time I print them, I'm going to get the... Um, I've got the Orcs from a later release from... I think it was from the Patreon. Um, yes. And they're the Northern King. They're quite different. And um, what Sorry. I found with these ones is they're also quite a bit smaller than, than the original Orc, I think, or Ooh, maybe a yes, little bit. Yes, that's intentional. Yep. But I, I spoke about that in the Patreon just because these are meant to be very traditional sort of Orcs that yeah. go right back to art from the 80s and they're meant to be four like four or five foot tall so i did tell say that in the patreon which i gave you the models after so i didn't mention it sorry but they were intended to be if you want to use them at this size to be scaled up but yes continue oh absolutely so so that's look i, I quite like them as well and they do have that real 80s sort of uh, animation vibe to them and the shields are just like across the board yes. i love love the shields like i just could print shields for days and, and add them to everything <laughs> But these ones, the shields are paper thin as well. They're, they're so, so fine, the detail in them. But these ones, I'm going to scale some up as well because I want to mix them in yeah. with my, my, my sort of second age orc horde. And, mm. um, and they're, yeah, they're, they're fitting in almost with goblins at the moment with the, the way they're scaled, yeah. which, is, which I probably can do as well, armored goblins. But I, I quite like <laughs> them as well. And what I like about them as well is the, the weapon choices you've got. You've got that sort of savage... Um, pointed swords with the little hooks in them, and the the um the spears particularly that are that are not quite straight. I think they're really quite quite dynamic. <clears throat> I also thought about just swapping the heads of human heads as well and have them for my um, okay. humans from the north. Um, but I, I have to think about that. I have to test that out. What I have yeah. noticed is that um the hands, especially, there's such a different scale to like um some of the other stuff I've done, like the Perrys yes. and the um the Games Workshop ones have quite oversized hands because you've got to fit the weapons in. Yeah. And um, some of it's covered up with gloves, so they've got like the the gloves, which you can sort of imagine. Okay, that's that's bigger, but that was a little bit jarring at first when I, when I first started printing. I'm like, oh, where are the hands? They're just this like <laughs> pinhead. But now I've got, I'm getting used to that idea, and I think it's it's probably going to work. And I'm sure that that um, if I start painting my other ones as having gloves and the other ones as having bare hands, I think the the brain is going to say, oh. yep, this is all good. <laughs> Even though bare hands are probably a bit silly in a lot of these weapons, but anyway. The hands come back to the whole true scaling argument. Yeah. And some I have heard from people asking, can the hands be bigger? And I, I normally try and comply with as much sort of critiques as possible and, and do my best with them. But the hands are one that I don't know if I'm going to budge on. With the human models, they're, they're a little bit better, I think. But then that's, these orcs from the Patreon release, the Fell um, Kingdom orcs, because they are already smaller, I, and they're, you're right, they're more goblin-sized, and because they're a, sort of gob, goblins and orcs in, um, in many different fantasies are not necessarily different creatures, just different size. So, And because these were meant to be more traditional, they are smaller, and you're right, the heads, because the heads kind of stay the same size, the rest of the bodies are a bit smaller. And so, um, yes, I would encourage people to scale those up just a little bit because if they wanted them to, um, to be for... Um, like, or to fit in with others, but yes, and so and the hands would be bigger if they were scaled up. But to go back to the scale, the heads are already considerably bigger than um, if they were one to one human scale. Yes, most of the human models. But when I'm when I'm sculpting it in the program, it looks wrong if I make the hands any bigger. And I appreciate that these are printed models, but I am trying to more and more make models that 
I, I still want them to look like 28mm sculpted figures, like they were sculpted by hand. But also be just a step up in realism. Mm. And I don't I don't like the oversized hands, and that's just a personal sort of preference. I, I, I appreciate that some have been too small in the past. Um, not saying that that's not necessarily true, but the, the hands one is a tricky one that um, I'm wrestling with, so... Yeah, I, can I have taken that one on board. No, no, no. And that's yeah. that's one that I think you just be aware that if you're going to print these off, get, know that they're yes. not exactly the same scaling as as the Perry's or the Games Workshop ones that, that you've yeah. seen before. Our listeners mostly play with Games Workshop models. And we, yeah. we, we tend to almost assume the hands are, are the right scale, but they're not. You check them out and they're, they're too big and the heads are too big. And there's been recent debate on one of the forums lately. Um, Some of the, they released the Rohan models, the Plastic Heroes. And yeah. people complain, what this head is, is one-sixth of the body. This is ridiculous. It's not right. And it's like, well, that's always been the case. They've always made the heads too big and or one-fifth or whatever it was, and, and it did, didn't stand out at all. But that's something to, to look at. And look, if, if, if you're a, a person that's really got a problem with that, just swap the hands over with one of the, the piles of plastic ones you've got if you really want to. But I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. But that's, that's something that I, I just noticed, and it surprised me a little bit. And then it made total sense once I, I thought about it. But it was it was just a bit of a. Sometimes it's a little bit jarring. What I found was that the um the detail, like you you mentioned the whatever it was um the the length of the nose, the detail is incredibly fine. And with my painting mm. style, my painting style is very much um as much contrast on every surface as possible. So I go pretty much from all yeah. the way to black, all the way up to white. And I found yeah. it really tricky to to get that working because a lot of your um some of the armor and some of the the surfaces. The details small, finer yeah. than than I'm used to as well, so that's something that I've just pretty much have to adjust my uh, my painting style, I think, a little bit and just go more of an impression rather than that. And um, the horse lord, the um, the I don't, is it male? They've got the um, the royal horse lords um, around uh, the ones with oh the the the, the um, they've all got the the knee pads. Yes, yes, that that stuff is very fine, and that is um, yes. These are, this is 100% correct, and I understand it goes against what I said earlier, because what I said, uh, what I was talking about earlier, was a realization that I had after I made those models. Uh. <laughs> so, this, again, this is a learning process, and the, like going forward, as I as I go forward, the I try and improve with each sort of range, and so I, yes, and I would I would go back and critique even the models from yesterday, and as I would critique these ones, these orcs. And say, and yes, I think the detail is a bit fine at the size that they are in, that I have made them. Mm. But yes, and so I would definitely say, well, but I think once you scale those up, they'd be fine. But yes, the horse lord's shin pads and knees, people have painted it and done those. Oh, they're just but, amazing, aren't they? The people who can get the paintbrush in there. It's, uh... Oh, people who can do it are crazy. Yes, I, I agree with that. And hence, I've, I'm redoing that range. Yeah, no. And, and but look, yeah, that, that stuff's quite fine. Mm. Yeah. No, so that that's something that I notice as well, and, and look, I don't yeah. mind it, but it's just something to to be aware of as well that that you're going to either need your whatever it is like fifty zero paintbrush to to get around some of this detail, or just yeah. have once again an impression. You paint it one color, and you just get the side of the brush and just touch a few parts to give an impression that it's it's there, and let the detail take you away. I I printed off the um the Northern Kingdom Spectres because once again, like the Orcs, my eyes just like got a bit wider when I saw these because. I've, a running joke on this podcast is that um, in the Games Workshop rule sets, you've got the Dead Marsh Spectres, which are obviously from the Dead Marshes, like uh, yeah. where the, the final battle was in the, the Second Age. And then 
they've somehow put them in the Angmar list and just kept the name. So they're Deadmar Spectres, which is nowhere near Angmar, in the Angmar list, and they're a key part of the list. Everyone who plays Angmar takes them because they they are phenomenal in the game. And I just I just go on my rant every couple episodes about that whenever it's mentioned <laughs> because they should be called Angmar Spectres or something along those lines. They should not be there. So someone coming up with Northern Kingdom Spectres, I'm in. I'm in. And the fact that they've got that sort of um, different armor, that sort of... Uh, Men of the West armor, but but very much modified, and your own take on it, I thought was fantastic. Once again, the chest details, oh my goodness, they're um, they're they're tiny and and great, but man, they're they're small. Um, so what I've done with these ones, uh, I've compared them to my old Games Workshop Arnold models, which are they're oversized, they're bigger than they should be. So yeah. I've um I've kicked them up, I printed them, I printed them once at normal size, and then just thought, no, I'm going 110 percent. So I've sure. I've updated I've upgraded them. Maybe they're they're thirty mil now. I don't know, but I've uh, <laughs> I've moved them all up, and I'm very happy with that. And what that's done is made the detail a little bit more obtainable as well. So, about, yeah. So it's it's done both ways for those ones. But those ones I'm over the moon about. There was one um there's one that doesn't have a helmet, and that one yes. has, I found really challenging to print. I couldn't get it to okay. work. So I um I added yeah. a couple extra supports around the sword for for it and got it to work after that because it um because the sword was almost horizontal, I think um the way machine oh, okay. was doing it um it was losing the battle against the the gravity and the the yeah. pull so it was um unfortunately this this the supports there were were not not particularly doing that so that's something that I I looked at but um for the listeners if you try that and you have problems with it what I recommend doing is go back to your your slicer program and just add a couple light supports around the areas yeah. that fail. And um, you just have to just be careful. You scalpel and cut them off later on. That's that's the the way I found most handy because yeah. the problem with making supports, isn't it, is that you don't have my machine, you don't have my my Melbourne weather, you don't have all this other stuff that's going on that's going to stuff it up. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I say that as well. Add the the um, I, I try and make them as well as possible. And I didn't. I haven't seen any failures with those ones yet. I I've seen some failures early on. In the first day of that release, and so I and I with the horses, and so I'd gone and fixed those for the race. But the um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll have a look at that sword and um, and see what went wrong there, and see what I can what I can do to fix that one. But yeah, there's a photo on um, I, I'm moving to my mini factory as opposed to Dumb Road, and yep. um, the photo that I've used as the background cover background photo was painted by um, a, a really good painter on Insta and somehow he actually managed to capture that jet, those chest details and <laughs> do it again. We aspire, oh, <laughs> but absolutely. your painting is pretty good. I was really happy with the orc you did, but yeah, it, I appreciate that. It's tricky for people at different, different scales, um, not different scales, different painting styles to do the different <laughs> styles of miniatures where it's less, less character, less caricature and more, um, yeah, what, not what, I don't know if they one to one, but yeah. Well, I'm I'm a look. I'm I've been painting a very long time. I'm a pretty accomplished mm. painter, but I do rely on a surface being big enough that I can I can go through the different layers of paint, and that's what I found as well. I also found the um the, the, you talked about the chain links before. Um, I really yeah. love the chain links on the orc one I painted because they're just that bit bigger and they're totally yes. like they don't make any sense whatsoever. You just layered the, <laughs> the circles on top of each other and they're not joined, but. That's the style I'm so used to, so it fitted in with more what I've got. Whereas the um, the Spectre, it's a lot more fine, especially on the back. Yeah. It seems to be really finely woven chain mail, which which looks a lot closer to what the mail looks like. But it's also mm. it's yeah, it's a different style of painting that I've got to get used to as well. And 
and move around. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'm keen to paint those ones. I finally got the prints I wanted. I got the scale I wanted. So I'm ready to, to get those specters up and running. They're going to be the next ones on there. And they're, so they're, they're, they're just, I got the, um, I think it's white you called them. These, the, the, the ghosts with no legs. Yes. Yes. And how did they print for you? They were, um, they were, they were good. I think I had, did I have trouble with these? No, I didn't have any trouble with these. Um, oh, the good. biggest trouble I found was that there was all those hidden supports in between the robes. And um, the yeah. first one I put together, I'm like, oh, there's a whole bunch of little. There's, a bit, there's there. a bit of extra, yeah. But I just, um, my technique for that is I get a, a brush that I've absolutely killed. So the bristles have gone really hard. <laughs> and I yep. just, I just put it inside and just rub it around a little bit. And it just knocks off all oh, those man. in no time whatsoever. So that was mm. fine. But these ones, once again, I looked at them and I thought, oh, it's a little bit small for my liking. So I'll go up to I'll go up to 110 and went to 110 and went mm, a little bit small for my liking as well. <laughs> okay, I've yeah. got 120% for these guys. So they, they are significantly oversized, but I want them to be like overlooking a model and, and really yeah. intimidating them. So I've gone, I've gone extra on top and because the hands are so fine, it doesn't really matter about it. Like it doesn't look out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Once you scale them up, the the hand, say with the orcs stand, once you, once they get scaled up a bit, the hands look a bit more real. Yeah, so <laughs> and I, the body yes. So that that was the way that I saw, and now I feel thinking perfectly. So so um those the silly looking barrel white things that the games Workshop produced from from I don't know two thousand and two or whatever it was. <laughs> those ones I've got yeah. I've got a bunch of those. Once I paint up these ones, I think they're going to retire for a while because I want to use these as the barrel whites that um that are in the, in the Angmar yeah. forces, I think they're going to look fantastic as that sort of mm. ghosty spirit thing. And they, they look quite scary. Whereas the other ones don't look scary. They just look like a little cartoon, which is fine. A bit but... of Scooby-Doo in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> like, like the specters, like this sort of zombie look have been fantastic, but then you've got these little cartoon ghosts that, yeah, yeah, no good. I had a go, I had a, I printed one of the wraiths and the wraith itself. Yes. I'm not too fussed about the wraith, but the horse, um, I can't remember which one it was, but, like I've just got it in front of me. It's um, it's got the horse armor that sort of looks like um, it's got it's like got this, the metal on top of it, right? Yeah, it's got metal around the horse's neck, and it's the plates are all pointing up, and it's got some spikes there, and um, it's got yeah. the horse itself has got like chainmail underneath the robes, and then the the cloth yes. laid on top of it, which I've never yeah. really seen before or noticed before in any of the horses. I thought that was fantastic choice, and this one I think um, there's a certain mouth of Sauron that I got years and years ago who i just hate the horse i can't stand it okay yeah and i'm gonna just dump that horse so that horse is like paper thin <laughs> and it's just it's just not a nice model it's very static it just it doesn't even look like anything so this is this hero horse this one is just phenomenal and i think i'm gonna is it the one leaping up in the air yeah it's in the air oh. so it's um very much open mouth one. is it mouth open in the horse no the I horse's think, mouth think... oh it's it's teeth are showing teeth are show. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and I just—it's just so good. So this is going to show up with like all my evil armies. It's just gonna—I'm uh-huh. going to find a way to, to just shoehorn it in because it's just—I think that's what impressed me the most of the printing of your range is the horses are just significantly better than than a lot of the Games Workshop ones. Like the the old plastic Rohan ones and Gondor ones, they're just so small and so thin that yeah. they're like every day when I go for my walk or bike ride, I get to go past the horse paddocks. And I just look oh, at yeah. them and, and they don't really look like that at all. And like, I've got, um, I've got a, a games workshop Royal guard rider in front of me and the the guy's quite big and oversized and, and <laughs> like a, he's a large yeah. man. And then he's on this little pony mm. of a horse that's, that's looks like it couldn't even hold him. It's so small and, and, um, 
Of course, it's on one leg as well. So it's at some oh, it's point, impossible. it's going to break. It's going to break. <laughs> tricky thing with, with horses, um, and I had never considered it before until I saw a post by, again, Caballero Miniatures, is how big should a horse be? Because there are many different breeds of horses. Mm, and you think, I would have thought, oh, the soldiers and all that would want to be on the big horses. Well, the Romans used very tiny horses. And apparently not all war horses were very big. Oh, um, obviously different. So in, in Napoleonics, I, it, it shows up, I think, a bit more between, um, like, especially with the French. The uh, One of the French, the Napoleonics, the French with the cuirasses, the cuirasses, I don't know. Um, those guys have the bigger horses, but then the light cavalry have the smaller, more nimble ones. Like, horses are different depending on, um, you know, what role they would serve. So, when we talk about, uh, so I've heard some people say that my horses are a bit big, the new ones particularly are a bit big, comparison to some of the Perry ones, and maybe they are a bit big. And it, But it, when all of these sort of comments, I fully accept mm. that maybe something is a bit scaled this way or that way. Well, that's the great thing about 3D printing is you can adjust that. And you can see it before you print it, how big it's going to be with the measurements. It's not. I appreciate it's not always that easy. And so maybe more comparison photos might be the way to go. But war horses, to my understanding, should... Um, and again, how do you measure the height of a horse? But like, yeah. they sh- they're sort of... Well, the part you sit on should apparently come up to the shoulder or something. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it kind of... It's, it's a tricky thing... That's and as soon as you bring in the difference between the metal models and the plastic models, it's like that scale yes. is out the window at that point. Oh, absolutely. So, no. Yeah. So I um most of my my models, my personal ones, are uh, the metal models. So I've got yeah. I've got pretty much everything from from the ranges, but everything that I play on the table is is the metal ones, which are a bigger scale yeah. than the plastics. So that's yeah. what I'm sort of trying to match these ones too. And I've got a, a few of the Games Workshop Royal Guards that I haven't put on a horse yet. I haven't put them together, and I'm going to. And I'm not going to bother with the Games Workshop horse. I'm just going to print out <sighs> some of your horses and put them on that, just because it's um I just I just like it better. It's got that it's got a bit more like thickness to it. I have a real problem with yeah. the the plastics one. Not so much the size of it. I do have a problem with the size of it, but just how thin it is. So you look at the yes. head and the neck, and it's like, how can you fit a skull in that? that head it's just it's almost two-dimensional whereas yours you you could it's clearly like based a bit more on on real proportion so i i yeah i was over the moon when i found those ones and and as i said before my daughter was as well because uh, (sighs) she just she she loves to paint models with me and the 3d painter has been an absolute um like it's 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 just been a winner because uh, she just asked Keep models for the kids to paint yeah and there's no issue with like me feeling guilty about throwing a model out or um, yes. Letting you use it. It's just like, what, what do you want to print? A horse? Fantastic. I've got a few. I'll print them off for you and <laughs> we'll have them tomorrow. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, that's been really good. So, th- those horses have been absolutely fantastic. And, and the other thing I wanted to say, like, I love having the um, the, the spears, the the throwing weapons that they use in the, the movies and yeah. and that one. Having, having being able to print extra of those is fantastic because um, okay. if I want to play a Rohan army with the, the Middle Earth rule set, I want throwing spears on everything. Like, let's just put them on everything. So having those is just great. And the shields, I wanted to bring attention. Um, the shields you sent me, I've got quite a few different um, horse lord shields. And like yes, lots it's going to be 12 or so, right? Yeah, some some huge yeah. number of them. And I'm absolutely over the moon about them because like I don't think there's a single design there that I wouldn't want to use. And I think that's that's going to give them some significant character. So there's quite a few that I think would be suited for the, the Royal Guard. And um, 
just different designs and things and whether I, I put the thing, but there's also ones that I'm going to use on my normal ones. And there's even one that I yeah. think I'm going to, I think for some of the units, there's um, Urken Brand, I don't know if you, you know that character, has this massive yes, yes. shield and he's got um, some, some red shields that's supposed to ride with him and trying to pick him yeah. out is hard. So what I'm going to do is grab some of your shields and just kick him up to like 130%. And then, yeah. and then print them out that way. Put them on, and then let's get rid of their horses and give them give them these big tanky uh, horses. And away yes. I go. And visually on the board, I should be able to see them now. I should be able to have a bright red shield on them, a big shield mm. with them. And then that that hero's got his his warband. I think that's going to be fabulous for for my own Rohan force. So I've already got some plans yeah. for these. How I can modify the images of existing, but also just um, integrate things around. Yeah, spice, spice them up a bit. The Akebrand miniature. I just want to get up a photo before, um, because I've got thoughts on that one. Um, <laughs> I, I really like both of the models for Urken Brand, but again, we get back to the the impracticality. The giant scale male skirt—it yes. looks really cool, but it's down to his feet. But I really struggle with the Rohan range. Um, I've got most of the old metal models. Ex- I actually haven't got Urken Brand. He's like the one I haven't got. Yep. I don't like, and is in in the movies. Every Rohan shield was round, and then they stayed in shield, which is oblong. It's like, oh, like, I, and they're all the same size as well. So it's like it's all uniform, and there's one, and then it's like, okay, I can get past stayed in shield, and there's Sons of El oblong shields. I can get past that. They're all flat. Urken brand shield is a dome. Yes, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> if I if I ever got that model, I would um. Cut the shell off and make one. Well, I know a pretty good way you can print some off and just uh, swap it in there. That would yes. <laughs> That's I'm... exactly what I'll do if I get a brand one day. But because he's... the dome shield. He's a um. He's such a thick model. Like he's bigger than like the you've seen the the, yeah. the Games Workshop Royal Guard. They're they're big tanky oversized models. Yes. brand makes them look small. Like he's a big he really? model. And when he's sitting on the horse, it looks like his feet could touch the ground when he's on the horse. It's just, it doesn't <laughs> quite work. Yeah. And um, we need to get him a bigger horse as well. So he deserves it. He's, yes. he's Yeah, for sure. Any um, marshal of the mark or anyone like that, they, they need a, a proper steed for them and, and paint a nice light color because, of course, that makes him go faster and away we go. So I'm going <laughs> to find a nice white horse for him, I think, and, and yeah. put him up that way. And he's, look, he's one of the characters I really like because I like that whole... Um, Ford of Eisen storyline, and I've mm. been been looking. I, I look at your um your your Huskulls as well, thinking that would be perfect as well for that um like the Rohan force at the Fords of Eisen, the infantry force, which um a lot of people envisioned being a bit stronger and a bit more um yeah. tankier. I, I like the idea of that as well. So I've been been having some fun with that one. Um, the orcs I, I talked about before the orc shields. I am over the moon about these round shields. So I'm going to print like hundreds of those and add them to everything as well. Yeah, I like those. That I like the um and again, they 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 definitely inspired off some artwork from yeah, ages yes. ago. And the the old 70s artwork. There's, there's like, probably, yeah, and like some people would be able to look at them and, and just spot some imagery. And the shields in particular um and I I still and these are ones I struggled with not making. Is I did I, I think I settled with four, but because um, not all of the models are intended to have shields, because I don't think everyone runs every model with shields. So I thought if I did, and I thought I try and work out um, 
if the average army has like 30 to 50 models, uh, like ha- realistically, how many, say, warriors and men of Stareth with swords do you have? And actually, that's probably not the worst example I could have used because it's probably a lot more than other things. But No, no, that was because the elites are so good that you end up don't the poor oh, ones and Stareth are left True. at home. True. But um, like realistically, how many of the one profile do people run? This is every game. How many, but be it Saga or Frostgrave, uh, Oathmark, how many of the, of the one model do you run? And for, so I thought, and how many poses do you need? Because it's like, if it's um, like like these these twelve orcs that I did, um, I thought I settled on four, four, and four. But because I thought if you're going to run any more than that, you've got the heads to swap over and stuff like that. Because yes. And so somewhere between, there's a number between three and six, I think, of any one variety where any more than six, they're not going to use all the models, the people who are using these models. And any, sorry, and any less than three is like, well, you've got too much copied between them. So with the shields, um, I settled with four that were like similar, but sl- I don't want to say distinct because there's definitely some crossover elements between them. So they all fit together. But as... I think I'll end up doing more and then not like down the line because I realized that I did these orcs without um, doing any with two-handed weapons. Mm. So I'm not sure what to do with that. But yeah, again, the shields, I liked the idea of like going right back to the sort of the basics, but how there's so many different varieties you could do. And I thought you could add chains to them. You could do this, you could do that. But I thought I might just, I, I'll leave that for now. Yeah. People will convert them. Um, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Of course they will. Of course, you know, look, I, I've um, my dream for orcs is to have some that are that would fit into to the sort of that second agey range of like lots of leathers on top of plate armors and just just random stuff, but all having spears and shields because that's how that's how I like to run them in the game. That's that's a good way to run yeah. them. And um, like your um, Westerners warriors, you know the the auxiliary you've got. Like I almost want orcs yeah. in that pose as well, which no one seems to do. Everyone just has the orcs okay. with spears as two handed. Or um, you've got them with one hand as well with the the shield, but it's always um it's always in the attack mode. I just want them as like you know that marching upright. column or upright or just yes. waiting. And uh, and maybe maybe I'm on my own with that, but I'm just been been keeping my eye out for someone who makes them and okay. and doing that way because that's that's what I would love for my orcs is have um like these these shields would be fantastic with them and, and whatever. But having it as being that not so much upright like they can still have the bad posture. But having that spear upright and and just at like, rest, yeah, at not, rest, uh, yeah, because everything's always in action. Okay, um, that's a good point. Uh, I would like the idea of, and I really like going, um, being a kid and going on like Perry miniatures. Uh, at the time, um, we were ordering from War and Peace Games, you know, when we were, um, oh, like ordering stuff back in Sydney. Mm. And I'm just going through the catalogues of the historical models and going, and I, I love looking at, so Perry Miniatures, um, what's the other one? Um, oh, there's that, oh, the, I don't know, uh, the, the guys who make Saga, and then there's, um, Crus- uh, is it Crusader Miniatures? I don't know, there's a uh, few different. No, few. it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, no, I think I know what the one you're talking about, because there's a, another one that, that's come up with some stuff recently. I've got I've got some peasants. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll see if I can find it while I'm, um, I'm talking. But I I loved looking at the, um, especially it'd be the medieval models, and um, it'd be like you could get like oh there's not how the guys who do bolt action also, but it's like there'd be um you know this unit 
Oh, Warlord Games is one of them. Um, okay, Grouping Beasts yep. uh, is another one. But yeah, like they would have the kits of metal models and they'd be in blister packs of three before everyone moved to plastics. And it'd be like, you know, three Vikings at, um, you know, on the march or three Vikings at rest, um, three Vikings at on the march, two, and then they'd be dressed slightly differently. Yes. And they'd be in all the different blister packs. And I love looking at all the different variety in the blister packs. And so when I started doing this 3D printing, I was doing packs of closer to three. And I was going to, with the intention of, um, I'd do the pack of three and then I'd come back and revisit it and do another pack later. Um, or something like that. I don't know what the best... I really don't... I still haven't worked out what the best medium is to distribute like sort of models. Like, as in, I'd, I've only heard mixed opinions about um, do people prefer to get models in um, groups of three because you only want a couple? Or the big kits with lots of things in them? I, there's no consensus. No, of and, course um, there's not. Of course there's not. We're different people. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so, and some people like the big plastic boxes where they've got everything in it, um, and they can make what they want. And some people, I much prefer. I love getting. Oh, I love the blister packs of the th- the three metal models. I l- used to love getting the um, my favorite. Well, one of my favorite blister packs is um, of all time is Alt Action, and it's the British Commandos, and it's the gut. One of the British Commandos has the bagpipes. Um, it's three characters. I don't remember what their names were, but I love those blister packs because it's like obviously models that were sculpted to be someone mm. or to be a, a character model or things like that. And um, and even the ones where it's at moving, at rest, at this, it just be the variety and the amount of the things is like one of the things that I wanted to do. So that's where that's why some of the models are in groups of three by themselves and others are in big kits. So yeah, doing some at rest is something that I hadn't, I had never thought about doing for orcs, but. If I, I might get to it. That's a good point. No one Especially ever thinks about people. it. No one's ever done it. And it's just, I just have this image of like, because you go deploy in, in war bands in the game. Yeah. So you have your 12 models and, and that's where I think like six would be amazing. But I know that's heaps of work sculpting. But then, um, but having like a war band I can put in that, that's just at rest that they haven't gone up and have have the ones that are, are running forward and have one just at the back, just just um, yeah. just just resting and waiting to see what the battle happens. And then they can go and offer their support later on. I just, I just think that would be really cool. And if we sort of get it a little bit with the, um, the, uh, you've got some feral orcs, which are um, yes. looking more like an earlier orc armor type. They've got a bit more like, I know they're marching, but it's that sort of idea that they're, they're marching uniformly. Whereas I think it'd be really cool to have that with the, the, just the, um, our normal orc goblin-y types that are yeah, around sure. the rest of Middle Earth, not, not a specific area, not just um, uh, wherever they are in the world. These ones were, uh, meant to be, uh, they actually started a lot more armored than that, and I later had a change of the look to be a little bit different. Um, so they, they've got a mix of different varieties. So I've seen every model in that has two versions: one that's just armor, and then one that's dressed up with furs and pelts and stuff. They were some of my first models. I think some of them hold up and some of them maybe not so much <laughs> but they have yeah you're right they've got orcs marching but not just that that kit um and i'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything i've just no 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 do that I, that you're allowed this, to. <laughs> I, i've forgotten um uh, but one thing i liked about i liked about these was because these started as blister packs uh not blister packs they started as models in threes and then they were all in the store and i ultimately went 
well, I went. I, I was doing. I was at the phase of doing things in threes, and then I put them all together because I thought it was just. I thought it was better just to put everything in one bundle mm. rather than have oh these heads are in this pack, these are in this pack. That's why I, I, I like to put things in the bundles because then it's like then you get twelve shields instead of four um, mm. when there's lots of things. So these these orcs had um I had I can't remember what, what I would have called them, but it would have been um it was like three feral orcs marching. Um, with spears, and then it was like three feral orcs with spears and shields attacking, and then it was three feral orcs with swords and shields. And I think I can't remember how many um, varieties are in there now. Whether it's um, but there's a bunch of variety in those, in in those, um, and because the arms are all modular, you could swap them between. The heads are not modular, and I don't know why I didn't make the heads separate. Because in mm-hmm. hindsight, they are perfect models to make the heads separate. They one hundred percent are, yeah. Because I've got, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. Because I've got some oh. similar orcs in my collection, and the first thing I did, they were like a this really soft resin, and I just got all yeah. the bodies, and I just hacked off every single head, hacked off the arms, yeah. hacked off the torsos, and just started spinning the the torsos. And these ones, I think I've done a good job with, and just just getting different poses because the ones I got were were just three of three of three, and it just was not enough variety because I've ended up with like fifty of the things for scenarios. Oh sure. And yeah. they just, yeah. So I wanted to to move them around as much as I could. And this pack, I haven't picked up this pack, but um, the yeah. partially pre-supported scares me off because I can support, yeah. but <laughs> supported adds so much value to them. Like I would, I would look at the price thing, like, like oh, I would pay double if it's already supported for me, just because I can't be bothered uh, doing all that work. <laughs> I know it's a lot of work. I, I think these ones, I have actually been thinking about. Not, I don't know about dropping, but. Taking down until I put them up. I, 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 it's like it's one. It's an artist sort of thing where it's like nothing's ever perfect, so you don't want anything shown ever because it's like that could be better. But it, it and um, what's where these are partly pre-supported. Um, and I, I maybe need to make that clear in the description. Is you know I said there's two versions of every body. Yep. All of the arms pre-supported, and there's nine bodies I think. It says nine of them. It doesn't say which bodies though. Well, there's because there's nine poses, and then every pose has two varieties. Yep. One of the poses, one of the varieties is posed for every model. <laughs> so you could get nine models out of that out of that that are already pre-supported, but they're very old pre-support. So I wouldn't trust those anymore. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. So you just use the unsupported and and have a go, and well, I'm going to find Lachi and and do some little. I I actually have printed these because um I print we printed some for one of my friends. They worked, and they worked fine. I didn't. They didn't have any failures with those personally, but they're not my new supports in Lychee. Yep. And so that's they. They look a little bit less professional than the some of the newer stuff. They are. They are an older kit. And maybe I need. I should probably add the tagline at the start: "Older kit" to um some of these things, just to be like. It's not up to scratch anymore. It might be uh, I'm not sure, but yes. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because yeah, it's okay. um. It's hard to tell which are, like, someone who's, like, I, I my, my story with this, uh, I, I think I subscribed to your Patreon very early on, like, the first month. And You guys I, shared it uh, before it was a thing when I made yeah. the first post, I remember. Yeah, and I, I, so I got into it, and then, like, the first ones I received had no supports, and at that point in time... Oh, Patreon? Was, was it Patreon? Oh, maybe it was, um, maybe it was the, um... The... It would have been on the store that had no supports. Was it Horsewood Scouts that I picked up? Something, something. Yes, they would have been no supports. Yes. Yeah. So something I picked up with no supports, and it just scared me off because at that point I was just okay, so yeah. new to printing. I'm like, I'm not confident supporting yeah. at the moment. 
And it's just, it's, I'm just throwing away resin every time I support because I'm not doing a good enough job. <sighs> and yeah. um, so I, still, I think I've still got those files somewhere. But then, um, yeah, it'd be good to, to know which ones because, I, I, as I said, um, you've got some in brackets as well. Your Normans, uh, I'm looking at the side as well, say pre-supported. Like, yes, yeah. they're, they're done. I pick up those. I'm going to click on them, see if the shield's separate because I want those shields. The shield's are separate? Yes. <laughs> I think I've got that. That should be in the description, but I'm not sure how how much I've done in it. I've written about that. But yes, they're... They're in the they're separate. Um, it's it, yeah, it's with the um uh the pre-supporting. It I you know I don't think very much about like how as in if this um I, I don't have the the right mindset or used to I have more of it now. But I didn't have the mindset back um a year ago when I started about. The, like the business mindset of um you know trying to optimize everything as like as a product per se it was more because mm. it was more of a hobby so you know the biggest the probably the biggest shortfall i've had in, in doing this has been not pre-supporting everything and not learning to pre-support early enough because you're right and i that there's I, I probably it was a short short-sighted to think oh 3d printing is growing everyone's 3d printing yeah, but everyone's learning to 3D print. Correct. I'd been doing it for a little bit longer. So some other people might would, would, would be scared of the non-pre-supporter stuff. So that was actually, that, in hindsight, just quietly to myself, which I guess it's not quietly anymore. <laughs> no, 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 quietly now. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, two, our two listeners are going to hear. That, that's something I wish I'd kind of got on top of earlier was um, quality control, for sure, in some, thing, in some cases. I won't hide that. As well as the pre-supporting. And that's why I'm moving to my mini factory at the moment because I want to get rid of the Gumroad store and move to my mini factory. Yep. And as just because um, it's a better platform, I think, to host on. But as part of that, as I'm moving things across one at a time. As I move it across, I'm, go- I'm going through. If there's anything that, like, um, uh, things like a sc- scale, for instance, it is um, because, again, I... I Mostly was doing pretty well with scale, but then I started to drift a bit with some of them being a bit bigger, some of them being a bit smaller, um, humans-wise, just between 28 and 31 millimeters. So it's not, it doesn't sound like much, but it really is when it you print it. It makes a difference, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. And um, as, as much as I would like to be able to turn around and say, everyone can rescale it for themselves, it's, I, I, I should, I, that's, I, I do agree with that, but... That's only if my stuff's consistent, because I know a lot of the Marvel and Star Wars Legion printers, their stuff is all a different scale as well. They're not, it isn't perfect for the game, for the, sorry, to fit with the Star Wars Legion miniatures. And so the community kind of know, oh, we scale the prints up to 103 or 105 for yeah. that creator. At least that creator is consistent. So I'm trying to fix some of my, some of my um, older things where the scale is, uh, I think I've covered the scale one pretty well. Yeah, as, as I mean, I have with the models, but as I move things across to my mini factory, I'm going through and I'm either redoing it where the poses are a bit bland, and I'm doing the much higher quality supports, or um, which are what we're saying on the new Patreon, um, and that way, it's there's no question of um, because my mini factory make you put photos up of the printed models, um, and oh, good, whatnot, yeah. so there's a bit more quality control as a platform and it's a bit more professional. So I'm, I'm moving towards that as opposed to the gun row. And that way there'll be no question of, oh, these are partly pre-supported or these are old pre-supported. What does that mean? 
Mm. So. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, because it's um sometimes just seeing the renders or whatever you call the 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 yeah the renders yeah file. yeah renders it's um sometimes it's a bit scary looking at them as well. Like I um I'm eyeing off these the high elves because I think they just look fantastic. I love the 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 oh they're all supported yeah. And then it says pre-supported, yeah. so I'm like, oh, are these new pre-supports or old pre-supports? I'm not quite sure. And also, I'm, I'm somewhere looking... in the middle. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and the uh, the detail itself, I'm like, oh, is that going to come up at the scale I'm printing? I'm not 100 percent sure. So it's a, a little bit of a risk there. What I do like is um, I've had a look at the the banner there, and it looks like the detail is quite deep in the banner, and probably yes, probably more so than uh, the stuff that I've printed already. And that's that's really appealing to me because I know that. Um, for my painting style, with that extreme contrast, that's going to pick it up you, yeah. so nicely. So it's um, ooh, I want that banner bearer. That looks like a real I've good one. Painted some of these elves, and I've seen some good painters paint some of these elves. And this is partly why I think there's a couple of things I would do to redesign these guys. And um, so they, these guys are. Oh, do I have? I might. Again, this is. I can't remember when I did these. It would have been around March, April sort of thing. I don't have any photos of the limbs separate up on the store. I thought I had. So all of the limbs and shields, so the shields are all separate. So, and there's a couple of different shield designs ah, okay, cool. in there. Um, and some of them are slightly different shapes. Then there's all of the shield arms come off the body. So where there's the robes and the shoulder pad, the shoulder pad comes off and with the arm. And all of the arms work on all of the bodies because the cape and the robe sort of joint is the same. Yes. So it does kind of limit some of the poses you can make, but it was designed as a multi-part kit that you could build the pieces you were missing. And um, the heads are separate as well. So, yeah, that that's these were these are all pre-supported. I have actually got these on me um, somewhere over there. They have all worked, um, but these were done in um, tutor box back in the day, and then the way I would do the support tutor box was like tree supports from the base. Yep. It still, it still worked. And, um, because like, I, I remember printing these before I posted them and, um, but what I wish I had, and I want to try and do more of, but because I hadn't been painting, uh, um, because of just stuff happening in life, I just hadn't got around to it. <laughs> uh, and, there was a point where I wasn't even I wasn't test printing my models. I, other people were test printing my models, so um, for me, and where I hadn't, had, there was a point where I didn't have a printer for a little bit. So some of these things like have kind of flown under the radar. But as I moved to my mini factory, I'm tr- and I'm redoing these sort of things, um, and especially for this upcoming Patreon month, um, uh, you might wait, I don't know if you've seen the photo, but the all the clansmen, I've already painted those up there. I've done it, the photos on Instagram, and I think I put it on, um, I put it somewhere on Facebook, but I'm going to make sure to try and paint everything as I um, uh, sculpt it and print it so that these sort of questions where it's like, well, hang on, how's that going to show up when it's printed? I've already solved that because I've got it painted and here's what it looks like. Then the only thing with that is, um, I don't. I can't take photos for for the, to save my life. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> no, do I'm not very good at that. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I, I have the model in my hand, and I go, "That looks alright." And I take a photo of it, and I see all of the things that make it not look that way. So um, yeah, I, I'm going. I'm, I'm trying going to try and get on top of that. And I, I've got those orcs that you printed. Um, I painted some of those behind me. So they were some of the first ones I did. And 
there's a couple of the things I've painted and I want to put the photos up for them, but I'm not very good enough at the photography yet. But hopefully that sort of puts to rest the, did the supports work? Well, yes, he's already printed them and here they are. And how did I paint? Here's how I paint up. Yeah. But every time I paint up a model, then I see someone like you painted or someone, um, asked, someone painted those orcs really well and put them on Facebook somewhere. I can't remember who. It was in that middle of, sorry, MASVG 3D printing page. And they put up those um, those orcs. And it's just, I was painting um, like the third one and I just put it down. <laughs> That's not the way it's, to do it's, it. It's just, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, why don't I just send the guy a message and be like, can I borrow your photo? <laughs> yeah, but why not? Just, just uh, yeah. I think that's probably a, probably a good way of doing it, and especially if you're going to spend time painting it for the page, I'm sure there'll be some some early adopters or people that are willing to just say, "Hey, I am passionate about clansmen. I'll paint some up." I know you've already done those ones, but whatever yeah. you're doing, I'm I'm sure because there's there's so many good people well, in I've, the community. Yeah, there are. If I put the, I haven't really approached anyone yet. I think I I, I spoke to one guy the other day actually because it's something I've been thinking about, but I don't know how to how to approach people to talk about that subject yet because. I'd be very happy if um, someone came to me and said, I have painted these things of yours. I would be very happy to say to that person, if they had like a social media or an Instagram or Facebook page, to say, um, if, if they were happy, I would put the photo up as the display picture. And with their, you know, in the image, I'd be happy to have their tags and their links in the description and credit the appropriate people. But I obviously won't do that without talking to people first. But it's a tricky sort of subject is to approach is, can I use your photo for, you know, my thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I haven't, I haven't done that yet, but. I think you'll um, find, a, well, I think you'll find it. That's very, very talky too. But a lot of painters, I think, just be over the moon about doing that and, and would probably just say, just put my name in it or whatever, or just put a link to, to my page. And I would be happy to do all of those things. Um, and any painters out there listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, oh, there's, um, there's a couple of painters that, uh, so there's some happening at the moment for some of the some of the models. I haven't put them up yet because I'm waiting for the painter to come back with the painted pictures. But for some of the, where that's happened in the past, I, I normally, um, if, if I've ever approached someone for it, um, it's just these projects have unfortunately taken a long time um, just in the scenarios where I've tried it. But if there's anyone out there who wants to do this, I will send. I will print and send you the models, or get them sent to you if you're in other parts of the world. But I think that's a much better exchange if I give you the models than um, or give this person, this hypothetical person, the models first. That way, there's a, this person gets something out of it as well, some free stuff. Um, that's that's about all I can do at the moment. Well, that's a good deal. But, that's a good deal. No, I've got to. I, th- I think some, <laughs> some people will be on top of that as well, especially if you if you gave them some choice as well. Because what we don't want, as um, often as painters, is to have like. Be, be committed to constant work. So the idea of just, just being able to do it casually and just say, yeah, look, I'm interested in WAGs. I'm happy if you can send me the files or send me the WAGs and I'll, I'll paint them yeah. up for you, for example. That would be, I think there'll be a lot of people willing to do that. I think with the, with the quantity you're coming up with, you're very prolific. I think a lot of the painters would be overwhelmed by that. So you'd want a few in your, your team just to, to have a go at it because there's a lot of models coming yeah. out. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I remember it being at the start of the year, um, getting through a couple of days to do one. And yesterday I, I got through six. <laughs> and oh, wow. These are, the, these are the six that I'm going to go in and maybe tweak some and then do more. But it's the kind of the learning, the learning curve of the quantity versus quality. Before lockdown, this was just a sort of a side hobby. Now, now that we've 
going to lockdown and this has kind of taken off with the Patreon uh, and it's kind of blown up. I kind of really want to shift gears now and kind of, and as we've I've alluded to a lot during this, there's a kind of a lot of regrets and things that I wish I had put more <laughs> effort into because uh, I'm now like, when, when your work is hidden to yourself, you're only cheating yourself. Now it's not the case. That's not the case so much anymore. It's um, so yeah. I'm, I'm going through that phase like just this month of going. Oh no, there's there, there, there's all these discrepancies that I have to fix and the things like that. Uh, I don't know. That's just life. But so yeah. But uh, the six that I that, that um I did yesterday, they, they they all look very similar. They're not by any means bad whatsoever. I'm not trying to talk down any of my work, but. Because they look, they're very much in line with those um, Haskells we were looking at earlier. So they are. <laughs> quite, um, I'm really happy with those, and especially the. I, I'd set myself the task of doing eight. I did six plus three horses, so I feel like that's nine. I'd forgotten the horses in in my head about the math. I was going to try and do eight because I was going to try and do the king foot and mounted, um, but that that didn't end up happening because I had I ended up doing the horses and. So, anyway, anyway, so what are we up to with the um the, the are we up to trolls yet ne- next? Oh no, um, no, I'm just I've totally abandoned all that sort of stuff. Oh, the trolls were oh, interesting okay. because they um they oh, were, yes, let's talk about those. Yeah, absolutely, they were a very different style to what I expected, and the the back of them okay. is quite smooth for most of them as well. Like I'm I'm so used to trolls yes. that have like a modelly skin at the back or like flakes or um which I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but they were they sort of spinning around they surprise me a bit i quite like them once again i'm probably next time i print them i might scale them up and do some um do some x-axis mirroring or whatever just to get some left-handed trolls going on because i had an image there's um there's one hill troll that games workshops made um i think it's birder it's called yeah what i love about that one is the um that it's like the, the cave troll from the movie is basically just got a modesty cloth and then a whole bunch of chains and then nothing else. <laughs> and I, what I liked about Birder is there's a bit more like clothes on and some yeah. other stuff, and it's a bit more what I imagine trolls to be all those years ago. And um, yeah. I would have, I would love to see um, what I'm thinking of doing for summer as well is getting out the old green stuff and putting some more clothes on the back yeah. of them because I think that's going to be just the easy sure. solution for me to to do that. Just get some cloth on them and and some rags and make them almost wearing what my my second age orcs are wearing a little bit more as well. Yeah. I want to defeat him with that force. Well, I when I did those ones, um, I did. I just want to get up a photo because to remember what I'm what I'm talking about. I did. Yeah, so I did three. Uh, bodies and arms are all interchangeable, and they all they all can kind uh, all except for the spear. The spear doesn't work on one of the bodies. Yeah, but I couldn't couldn't quite get weapons, that to work. Yeah, uh, he no, he works on the body that's in the photo where he's thrusting, and he works on the spear where he's walking, but he doesn't work on the one where it's swinging. Yes. Um, but and the chains are specific to the trolls. That's why it's troll one, troll two, troll troll three. Yeah, I should and, have worked um, that out before. I didn't pay any attention to that, and I had to play with a puzzle game until I found where they worked. There you go. Yeah, I think that was I pro I because. I didn't realize that you guys were in the Patreon um, when I sent you the stuff. But I know I wasn't I had put there it in the... I, joined, I joined after. Oh, you weren't. <laughs> joined after. Oh, sorry. Okay, that's um. Sorry, yeah. I... You said it, you already mentioned that earlier. But you meant uh, then you corrected yourself and you bought the stuff on the store. Sorry, I got yeah, that so, lost so in my head. So the... When I timeline yeah. was um and the listeners can hear this one. So I, yeah. I joined very early on and then got scared off with the supporting and then um. 
then had a chat to you and yeah. you sent me a few of the files across and uh, I, yes. I like um rejoined after that because I was like, yep, yep, I want to be committed to this stuff. I want to get the new stuff coming up forward. So, yeah, sure. so there was sure. a time where I wasn't a member of it and um, probably regret yeah. that because I probably missed out on some cool stuff. But so the Patreon only started in August. The rest of it was just... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I would have been... been yeah, I would have probably signed up for the first one. I, I realized I'm a member of like way more Patreon. Like we've got a Green Dragon uh-huh. patron, Patreon, and um, it's there as just a tip jar. We don't do anything extra. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. the episodes are free. Have them if you want them. I don't care because I'm not here to make money off it. But I found that I was joining up to every single 3D printing <laughs> one. And I was like, ooh, that, that hurts on the bank account a little bit. So I had to... It does at the end of the day, yeah. I had to cull a few that I wasn't accessing. And um, basically, I basically got rid of anything that wasn't like a 10 mil fantasy one. And then, um, yeah. And then, yeah, no, I'm, I'm back, on, back on yours because it's uh, the stuff I've printed. I, I, need, I need it. <laughs> cool. Um, th- yeah, so these... Okay, so, yeah, that's... I had I, sent... When I, uh, I have modeled, not more so this, this September range than the upcoming one, I haven't really posted very many work-in-progress photos of this upcoming one. That that one I'm confident about when it releases that, because this is the one with the clansmen and the 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 um, knights and stuff like that. I'm a lot more confident in those. Not that I wasn't confident in these ones, but it's there's a. It was just a. It's it's tricky balancing um, making the models that I want to make versus. What other people want. So, taking a, a mix, a, a mix between like the specific thing that one person might wants that comments versus you know what, you know what I think, and it's just trusting myself to do, like, or to make the the right thing or um, the right decision. Um, but yeah. So anyway, these three trolls. Um, I did the one thrusting with the spear first. Yep. And he's not wearing very much. He's a lot more traditional with the just the cloth. Yes. A bit of armor and some straps on the arms, and so and then the, the so all of them have the option for the, their chain in the hand as well as blank hand, and then you can obviously mirror the weapons to put it in the other hand if you wanted to, and then the open hand or something like that, whatever they, they do kind of work. Mm, yes, then the um third one as well is he's got some tougher skin, a slightly different head. I actually played with doing noses on these trolls because not all of the trolls have no noses, but I got some very strong feedback about that. <laughs> Don't give them noses. It looks like the Hulk. Um, so, and then I tossed that with doing multi-part heads, but then I thought that was just a lot of extra work, and apparently the only person who wants noses on the trolls is me. But then the middle one um, is inspired by a um, a troll you see in an old video game. Oh. He's got a little bit of a look. That's Again, if you know, you know. I don't know, but I, I that's that's probably my favorite one out of that lot as well. So I'll tell I'll tell you at the end. Um, yeah, but and the shield at the arm is the big giveaway. But yeah, so they're a bit bit more clothed. Then he's got more of the fur. Um, but yeah, I did think about doing more more clothed, but I yeah, well, I wasn't won over by any time I had done done the cloth. That just I uh, these I, I, again so. I think they only they print out forty five to fifty millimeters, and I think people had we had decided that one hundred and fourteen was the scale to make them fit in with um, regular uh, trolls from other companies. And um, again, these ones were small because why are the troll why are the trolls so big? That's 
<laughs> True. Where, where does, that's that's only some. The reason trolls are big is because the Lord of the Rings movies made trolls big. That's not anywhere else. No, you're right. <laughs> so, and I'm the this range this this month was very much intended not to be a Lord of the Rings movie inspired range, and that was from the get go um, when I had not written necessarily the design brief for this, but when I had spoken about I had envisioned this range. It was this was an homage to um, very different interpretations yes. of these things, yeah. and but also consistent across it, it, internally inconsistent across this specific work between the wags the, or the wolves, the wolf riders, ever met folk on foot. So it's internally consistent as its own coherent thing, um, and as, as a result of that, um, I'm going to change some of the scales of some of the things, which of course. It's proportionate for people to, to make bigger, but that's why these ones are a little bit smaller. And I would say to have scaled them up a tiny bit bigger. So yeah, this was a, a passion project to just do something just mm. d- different and get, get away from. Like, obviously, a lot of my other stuff is very movie inspired. I'm doing as much as I can to get away from that, not not just for the obvious reasons, but because it's just very sort of not not limiting, but. Well, limiting is actually not even far from the truth. It's just, it's it's more fun to eventually come up with. And I, as much as I've said, a lot of this stuff is inspired by, I have something in the back of my head as a reference of what it's inspired by. It's not by any means copied from something. It's more interesting to have, to make some stuff like this where there's more than one reference and it's not just, oh, I saw this thing in a, in a movie, so I'm going to make it. It's like, and as I as I go on, there's more and more depth to these these models, and um, so some of the old stuff was just I wasn't thinking; I was just making. And and I appreciate it to some people looking at them, they might just that they, they they might not see see what I see in, in some of them because in some of these there's a, a lot of stuff that behind the that is going to come is coming out um, in the next you know month or so or two months that which because it's only in this last two months that I've kind of um brain switched on about some of these sort of things but there's some there's a lot more depth to some of this stuff that's coming and i appreciate most people might not see it but i know me making it there's a lot i'm putting i'm trying to put in a lot more thought as i go on more and more to make more and more unique things and not just i don't want to say bland but um a lot less sort of generic and and again uninspired is also the wrong word but well, you want to put your own twist on it because there's yeah. no point. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it's pretty low from an artist's point of view of just just imitating someone else's stuff constantly. Yes. And I know that that there's no. there's a market for that, and that's what some people want. And and but I yeah. imagine that if you're creating that, I, I feel like, like my my primary art outlet is is my painting style, and yeah. I try to make sure that mine are different from everyone else's because yeah. I, I I see no point in doing the same thing that everyone else has done. There's there's no reason for me to do that. It's been done. Someone else has done that and you want to move on. And that's part of the reason that I think, I think we've evolved from, from initially a lot of the, the, the creators we had were basically just doing a straight, this is my version of something that already exists. And mm. I, I know that I, I joined some of those early on and got interested in them, but, but very quickly thought, well, what's the point printing something if it's not got its own thing to it? If I could just obtain yeah. it other ways. Like there's no reason to it, and that's one of the things I like about your stuff is that you've you've had you've got the representations. Like I look at those elves and think I can do lots of different first age elves in in 
different fantasy yeah. worlds. It doesn't just have to be Lord of the Rings. It can be be whatever. Yeah. whatever Oakmark is, is another one that I yeah. think they get used for. Yeah, any of any of those sort of fantasy skirmish games, you can just put them in, and away I go. And I can, if I want to, I can put them alongside them and say, okay, these guys are from this location, and these guys are from this location. And mm. and if I just play around with the scale and get them to the part that I'm happy with, and and yeah, th- that's all fine. It can go ahead that way. And I think that's a, that's an advantage. So I, I've I've got my three trolls all printed up, and I definitely will okay. paint them up. And I'm I'm definitely going to print some more because my thought is as well. I want to the way I want this army to work. I want it to be like. I want to have lots of trolls of a few ghosty stuff around it. And I think that would be yeah. a really cool representation of it. And what I do like is I thought you'd been pretty clever with the, the hands and the, um, just mirroring the hands as well. So I could put the, yes. the, um, the club or whatever that the big hammer thing in, in the other hand. Yeah. Well. There's, I think I tried to do a, a pick, a hammer, a spear, and then the chains. I, um, so I, I told that you could cover all of the profiles. Yes. Um, in any which configuration. My fan, of course, I've got to go for the rules. I've got to go hammer and chain whenever I can. Like that's uh-huh. my, my favorite by far. Yeah. So, so the idea of varying that as well is really cool. And yeah. I'm toying with the idea of a double hammer of some guy. I think it's silly, but <laughs> I, it just kind of looks cool to have almost like a berserker yeah. type feel where you've got a troll that has yeah. has two of the same weapons. So maybe, maybe we'll come up with some of that. But no, I do Ooh. like it. And as I said, like my taste of it, I want a bit more cloth on it, and I've got a I've got a roll of green stuff. I can do that. I can, it, yeah. I can do that, and that will help me as well because you've got the three torsos. Um, I don't have the yeah. skill of, of sculpting digitally. Eventually, I'll get there, but eventually, I'll, I'll have a go do it digitally. But right now, analog is the only way I can do it confidently and get it to a point where I yeah. like it. So that's what I'm going to do. He's going to have some that one in the middle. I can extend out that little um bit of fur he's got on his back, and and yeah. Use it, attach it to his his overalls, and away I go. Yeah, the the, the one with the more sort of clothes is also the one I did last. But I realised as I made those three, I I really like those three. Um, I think obviously there's there's a lot that you know. You're right. There's so many, but that's this is what I was getting back to with the Eastern men stuff. There's just so many different things you can do. Like, and this is where it gets so tricky with the digital sculpting. It's like there's now it's there's so much that you can make. It's picking yes. what to do. If I'm gonna do three trolls, it's like, well, there's so many if I make the one pose, but then I could make that pose armored. But then but then how many trolls do I end up making? And because now the, the that's the, and that's the other half of this is well it's digital. Can't you just make it once and then make a second version of it? Yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. just wave the hands in the air or something like that, just just move it around well, that way. <laughs> and to a degree you can. But then who has to pre-support all of these things in the end? And it's unfortunately, it, it isn't actually just as simple about as pressing on a button and now he has clothes. Like, even if you sculpt things as a separate object and you can toggle it on and off, that's true. But then at the end, you have to go in and sort of merge those details. And I touch on this in a bit in the YouTube, that when a character you sculpt is wearing like two or three layers of clothes, so they've got their sort of undergarment, gambus, and chainmail, that there's... So I've, and I talk about in those videos about this sort of um, idea of a minimum sort of thickness for details, which um, is, again, another thing that came up with it, it internally in my, in my head in the last sort of month, which is why other models that are a little bit older um, don't have that and are being redone. That every time you, you put on a new layer of clothing for a model, you have to, you keep what you can see and you get rid of the rest pretty much because eventually you keep making something too thick. But when you step from sleeves to, say, the um, upper sleeves or something, or shame or whatever, 
you've kind of got to have a stepped increase that's even the whole way around. And but you need it thin, but not thin enough you can't paste. So it's kind of like that measurement that we came up with that's like the nose um, sort of size, the, the one sort of brush stroke that you can step things up by. So it does mean a lot of there is extra work when you put clothes on things because it kind of just becomes it doesn't really add any extra sort of uh, thickness to it. It shouldn't because it just kind of needs to look like it does, but it really doesn't. So there, there is more work than just turning things on and off. And some of the older models I did, I got carried away with that and doing the different versions. But then it was just, it's it's a trade-off between how much are people going to use. Okay, so I've just done the the, for the Anglo-Saxon stuff, the Saxon stuff coming out on, in October. There's the six that are on Facebook at the moment. Then there's a banner bearer, there's a um, horn blower, there's a couple of commanders, there's a couple kind of not in a shield wall, but, you know, um, leaning forward. And then there's a bunch with swords and stuff like that. So there's a bunch of different um, poses. And Am I up to 11 so far? I'm, I'm going to try and do a couple more. Because I'm, I'm trying to get between 10 to 15 in that sort of range, depending on what I've done. The month after that, I've, I really want to do some proper Norman knights. And so that means, like... Pr- like proper horses for that because they've got different sort of barding. Uh, but anyway, so that means that there's about 10, 11 poses in this sort of range. And it's like what I was saying, we, we, we were saying earlier about how many models, how many variants do you do per profile? And I kind of feel like six with three with shield, three with up shield. Um, then, okay, I've kind of got three with shield, three without shield. And there's, there are more in this pack. Okay. What if I took all of those and horse sword shields, and then dress them up. We would turn around and say, oh, hang on, that's just the same model you're giving to us twice that are slightly different. <laughs> uh, well, I, I would turn around and say that. Yeah, but but this is what we're talking about when we're saying, um, like, about doing different versions of things, and, like, with the, the clothing on the trolls. So, because then it's like, well, now nah, six models, but it's, you know, they're... Yeah, so... I, that's why I, I picked to do the three in the sort of the style where they've got, they're wearing a bit of furs, but they're more conventional to what we're used to saying for these ones. But I just changed up some of the things that I wanted because I couldn't settle on a design for what they would wear if they wore clothes because, well, I don't really, I, I, I don't really picture them yeah. um, so much with clothes person, personally. Yeah. And I have always thought, and I, I studied for a year and a half um, in like what I studied and kind of finished that with the conclusion that I'm a little bit better at, I, I feel like I'm a lot better at editing than I am at creating, which I know might sound a bit silly when we're talking about me as it relates to sculpting and um, all of the, all of the things that I have done. But I, I always look, I can look back at all the, the designs and go, and go, I could critique so much of that. And maybe that's because you're looking at your own work. So that's why I'm, I'm quite keen to work more with people who, who are concept artists and, and I've spoken to a couple of people and I have commissioned a few people for some work. And that was one of the, guy, the fellow on Instagram I was talking about earlier with the um, Elven helmets. But the, the tricky thing with that with that is it's, it's kind of like you have an idea in your head, but I don't know exactly what it looks like. And I can try and draw, but I'm not the best drawer. But, okay, I want to get someone, I need someone else to, to do the drawings because, you know, my time is spent sculpting. So I'll pay someone else to do some drawings. Okay, but that means, but I... I, in a way, I have a very specific idea in my head of what I want, but I don't really know what it is. But so I kind of needed someone who's just as 
who's more researched than I am in all of these things, because not to critique the filler I was referring to earlier, because I really liked the stuff that he had made. Um, or oh, no, maybe it wasn't he made it or something else. Just uh, like I know. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, I thought one concept artist. Um, I don't remember who exactly, but it was just I was talking about. I needed to resemble or to have motifs from different sort of eras throughout history, like different things that I had pinpointed and not all, he didn't know what all of those were and that's fine. Um, but I, I think I, I, I haven't found someone um, yet who is, who just has not necessarily the style that I'm looking for because I, on one hand, um, some of my friends are great drawers, but they're just busy. And one of them is a great, he's great at drawing animated characters and they're always in unique postures and poses. So, um, I, I mean, I haven't messaged him yet, but I'm going to try and get him to do, do some work um, if he's up for it. And I just I just draw poses, characters in poses that I can use when I sculpt as a reference. And then, but I need um, to talk to, talk to some people who are knowledgeable in history and who have an interest in fantasy to help um, come up with some of these designs because it's so much better when there's someone to, to bounce ideas off. And it's a bit tricky doing it all by myself at the moment because at the time I'm happy with the design and then a week later I'm not happy with it or even the day later <laughs> I go why'd you do that and so this is kind of I've taken off during lockdown as so I've got some goals of what I want to achieve and one of the things by the end of the year is everything needs to be professional on my mini factory and Patreon all pre-supported and not just pre-supported that will work for optimized printers but pre-supported that work for everyone and just a couple of these sort of things. And that means trimming the range a little bit, some of the old stuff. Mm. And then not starting from scratch, but just taking the next step. And as part of that, I want to try and bring on board a either someone who's who could fill the gap. I have a lot of very flaws in my workflow and this kind of thing. But there's a lot of things that I would consider are lacking that I want to bring on someone on board to um to fill that fill that role. So, I, I, yeah, anyway, so when... When that happens, um, and hopefully that's something that's going to happen early next year, then um, some of these things, like the looks of the trolls and stuff like that, aren't just what I have in my head. They can be a bit more... Um... <laughs> just some thoughts. No, look, <sighs> yeah. they're good thoughts, and I definitely let, let thoughts like that go because it's yeah. interesting to hear a creator's thought to it and how much thought goes into it because I think as consumers, sometimes we look at it and just go, why didn't they do that? That's dumb, and then just leave it there. But just to hear all the thought process that goes into it and all the decision-making is, I think it's really fantastic, and it's quite quite um, quite intriguing about it. And It's good to hear that you're planning to, to expand out and, and move to this to, I guess, like more professional. I don't, I don't really care about that because I'm happy for people to to yeah. contribute and be amateurs. But I guess if it's sustainable, it has to be something that, that you do professionally. And what you can't yeah. have is to put out something that someone gets there and, and gets frustrated because it just doesn't work for them and then gives up on it. You need them to be happy with the product and then you've got good word of mouth. And I like the diversity of the ranges as well. I like that you're going to historics as well because uh, I think that there's it opens up for a lot more of the, the market in that way. And, and yeah, just, just blending it all together, having that historic, having that fantasy and having that almost blend between the two of them is just... Just yeah. really cool. So, no, I'm interested to hear that, and hopefully you can get the people on board that work well with your same vision. Yeah, one day. It will happen. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm pretty determined that this, that, that I, where, I've got a couple of places that I want to take this whole thing at some point. I'm pretty determined that it's all going to happen at some point. It's just where, where to start first, and yeah, it, it, we'll, 
we'll see what happens it's, and how long it takes. But I'm really happy to have now and and to now be sculpting and we've obviously we've been in lockdown for however long. I don't, you're in Melbourne, so it's a little bit different down there. But in Sydney, we've been in lockdown for like twelve, thirteen weeks. So <laughs> welcome and, to our world. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I get up in the morning now at like sun's up at five thirty. I'm up at five thirty. I'm just tracked to my laptop. I, I'm not, not, I, I'm normally very, very active, and I'm, but I can't sit still. I can't not work. I can't lay in bed and yep. sit and watch a movie without getting out my little notebook and or drawing book. Just start scribbling some ideas down or something like that. So, I it's because it, it's a hobby as well. I love it, and I so I'm really appreciative that so th- th- this Patreon is now two months old, and so I kind of had a goal of. I kind of wanted to hit, ideally, if I hit this many patrons out at this point of time, combined with the store, I'd be able to leave my other job and, and do this properly, which has happened, which is great. And so, I, it, like, it, when I saw um, you had posted that thing up, that, that walk up today, and I was, I had just gotten home, we were having dinner, and we were sitting watching Supernatural before um before this yep and i was looking at the, the comments and i just showed it to um, my girlfriend i just because it's like i i makes me really happy to see when people post and paint my my stuff um not not, not an ego thing it's just it's it's almost um not not unbelievable but it's <laughs> yeah, just really it's... it's really exciting and it feels great when when people like the thing you do as well and especially because i love doing it and I would, would be doing it myself anyway, whether it was a complete failure or not. But just saying all of the um, mostly positive comments, and um, especially just the, the one you posted today had a lot of great great comments. And um, oh, People don't like... give me negative comments ever. They, they, they know that I'll go out oh, and yeah? they do. So, so they, <laughs> I've trained them well. <laughs> okay. Got them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah, got them under the uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not bad with negative comments. Um, I, I like I've got a sort of a, a word document where I've got um, and I, I talk to the sellers a lot to see what they come back, and I always ask for the negative feedback because that's where things are going to change, and it, it's not necessarily happens overnight. But some of the negative feedback to do with hair got fixed pretty quickly. I worked on that. Horses were a huge one. Now. The new horses, which are again not the, not, not even the ones, that, the ones the the generation after the ones I think I've sent to you, um, the ones that are on everything but the horse lords, I think are some of the best horses out there at the moment. They're the they're the ones. <laughs> I'll um I'll, I'll I'll put them. I think they're already in the patron for the historical. We'll ones, talk. We'll talk offline. I'll, we'll talk offline. I might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll work, yeah. We'll work about it then. I might um, know a painter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think. So uh, there's some of these things that I've taken on board and I've, and I've tried to do as much as possible. But um, yeah, it it, it, it kind of, it, it's amazing to have all of the positive feedback and, and now support to the point where it's um, a job. And so as part of that, that's, so I, we, we have these Facebook groups now and I am not quite at a point yet where, because I'm nervous leaving my other work, and I've spoken to Conquest Creations and um, one of the other New South Wales people for the tournaments about. So yeah, but that's Melbourne and Sydney. I've spoken to about, and I don't know where that, just about 
some form of giving back. And I know it's unfortunately it's only in Australia that I can make a, make a change, um, be, well not make a change, but do give something back to. So I have some contacts around the world, but um, we were talking about uh, Congress creations. Oh, Jacob, Jacob's name is public. I can say Jacob. You can say Jacob. Yeah, we, yeah. we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to name the other guy because I don't um, because he only uses his name. But we were, yeah, we were talking careful. about. Um, but Jacob's got a YouTube channel. Why well, 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 I saying his name? Uh, no, he, he wants everyone to know his yeah. name. He's yeah, full of ego, that guy, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been talking about doing either spot, just him and the New South Wales folks sponsoring some tournaments, and um, especially as it relates to um, doing prizes and stuff like that. Like, you know when you go to... Oh, I know we have um, Moab up here, which is a big tournament. Yes. And they have... Um, oh, and I did this this year the Lucky Rig model... Um, for the Australian... Um, oh, that was you, wasn't yeah, it? The, I didn't realise that. That was me, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, mine's still... Um, my friend's got it. i still got to grab a hold of that one. Oh, okay. I'm going to win that community oh, at one point, but, but it's... Uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit sarcastic, I think, at times, so I don't know if I'm going to get it. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a great idea. Someone from Canada asked um, um, way back when... Because they approached me that really early. It was well before... I even started sculpting whether I'd be interested in doing it. And I, of course, said yes straight away. And, um, yeah, yeah, someone from Canada had messaged asking um, if I'd be interested in sponsoring some tournaments over there. And this was when I was quite early starting this off, and I kind of said, look, I'm really sorry, but um, I'm not in a position where I can do that at the moment because keep in mind, I spent all of last year stranded in another country, so I wasn't exactly financially sound. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I wasn't in a position where I could do that, but now it's approaching that point. Yeah, I was, we're thinking of sculpting. Like Moab is a competition where we they give dice away for the for the event, and so we were thinking about. And um, it was an idea that I had because there are some models that I wanted to sculpt that I wouldn't be able to put on, put on the store. But I wanted to sort of make them. I thought, well, that's actually a good way to sort of get back a bit. Is let sponsor some of the tournaments and also give um not prizes per se, but uh you know, as part of the tournament package, you get the this, this, and this, but we'll give you a model for it that's unique to this event. Um, just to give some extra incentive to um, to show up. And uh, so that's something we're, we're thinking we're doing. And obviously, unfortunately, all the tournaments are cancelled. But I said to just, uh, I had a couple in mind. And it's, I said, if they have any ideas, send them to me because I'll make, we'll, we'll make these models and I'll, I'll print I'll print off um, as many as we need per for the tournament. I'll send them off. To, you know, to give them away, but so that there's some sponsoring of tournaments with what well, I'm thinking of doing, and I'm, I've spoken to the two about it, and um, I hopefully hopefully that starts soon because I'm, there's got to be some way to give back. And then with the um, YouTube series, I think there's six videos out there at the moment. They're um, obviously they're not the their best videos yet. They've got a I've got a bit to go with the videos. And I don't know, and also the style as well, um, how much to cut, how short to make them. I much prefer long form sorts of things, but I appreciate some people want the short thing, short term videos. Yeah, four hours later, right? Too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but as part of that, I um, put up. So I, I go through making one of the models, one of these Saxons, and um, from from start to finish. And the first video, which is the weakest of the series for sure, in hindsight, is just sculpting the T-pose of a figure of a human model, and I have a chat about that but I, I i recorded that twice and so i sculpted it twice as well i put that up i put um in zbrush i have a custom user interface that i made that puts all the tools for miniatures we need right in one 
palette. I put I put all of these things um, back on on a Google Drive that are up, you know, available to use as well as some of the other assets that I use. I haven't done as much as I would like to yet, but there's a lot more I would like to do in regards to building the community and whatnot um, around this. And I think we've done all right in our um, Facebook group so far. It's 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 grown, but there's still more to go. But are pretty hectic at the moment between um, just just the goings on of life at the moment that are slowing things down. And it's, especially next year, it's going to be a lot easier because I, I know my friends are finishing studying and they want to get involved. So we'll be doing a lot more. But oh, fantastic. Yeah. Don't get too obsessed with the um, giving back to the community and that sort of stuff because oh, yeah. <laughs> what you're doing is already giving to the community. Like, like I know that, that there's money involved and I know that there's aspirations to make it a business and all that sort of stuff and you're well within your rights to do that and, and you should be doing that if that's something you want to do uh, for a living. But that's yeah. just, just contributing stuff that we can use in our hobby is, is often yeah, enough. Yeah, that's true. So I wouldn't get too obsessed with that. Like, by all means, like sponsoring local events and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But the fact that you're putting stuff out there that's just keeping our imagination going because that's we're just we're all a, a, a miniature wargaming. Having an extra creator out there is huge and that's that, something yeah. that, that is a huge amount of your time already so you should never feel like you owe the yes. community more because you don't that's a good point uh, thanks for saying that that actually that's a good point I hadn't thought of it, thought of it like that I've got to keep that in mind I guess <laughs> it's, it's hard doing it isn't yeah. it because what you your own work it's very hard to value it and, and some people some people just don't some people just like right I made something here it is for free take it and there's plenty of people in like Thingiverse and that sort of stuff who just said hey I made this cool thing have it if you want but like if you, especially if you're doing something as as it's work as well, like you you're putting research into it, you're doing yeah. you're doing efforts. Like clearly, every choice you make has got a reason behind it. That's something that that definitely give yourself the option to to set yourself up where you can get some some monetary reward for your time. But yeah, you don't mm. you don't owe people like that. If if no one likes it, well, you'll pretty soon find out about that and you'll go back to your old job or whatever. <laughs> but other than that, no, it's um just just. Yeah, that's true. I think all the work you're putting in with with the going over things, like like I thought initially when I was chat to you about this, like oh I've got some feedback, but you've considered it all like three times over and and have way more than I could ever do, and and sounds like your own harshest critic. So so no, just don't worry about that. Just keep going and keep doing what you're doing in that way. I think it's yeah, it's one of the curse for some artists, and I again I hate to use that word, um, or artist or but curse. Like, Artist. I don't know. You can use that <laughs> like, word. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I meant um, like it's it's the sort of, it's the uh, you don't want to say it about yourself, sort of thing. But um, no, no you it, should it's do. Just, no, no one's no, no one's going to critique our work. Is well, at least for myself, no one's going to critique my work any more than I already have. The day later, the day I think it's okay. It's the day later where I go. <laughs> it's um, when you draw something, it looks fine because it's like you walk away you come back and that's why you walk away and you come back and so that you can see the mistakes but yeah yeah it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a tricky balance but um i i think that and so yes no i'm go- going back and fixing some of the old kits and which i really like about the digital sculpting is that i put out a poor physical model that and that being said, there are, the majority of people don't have any problems with any of the old models. People love some of the old models. And I turn around and go, there's better. But I think, um, and objectively, I think I'm, I'm a lot harsher than I would need to be, but it's just, it's the mindset that I, 
I have, um, I switch on to just, just for the sake of improving, but going, um, being able to go and update things down the line as things, as I improve and sculpts improve, it obviously is not sustainable to a point. I think, I think, um, there's like, obviously no, we're never, never going to reach perfection, but if there's like the sort of the curve of, um, the learning curve or the curve, the quality sort of curve, uh, I personally feel that in the last sort of year, um, I've made leaps and bounds to the point where the progress I'm making month to month is smaller and smaller now mm. than what it was obviously a while ago. So if I go back and update all the things now, I'll be at a point where like I'll be happy with it in a few months rather than like, is it if I, if I fit, it's almost like I, I don't necessarily feel like they're unfinished, but at least with their, them being 3D printed and it costs people two cents to print. They were happy. It's they were happy with it. Well, like if they're unsupported, then they was they they either say unsupported or don't say anything at all. I think I'm normally right unsupported. So it's like more people chose to get it in the first place. I wasn't necessarily 100 percent happy with it afterwards, but it's not like I've done necessarily anything wrong by then. But as I get better, I kind of feel like you kind of feel like that, and you you start to feel like that. So that's why I've gone back and done the fixing of the things. But that's not. That's something that is not um, going to keep like keep happening for years and years. It's I just want to bring everything up to the same sort of standard as I go forward, and then set a consistent sort of quality where it's. But that being said, that that just goes into the uh, another sort of thought because I think that I look at I, I I used to not like to look at other sculptors and other people's work and go um. Like, oh my goodness, you know, people are beating me to this. <laughs> I haven't got even around to that, and other people are doing it. Ooh, and, you know, I've missed out now. It? Oh, it's oh, it's such a toxic mindset to have, of course. And, um, but, you know, I just kind of, uh, it was just when I was not starting, but um, just hadn't quite thought this whole thing through. Oh. And so, yeah, and I was looking at uh, other sculpts by other people and going, and, and it'd be if it was something similar to what I've just done, I'd be looking at their helmets, going, "Oh, their helmets look better than mine. Ah, oh, that chain looks better than mine. Oh, damn <laughs> it! Uh, and now I want to get rid of what I. It, it's, it's, and also, it's the like um someone uh, I don't remember the guy's name. He's been posting in his ME SPG group about um uh, anyway. He did some Easterling sort of proxies and. I haven't touched those yet, as I've as I mentioned. I haven't done any Eastern men whatsoever. And his design, there's some of the things in it I had because I tossed up doing it, and so I I could see in his sort of work the references and the um, inspiration is some of the things that I, I if I did it now it'd be a lot more historical than fantasy. It'd be a mix, but his which are fat, very fantasy. Oh, that's. I did it. I'm not saying I had the idea or anything like that. I'm not trying to be like that, but he did it first, and I'm kind of going, "Crap!" Because that's exactly how I would have done it if I had done it sooner. <laughs> and um, and I won't do it and copy him at all. So I will do something different, which is what I would do now if I was to do it anyway. But yeah, so I used to get it worked off in my head that like oh, someone's beat me to it, or or especially if some of the biggest sculptors would do it first as well, and um, and just like, oh, what's the point? Yeah, so I. I 
just got myself out of that. And um, so now I follow all of them. So I'm overexposed to all of those things. And um, and so no, I, I now see it as just my journey as a, as myself rather than um, as competition. And that's kind of got me in a better mindset. Yeah, and it's, look, some people, like you won't realize it because you know all the, the things that you would have done better in yours. But there'll be other people yeah. who look at that and go, you know what? I like I like the Medbury ones better. I, I'll go for those. I like that. Mm-hmm. And and we see that like it's so it's so subjective. All the the taste people have yes. in models that, that yeah. it's really hard to predict as well. I, I've sort of bagged out some models I've seen and thought they were terrible, and and <sighs> not not from digital sculptors, but we're talking about physical sculptors yeah. from years and years. And then I have other people yeah. comment and, and contact me and just say, hey, they're actually my favorite models. What are you talking about? And and. There's a bit of a shock factor there. You go, oh wait a second, <laughs> that's the case, and then I have to tell them that they're wrong, and, and they've got no taste whatsoever. But <laughs> it, it's it, it happens. Like people people like certain ones, and and you can get hung up on on other people's opinions as well. But in the end, you've got to make what you want to make, and you've got to put it out there. And yes. then if people like it, you'll see, don't you? You get some stats about what sells and all that sort of stuff. You'll know what people yeah. like and what they don't like, and. And maybe you'll go from a more business minor point there, or maybe you'll just say, stuff it, I'm just going to be an artist and I'm going to make whatever I like and you're going to like it too. <laughs> That's a tricky balance. And I don't know what to do about that one yet um, because I've, I've thought about that. Like the, the dream would be like to be able to sort of just make what I wanted and hopefully have enough people who like that thing as well that it would sustain myself. But that would be the dream because... Like it, well, I think it's just living comfortably and being able to do what you want and have fun. But obviously, part of you also have to be able to survive doing that thing. So it's a, it is a trade-off. And like one of the the things, the most requested models I have, people have asked for that I haven't done because which are dwarves, specifically dwarves from like that two that could represent Iron Hills. Mm-hmm. I haven't touched it yet because I'm not interested. No. <laughs> and it's so, I, and I haven't come up with a design that's different enough that is similar enough to, to work. But yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It, on one hand, you go through phases where it's like you're thinking, oh, well, like the business sort of perspective. It's, it's also tricky navigating that. I actually personally find it very difficult now that I've... So I've got this... This is all on the books. It's not like... Um, I'm not doing it illegitimately or anything like that. Um, like, it's, I've got the ABM and the stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, not trying to make that clip, Trying to make a point by that. I just meant... I, I'm doing those things. But every job I've had up until now, I've been employed. Uh, but I have never studied business or anything like that. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> That's the <laughs> best kind of businessman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I'm very good at Google spreadsheets and um, putting in all of the math so that the formulas do it all for me and this kind of stuff and keeping records. Yeah, you're gonna have to. I don't know what to. I don't know what to do with them or how to read them or what or um, I infer kind of. And I, I can look at some things and go, and it's really funny. You look at some things and go, I thought that would do a lot better than it did, or and like that really flopped, or holy shit, that oh that came out of nowhere, and like um, Eastern mercenary stuff. Just came out of nowhere. That was really popular, and I. Oh, I, no, I understand that one. Those those are fantastic. I'm eyeing them off at well, the I, moment as well. I'm like, oh, I really want to paint that banner. That looks so good. Oh yeah, I like that banner. Uh, but yeah, they. I can't remember how old they were, but they were. Um, 
some of the early this year ones. But yeah, some things you think are going to do really well, and then others don't. And I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> like, and because it, it's a tricky question, because I go on one hand, I sort of want to finish the range. On the other hand, no one else wants me to finish the range. But then it's tricky because um, just the high elves sort of properties that I've got here, um, when they first came out, they were all they, they were all pre-supported from the get-go. This kit, I kind of knew that this kit being multi-part. If I'm going to pre-support any kit, it should be this one. And so I pre-supported this one from the get-go. Um, and I, I don't know why I split the archers up at the time, but the archers were split, and I'm not 100 sure why. I, I, I might join them to the main kit because everyone who bought one has bought the other. So I may as well just put them together. I think it was because everyone already has the archers. They want the sword and shield. Yes. And if you had the sword and shield option, yes, then you may as well have the spear arm as well. And then I had the commanders and then the, the lords as well. But when they first came out, they, no, nothing happened. Because obviously the horse lord kits were the popular ones at the start. And I think it was the feral orcs, which... I don't think they represent a popular mm-hmm. army, so they didn't do much. Which it, um, it happens, and then oh, I that's think it sad. must be that's, that's, that's my, my, one of my favorites. Oh well, um, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, 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 I don't play very much. Part of the reason it's my favorite is because it is pretty niche. It, yes, okay, and, and like that's the ones I tend to go for as well. So, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I um, play Rohan mainly. I need to start diversifying, but I well, I need to start playing again. But yeah, then I think I moved on to elves, but these the elves that we are have now are the second generation because the first generation were similar but a little bit different and a little bit bland up. So I this is the second generation of elves and um Is that the wood elves or is that something else entirely? Oh uh, no that's something else something else. They're gone now. Yeah. They got updated. <laughs> yep. And the wood elves was the, my first experiment with more dynamic poses. I've been meaning to take those off and redo, redo those for ages, but some people are fond of those, so I've left them. I kind of no, like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I don't know. I like the armor. That's that's kind of cool. So I can, yeah, I'm probably not seeing the same thing you're seeing about them. Yeah. Um, it's it's just, I, I I see the method that they were posed in, posed in, and the same with some of the other other elves. But the other elves, I think, were, I think they hold up a tiny bit better. But, um, yeah, they did nothing when they came out. Now, the first few ones were were did were actually well, that, that they weren't terribly popular. And um, then the, the, the second generation, when I thought I kind of wanted to bring them up to par with some of the other sculptors, so I did what I could at the time, and this is what we have. That, that they sat basically on the shelf for months, and then in the last two months, all of a sudden they've spiked and they've been really popular so it's like some things have kind of were really popular for a month and that's it and then other things mm. sit and then are popular and so yeah I, I have no idea what to do with that information at the moment i will work it out as i go yeah nothing <laughs> yet there's not enough data <laughs> oh no i don't i don't think there is yet and no. um that's the thing gumroad has hasn't got the best features to look at that so um i keep my spreadsheets but but I've been really happy moving to Patreon because the the tricky thing with Patreon is okay. I'm, if I'm going to do a whole faction in a month, 
do people leave and come back when they want what's available or <laughs> yeah, how many people stick around i my goal was to hopefully get 100 in the first month and i reached that and had like 102 i think it was and I kind of thought, well, I got really lucky when I wanted a hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted a hundred and ten when I got that. But anyway, um, and I was really grateful for all of all of those people. Um, that was a big success. Um, I was very happy with that. But those people knew what they were getting in the first month because it was I had said what it was. But that was picked. So then the real test was going to be okay. So there's a Facebook group, and I put the poll: what do people want? And you know, people voted. But the Northern, but at this point, I think there might have only been 50, 60 people in the Facebook group because not everyone wants to. Some people just want the models and don't want to talk talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people want to be really involved. And I appreciate that there's different types. And so I, I don't push the people who are not, not interested in the chit-chat. But only 10, 10, 11 people voted around Northern Kingdom. So I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a real test of... Mm of um, what it looks like when you go month to month. Um, would people, would a lot of people drop because they're not interested in this one? Or is it, you know, this is a the month they're less interested in, but oh, there might be one or two things. And personally, the I, I try and make every model on the store at like $2 a figure. I figure that, you know, models these days cost 8 to $10 per model um, in some cases, or at least $6 per model um, in many cases. So yep. <laughs> I wanted to, to go, I think for 3D printing, that less than half is realistic uh, as a price point because the printing cost is almost negligible. And so less than half is something that's worthwhile. And, but also, and $2 a figure is still, keep in mind, if a model might, might take four hours to sculpt, you're relying on numbers with that. Yes, absolutely. With the, and um, with the Patreon, it's the fifteen dollars a month for up towards the thirty thirty models mark. Now, when I did when I first launched it, um, I had picked the price point at fifteen dollars because I had looked at some other models and I said models is in um, Patreon models like the the, the the like the price points of the different divisions, and I was I. Didn't want it to be convoluted with the different tiers and all that kind of stuff. I thought, yeah, I hate that stuff. Well, I ended up going with the different tiers for the different, like, yeah. split different things. But um, yours are pretty clear. That... Like, like, there's a merchant tier. I'm not interested in that because I'm not selling anything. Oh. Historical models tier, and then historical fantasy and fantasy. Like, like that's that's pretty yeah. straightforward. Some of them you get are just, just ridiculous, like... and they come with code names. And oh my goodness. Yeah, I wasn't interested in doing the names, and but I, I picked the fifteen dollar mark because I thought. I wanted to try and take in, in my head. I thought it's because sometimes in the store there'd be good months and bad months. I wanted to even it out, so I thought I picked that price point and I thought I need to obviously fill that. And doing thirty models for fifteen dollars—that's fifty cents a model at this point. Oh, which that's that's great. Like it's it's. Oh, it's great for all the people, and it's yeah. great for me as well. I'm I'm really happy, and I wouldn't change a thing. But when it started, I had thought I'd do 10 to 15 models, which at that point is still half the price of the store. So I thought it was still good value. And um, it only became more when I realized I had more time in the month and I could fit more in 
And then, to see, the first month only had 20. Which, mm-hmm. 20, and then 8 horses. And then the welcome pack. Uh, with the hobbits. So actually, it ended up having 33, or plus the... No, I had 33 in the end. Which, um, and that was the month I sculpted the Normans in. So, oh. um... And, and also, all of the um, Frontier province models. So I, I ended up doing a bunch that month. But, um, anyway... But then it was the Fell Kingdom month where um, like I'm always happy to go over, but I would never want to go under. But then we came to the Fell Kingdom month, and it was it that with my original vision for that would be like oh, I would do like a troll, a couple of orcs, the hillman, and things like that. That <laughs> changed because I appreciated that the um, people wanting to use these things primarily are people using it for a game and so they want the things that are relevant to that oh I always wanted to do the spectres and stuff like that but the troops choice that were in that were going to be something different and um but it did change as as the thing evolved but that's why then it grew because that thing's I can't remember how many are in that but it's the, the 12 orcs the 6 riders the 4 wards 22 wags, the... there's, there's a lot of stuff in that that, that pack it's, oh it's it's, it's, it's close to I think it's it's Plus, more than 30. Got, like, three I ghost heroes as well in there. It's, it's, it's yeah, awesome. so then on horses. All yeah. of the things. And um, and that was a daunting month to get done. Because, but honestly, I didn't, I could have handled, in high, when I say daunting to get done, I put off some of the things for a little bit. Um, I Like the orcs still, Towards the end, some of the things I thought would be hard were easy. Some of the things I thought would be easy were hard, and um, I did. I, I was very distracted that month with other models, and that's just you know learning to self control. <laughs> but need um, to hire someone anyway, to that was, work. Yeah, I need a boss, right? Um, yeah. But I, I saw a comment in um, um, some chat, and where someone had posted the link to the Patreon before it had launched where the description had said 15 models, $15. And I thought that was fine because it was cheaper than the store. And someone said, yeah, it's all right, but it's a bit expensive. <laughs> and I thought, I, I, I don't know. It's all, it's all obviously relative to what's, what people think is worth what, but um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, so now, now it's grown to what it is. And that's the thing is if, if I stuck to the 15 models for the, that I was going to do, it might not have grown. But that was kind of um, preparing for it to be small. But it had, now is not, which is great. And it's now kind of... It, it kind of takes two weeks or so to do the models for the Patreon. Mm-hmm. And it could be done in less. It's because I spent half the day working on other things. Um, I spent about a third of the time working on, I call it new development, where, um, which is either learning the program or um, making generic assets or preparing for other things or just learning, mm. essentially. And, um, and and a quarter of the time doing side projects and then half the, and the other half of the time that's left on either the Patreon or stuff at the store. It's allowed now... Like the Patreons kind of give give me sort of the backbone to be able to pursue like smaller things that 
Um, and there's a lot at the halfway point. So there's a lot of... Um, so, for instance, that elf on the universe and things like that. But, yeah, where was I going with that? Oh, no, yeah, what, what I was trying to allude to with that. <laughs> you basically say you have <laughs> some point spare somewhere. time to, to, to basically yeah. develop the company uh, and, and keep moving yes. forward. Yeah, especially, yeah because the, the Patreon grew really quick and I was really happy with how, how well it did. Um, and has has done so far, but yeah. So that was that was it. it was the retention between different months, and obviously I've only done two months, but I was very nervous going from one month to the next. Going, right, I built up the customers from in this first month. I had posted it on Facebook and I posted it on Instagram. I hadn't done, hadn't done any anything any advertising properly or anything like that. I don't think I'd even I might have posted it in. I posted a work in progress photo in, in the Facebook group. That's it. So I was going to let it, because I, I was letting it all grow organically as I was happy for things to grow organically as I learned, because then it's small while I'm making mistakes. But anyway, but now it's obviously a lot bigger. So I was wondering, and I was very nervous going, all right, all these, you know, the most popular things, models I had done were horse lords. And so when I did them again, I thought, oh, well, it's just all those people coming back. And that's, that's what they wanted the first time. That's what they're going to want the second time. Are they going to stick around for the next month? And luckily, the retention was really good. That's been great. And I'm confident it will be for the next month as well. Because I think the next month's models are, um, are there. So there's um, there's the knights. They've put in mounted um, knights with the um, their obsession with birds and the, with water birds. Um, mm-hmm. there's, and then there's the, the, the clansmen. With claymores and axes, and um, yeah. I really love those claymores models. They, I, I really, I haven't, don't think I posted any renders of them, but I posted all three characters in the um, in a, on a turntable video in the group chat, other group chat, the Facebook group, and I'm really happy with all three of those. Mm. And I haven't finished the knights. The knights, I've just been putting them off to the last minute. All <laughs> I have to do is more arms. Well, I, I've just got to do more arms, but um, because I know it will take me like half a day to do that. Um, because those the uh, clan the clansmen with claymores are um, have just separate heads, the axemen have separate heads, and I've got some helmeted options for those that look more like Billman helmets but still winged, kind of like the Jay Garrick Flash helmet almost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got the wings attached to the helmet as well on some of them, so it's um, they don't look like Jay Garrick. But, but then the Swan Knights, I thought because it's they're finally in armor, there's less cloth. So it's easy to make modular arms. So they've all got multi-part limbs. Oh, cool. And um, multi, multi-part is... The reason, it, I, and I, I know I said I had avoided it, I chose to do it with these ones because there's obviously lots of the knights that exist currently are all identical copies of each other. My axemen are not, and my clansmen are not. They're, they're all either slightly different with different socks or different armor, something that oh, they all fit together, but they got slightly different armor. The axemen, more so though, they've got this, they've also kind of got the chest plate and the chainmail, which is what we, we expect. But because of the heads being different, you can have the helmet heads and stuff like that. I had a look at English Billman, so I, yeah, I found a bunch of sort of photos of um, English sort of Billman with their pole arms, and so they look a little bit more like the War of the Roses sort of thing, but a lot of those, those have like the chest plate and well they don't have chainmail for one but obviously i have to have the chainmail to fit a look 
But I put um some of them have the not robes over top of it, but they're just they they're not copies of each other. They are um clearly supplied with what you know they're brought by themselves. So I'm happy with all of those. But then the knights, more so with the knights, I have started with I've got the five bodies on horse, and these ones on horse are not just the standard sitting in their saddle facing forwards. There's because they've got no heads and no arms. I've got them leaning to the right, back, leaning to the right, forward, leaning to the left, right, leaning to the back. So there's all the different variations of the torso. Oh, cool. But then when you add the arms and stuff like that, you can customize them with the spears, lances, swords, this kind of thing. But with the bodies, I haven't decided with the bodies what to do with those yet because I don't want to just have them all copies of each other like what already exists. kind of want to dress them up with really sort of flamboyant, sort of like, not Bretonia sort of stuff, but just some, um, just different cuts of cloth all over them, like dressing more flamboyant. I, I, I kind of feel like these guys are meant to be like the France of this whole area. And the knights, uh, and they've got, they, they clearly got the, the decked out armor and all this kind of stuff. They've got to have the most, they're, they're the ones with all the money, they're the nobility. I don't think they're all going to look the same. So I, I, I have all of the bodies that look the same. And, but I think I want to change them, but I'm undecided on whether I do, I put out the five bodies normally, and then the five bodies that are really sort of dressed up and very different, and then just have both versions, because that means supporting both, which supporting is time consuming. Um, I I haven't worked that one out. (laughs) I need to do some up with um, some more of that fancy look and just see whether it looks the part. Because if it looks the part, I think it's better, but... In my head, it looks right, but in other people's, I haven't, not sure yet. So, I haven't, yeah, that one's still toss up in the air, but, yeah, so anyway, next month, I'm confident, um, will will be a, a, another good month, hopefully, um, and, because I was expecting this month to be really small, and then next month to be the biggest, but this month has been way bigger than the one before it, before the last month, so, I'm hoping that the next month is, and it's at a point now where it's, sustaining me and enough extra to to invest back into it with um, i've got a new drawing tablet today things like that which are hopefully going to speed this whole process along and if it you know when when i get to the next step after that then it's finding an artist to do the um, concept art more regularly because at some point it's, it's it's fun not to do just rank and file miniatures it'd be fun to and I really love doing the models for the welcome pack and just having the halflings walk around with pumpkins, find the one of them walking. Yeah, the they were fun. Yeah, I, like... I, like, those are really cool. Just to have some characters and some. Since I've got no idea what I use them for, but they, they sometimes sometimes like, you have to paint something up and go, yeah, I want that. So I've got um on my desk at the moment, I've got the the halfling sitting on yeah. the barrel. I'm like, yeah, I've got to paint that guy up. Yes, they're meant to be NPCs. Like um, I, I don't know if anyone is, would use them in D and D or anything like that. Or objective markers. Oh, you're hundred percent. Thought... You got you got people who do Lord of the Rings miniatures for for role playing. You got people who do historics for role playing. Oh, people who do all yeah. kinds of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, by all means, they would. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Hopefully, someone gets something out of them somewhere. But I was kind of like every Patreon had had a welcome pack that I looked at. I, I knew I obviously need need to match what everyone else is doing and then do my own thing. And I all have the welcome packs. And the devil one, I can't remember what was in it. Whether it was um, terrain or goblins or something. I think it was both. I but, think it was. Um, I think it was terrain and goblins. I think, and I think it's also grown over time, which I intend to do. I tend to add some halflings every month. Oh, cool. um, like so, the last one that I added was um, halfling on a horse with a club. Oh, Might have I invented golf. That one. And, no. Oh, it's great. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm painting it at the moment. 
and it's it's supported. It's it's one of the the, the newer horses. Now you got me excited. But <laughs> I, I don't know what halfling I'm going to do this month, or whether I, or how many I'll do each month. When I do Northern Kingdom, I will do halfling archers. But I kind of thought I thought I should have fun with this one because this is one that's just like a gift sort of thing, right? It's the it's the welcome pack. So it doesn't need. I don't, I'm not like obligated to make it into a um. I mean, that's going to be used for a specific game or this no, or that. No, you just so need thought, something we'll that people can print straight away, know they're going to get a really easy print and something yeah. that looks good. That's all it has to be. It doesn't yeah. have to be anything special. Yeah, and I thought if I'm going to do something niche, and this is the time for it. Mm. And so I thought I'll start there. And um, I was going to try and like grow that sort of um, range of halflings because I would never have got around to doing those on the store. I'm looking forward to the one like someone. Uh, there was a point in time where where halflings were in the lock holes, and I would love to have a, a bound halfling, something that that someone's put together. So there's some ideas for. <laughs> I don't know whenever you get to it, January. The welcome pack it's, it's it's cute and it does sort of represent what you're doing as well. So I, I do, I do like that yeah. one. I, one of the things that I find with these patrons especially is it does take time to get the prints done and to to set up your settings. And I've had to um. I know with yours, because the supports are quite fine, I've had to go a bit conservative on my settings. So I've got a slightly yeah. higher um, exposure rate and slightly lower lift time because I don't want to just rip apart the model and or um, yes. make it too weak. So yeah. it's um, it's always a, a bit of a tempting. So I, in my, my little printer, I can comfortably fit like six models and the, the paraphernalia for it on the build plate. So it's trying to find out what six to print. is. It's a real choice at times and try to wait till it's warm weather to get the printer going because... It's living in the garage for me at the moment, so cold weather yeah. uh, doesn't always agree with it. Oh, I have yes. to expose to to some stupid nth degree. <laughs> so playing yeah. around that's tricky. So I haven't got through all the welcome pack yet, but I am looking forward to that's getting right. through them one at a time. And and uh, I'm going to definitely put up some photos. Yeah, I'm absolutely open to ideas with those. If anyone has any suggestions for those, I think the idea the idea with them is just to make something fun and. Um, there's, there's a couple of ideas I've, I've got left. This month, I was thinking of doing one uh, just on a pony with um, foot mounted on a pony, but with like it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty clear who it was a proxy for. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, yeah, I was thinking of doing that because I'm doing already doing the higher man, a halfling affiliated with them or something like that. That'd um, be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Re- returning home. I haven't started it yet, and I've got. A week left. Well, I put the Patreon out normally on every other month. I've been waiting for the test supports, the pre-supporting um, testing, which I think I need to. I, I've got the people who do. I do it, and people, other people do it as well. And um, I, I've got a couple of people that have been helping me with it. In hindsight, some of my friends in Sydney have just bought a three D printer, and they are going to be my test dummies now because I know that these work for people who have tuned printers. So I want to start sending it to my folks in Sydney who are not going to be very good with their 3D printer. Yeah, you want, you want rubbish for them. You want amateurs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're the ones, and no offense to anyone who's learning, but they're the ones who are going to be struggling more with um, area, like sort of, like with the, these finer settings. So they're the ones, I need to start with them because they're the ones who would take half an hour to support their own model. Whereas people who are very comfortable with have fine tuned printers, they know how to support how to tune their printer. Uh, sorry, do supports in no time and know exactly what they want. And most of the the sellers, the li- the sellers that do my um, models, 
um, on their Etsy pages and stuff like that. I don't think many of them use my supports. I think they all like to do their own. They optimize it for themselves, which is fair enough. Some of them as well, um, they love to, to print things in like a, a one tree so that they, they move a bunch of stuff yeah. together. Whereas your supports everything separate, which is great for someone like me who just wants to, I want a bit of this shield yeah. and I want this arm and I want this body. Whereas if you make mm. your business out of it, you probably want everything to just be a simple pack where you can just lift it off and throw it in the wash and yeah. cure it and away you go. Yeah, exactly. When I do heads, it, when I like would do it for me, I would do them all as one sort of tree like that. And so some of the very early models that I did had um, were designed to go in slotted bases. So I had the slots on the bottom. Oh. You, like the old plastic ones. That's all gone now because no one wants those. Apparently, no, we don't want those. Either. What I thought it was, I, I thought it was cute, and I thought that it makes the model stronger. It, because it's true. It, it probably would, but it absolutely did for the resin models having the slotted bases. I found for mine. I appreciate. Oh, my, the bases I use at the moment. I just I ordered the packs of a hundred from somewhere on Etsy or something like that, and just in bulk so that. Because I, the, the models just come, come in bulk at this point. So um, I just, every sort of month, I get another pack of 40, 40 cavalry bases and 100 infantry bases just so that I can uh, base the stuff. Yeah, I would put the, the heads on, on um, sprues. If, but then the reason I don't do it, because I, to me it makes sense, but then someone will turn around and say, can I have that head supported by itself? <laughs> yep. And that means going, and I don't want to say no, but, um, but yeah, I would like to put, say, if I have um, heads, I haven't tried it yet because I'm worried that it will happen, but maybe I should give it a go and just start doing heads in packs of three or six. If you want one head, print six. I'll have spare. It doesn't cost much, but I don't know about that yet. <laughs> because um, especially when there's helmet variety and stuff like that, it's so much easier to print and to handle when they're in groups like that. And especially, it's not just that. It's um the tricky thing with multi-part kits 3D printing. And I've printed my kits, and I I thought this as well, especially with the elves. And um, one of the other very early kits, actually the first kit was um some, was like some models that were pretty much lifted straight out of Shadow of War. I haven't got them up on the store anymore because of that. But they were representing the Gondor soldiers from that. I might put them online on Thingiverse at some point because I don't like the idea of things sitting unused. But anyway, those guys were... I did four archers that were in one piece. Then I did eight bodies and then eight bodies again with swords in their sheaths instead of empty sheaths. And I spawned all 16. And then I did... Seven arms with six um, spears, seven arms with swords, seven <laughs> arms with shields. The problem with that is, it's like, well, what if you want, like, one model that looks like this? Spear arm one, spear yes. arm two. You don't know which one's which. <laughs> and you learn it in the slicer. You can't work out which one's which. So if you're going to do multi-part kits, you have to print more pieces than you want. You have to have leftovers. But some, and for me, I do not care. I will print all of the extra parts and just leave them in a bits box. Happy to do that. But I appreciate some people are a little bit more conservative and would rather only print what they need. I, If I get a failed print, um, which like, is not terribly often, but every now and then I'll get a, I will get a failed print and I, I haven't thrown any of them away. I'm, 
I haven't got a booba kill, but if I get a booba kill, all of these failed prints are going on the base. <laughs> so, um, <Yeah. laughs> or, or a terrain base or something, but it hasn't happened yet. It never happened. So yeah, I don't mind printing a bunch of extra heads, but I think I need to try it and find out because it'd be because especially for multi-part kits, it's, it's you have to have all of these extra ones. So um, anyway, yeah, mm, absolutely. This is what absolutely. it is. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Thanks for for that that really in depth view of what's going on. And sure. um, I know that the Green Dragon is really excited about what you're doing. And and um, you, yeah. I know that that I've only got the one the one Patreon account, and I've only got the one printer for our little group. We've got like five That's or six right, in yeah. the group. I can tell you that the models are getting distributed amongst them because I've only got so many hands to paint. So I've got to got to distribute them, uh, and, and they will yeah. be on the table. So if you come down to Melbourne, check them out because you'll see some sure, some Redbury models on the tables and and. We'll run them in Games Workshop stores as well, just because we're that kind of people that like to be Ooh. a bit uh, a bit funny about that. So, so you definitely see them there Ooh. as well. That's gonna get me in trouble, but sure. <laughs> no, it won't get you in trouble. No, no, no. It's, uh... <laughs> nah, I'll be fine. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> we're all good. Um, yep. So, no, thanks so yeah. much for your time. And um, if any right. of the the listeners want to contact you, I think you're on Facebook, which is good. You can message you through yes. the site. You're on Patreon. Yes, the email is is on the there's the Facebook page. You can message straight through that. I'm. It's active on my phone. Uh, obviously, uh, my name is public as well. Find me there as well. Email. I don't always see the email, but the email's there. Don't message on the Patreon. That's not got a very good messaging system. Oh, but no, message on the Facebook. <laughs> yes. I try and respond to as much as possible message-wise um, on the Facebook, though. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Look, I hope, right. I hope the listeners got as much out of that as I did. But as I said at the start of the episode, it's all about me. So so I got heaps out of it. Yes. I really enjoyed that. So thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. Next on my next painting session is definitely going to be some Medbury models because I've got some, oh, some nice. ideas about what to do and I've got some paint schemes I want to try out. And when I can print a model for under 10 cents, then it doesn't matter what it's going to look like at the end. It's going to be fun. So that's all yeah. good. Thanks so much for coming on. And this right, is, we'll be you. back. I don't know when this episode is going to be released. It's going to be out of sequence uh, between all our normal stuff. So stay tuned yeah. for more. And uh, remember, Traps Win Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe. We're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at the Green Dragon Podcast or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.